Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. From Charlotte Motor Speedway in Charlotte, North Carolina, this is the MRN Broadcasting Company with coverage of the Napa National 500 NASCAR Winston Cup Grand National Stock Car Race. Co-hosts for today's broadcast are Jack Aroot and Barney Hall. Good afternoon, everyone, from Charlotte Motor Speedway. Well, if they could have ordered this weather by a prescription like you write them for drugs in the drugstore, you couldn't have asked for a better day than we have here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Not a cloud in the sky, beautiful visibility, sunshine out all morning long, and the temperatures are forecast to be in the low 70s. Just ideal racing day here at Charlotte. Crowd-wise, Jack and Ruth are going to pack them all the way down to the fence. I think we'll have the largest crowd in the history of the Speedway. We say that at a lot of races, but at Charlotte Motor Speedway yesterday, they jammed some 60,000 fans in here for the World Service Live 300, and today they were predicting a crowd in excess of 100,000. Well, it's a good indication, Barney, of the work and the efforts that have gone in by the entire Charlotte Motor Speedway staff in making this the ultimate in motorsports facilities. They have undergone some $3 million in transformation in the last two years here, and we see some new pavement in turns three and four with the announcement that prior to the World 600, the entire one-and-a-half-mile facility will be covered in some two inches of brand-new asphalt, which should accelerate the speeds despite the fact that we had a record-breaking pole position qualifying day on Wednesday. The 20th annual Napa 500, this one has everything going for it. The fastest field of the history of the track, they averaged over 162 miles an hour. Other things that the fans will be watching closely today. Richard Petty trying to overhaul Darrell Waltrip's slim 48-point lead for the National Winston Cup points driving title. And the anticipation of the fans today that one of the rookie drivers might come flying to the front of the pack and win the Napa 500. They felt that way for the last few weeks. They've been looking better and better in the form of Harry Gant, Dale Earnhardt, Joe Milliken, and Terry Labonte. They almost feel that they have to win sooner or later. This is the kind of racetrack they can do it on. And even the drivers themselves, they're anxious to find out how much this track has changed due to the new paving up in turns three and four that Jackie Root just commented on. Some of the drivers like it, but some of them do not like it. And before the day is over, turns three and four could easily dictate the flow of this race. And it may begin to surface, as Darrell Waltrip told us yesterday, in turns one and two. Three and four, well, it's bumpy. It's got some bumps in it. It's new pavement. No fault of the speedway due to the fact but the pavement was laid down and it created some problems. But where they begin to surface is not necessarily in three and four, but down in one and two, because the speeds going into that turn have accelerated because the groove has changed here in the trioval. And we'll talk more about that throughout the race with some of the drivers that will be in competition. A driver everyone will be watching, hometown favorite Buddy Baker here. He felt like on Wednesday, the first day of qualifying, that he could win the pole. He'd been the fastest in practice, and he turned a near-perfect lap. And everybody said, well, that'll get him on the pole. It will break the Wood Brothers' streak. It didn't work that way. And Baker had a long face burl for a little while after the qualifying was over. But, Jackie, he's pretty happy to be starting on the front row. Well, I do. I feel very, uh, very good about it. The car's working well. It's running very fast down the straightaways. And I think as the race goes on in, uh, say, halfway or so, my extremely good straightaway speeds and all uh, will have a lot to do with how we run in the race. 
And as far as Neil Bonnet's efforts, everybody says the Wood Brothers' streak of winning pole positions time after time after time, 13 in a row they've done it. Neil Bonnet's done it the two times he's been here. He did it at the World 600 in May. They didn't feel he would do it this time, even Glenn and Leonard themselves. Particularly Leonard on Wednesday said their streak had to end sometime, but it didn't end Wednesday, and Bonnet did it again. And knowing the Wood Brothers' record here in qualifying, I asked Neil before that came about if that gave him a big advantage. You feel good all week until it's time to climb in that race car. Then uh, it's time to perform, you know. Uh, the string, <clears throat> excuse me, the string is so long that someday that motor's got to miss a lick coming off a corner, got to slip in the corner. The, something's got to happen someday to break it. But just it's unbelievable. It just keeps continuing. And the hardest thing for me to do was I sat on the truck and watched, uh, watched Buddy run that lap. And I felt like it was the perfect lap. He ran down in the corner real hard. He got through a perfect line through both corners. And he turned that lap. And I was on the top of the truck with Richard Petty. And I said, you know, he was talking. I said, boy, that's going to be hard to beat. And I honestly felt like it was going to take the perfect lap to beat him. And lucky enough, we got one in. And it, and it did beat him. You know, the, the car just performed super. super and it, uh, someday it's going to stop. I don't know when. Well, continuing to talk with Neil Bonnet about that, I ask him, it has to do something for a driver to come here and keep that record alive. I asked him what it did for him. Yeah, Barney, you know, the, the Woods come here, that was number 13 for them, but that was just number two for me. Uh, if I'd had number one, it'd just been, well, he got one of them, you know. Uh, you know, the car's good enough to do, you know, it's going to carry him along like that. But then to come back and get the second one in a row, uh, where it wasn't just a fluke deal that I managed to get a lucky lap in the first race. So, uh, I'm, you know, what people don't realize is every week I get to feeling a lot better in that race car. I feel like I can perform a little bit better. The car is capable. I don't know the capabilities of the car. I don't think a lot anybody knows what that car is capable of doing. But I know my capabilities have been improving each week, and I've just really been working hard at it. And in turn, Litter and I are getting a lot, getting a lot of race savvy working together, and uh, it's kind of getting us headed in the right direction. Another factor that everyone will be watching here today, the Speedway and the Napa folks have posted $50,000 in Napa Supercharger Awards. Now, how that will work, the driver who leads the most laps overall under green will collect an extra $15,000. The driver who leads the second most laps under green will collect $10,000 and so on down the line as the money will drop down per position down through ninth place in overall leading. And everybody's wondering, Buddy Baker changed his style up at Martinsville, Virginia a couple of weeks ago. He paced himself, drove a perfect race up there to win that old Dominion 500. But Baker's a charger, and we ask him, would he charge for the lap money today? Well, Barney, this don't sound like Buddy Baker talking, but uh, I found out one thing. All the prize money in the world, not like the checkered flag, you know, if you sit there and you run your heart out all day and you blow up at halfway just for the sake of uh, prize money, I really don't see that. People remember a winner, and uh, a lot of times if you bide your time and sit there, uh, Martinsville is a good example of that. I sat in fourth and fifth spot, and then I got the lead for a while, and then I went back to fourth and fifth. But the race will come to you if you got the equipment sooner or later. And if I start out Sunday and it's easy to lead, then I will. If I feel like I'm taxing the race car too much to win the 500, then I'll back off and run where I can. Let's take a look at the starting lineup for the Napa 500 here today. In 40th position, shotgun on the field in car number 81, David Sosby from Carrollton, Georgia, will be starting the Sosby Chevrolet. 39th position, Jody Ridley, one of the top sportsman drivers on the East Coast from Chatsworth, Georgia, will start the Sonny King Honda Ford Mercury. J.D. McDuffie will leave from 38th position here today. He's from Sanford, North Carolina, in the Bailey Excavating Chevrolet. 37th position, and a lot of folks who have never had a chance to see Kyle Petty in competition will do so here today. That's Richard Petty's son from Randleman, 
North Carolina driving the STP Dodge. 36th position in car number four, and that's a change. James Hilton will be starting the Palatine Automotive Chevrolet. There's a story there. We'll talk about it later this afternoon. And remember back in 1969 at Talladega, Richard Brickhouse, who won the Talladega 500 out there in that inaugural event, will start today in 35th position. He's from Rocky Point, North Carolina, in the Reeves Oldsmobile. Starting 34th on the grid from North Huntington, Pennsylvania, he'll be driving Elmo Langley's Sunny King Honda Ford Thunderbird. It's Tommy Gale. And on the inside of that 17th row, the car qualified by Roger Hamby of Ferguson, North Carolina, the King's Inn Resort Motel, Daytona Beach Bay Chevrolet, Steve Pfeiffer of San Francisco, California, will start the car from 33rd on the grid. Going 32nd is Buddy Arrington of Martinsville, Virginia, in the Butch Reed Trailer Sales Dodge Magnum, and flanking Arrington on the inside of the 16th row is Jim Vandiver of Huntersville, North Carolina in the O.L. Nixon Oldsmobile. H.B. Bailey of Houston, Texas has brought the Alameda Auto Parts Pontiac to post position 30, but Frank Warren of Springfield, Massachusetts and Harrisburg, North Carolina will be starting the car to gather in points. Bill Dennis of Richmond, Virginia qualified the Iron Peddler's Oldsmobile from the Baxter Price stable from 29th position. Baxter Price from Monroe, North Carolina will start the car from 29th on the grid. 28th position, the youngster from Penargil, Pennsylvania, Ty Scott in the Rust Togs Buick. 27th on the field is Dick May from Watertown, New York in the McClure's Motors Ford. And if Jackie, if that car should have problems, Dick May will probably be in a third of the cars in the field before the day is over. He is that kind of a driver. 26th position, Ronnie Thomas from Christiansburg, Virginia in the Stones Cafeteria Chevrolet. Dave Marcus starts from 25th position in the grid today. The driver from Wausau, Wisconsin in the Shoney Chevrolet. Starting 24th on the field will be Bobby Brack of Miami, Florida in the Raymock Enterprises Chevrolet. And 23rd on the field, the young Texas driver John Rezac from Alvin, Texas starts the RPM Enterprises Oldsmobile. Starting 22nd on the grid and starting the car will be Cecil Gordon of Forest City, North Carolina. It's the Belden Asphalt Chevrolet, also carrying the colors of Anheuser-Busch Natural Light Beer this afternoon. Taking over during the first pit stop will be Glenn Jarrett, second-generation driver, son of Ned Jarrett, our pitside correspondent, Jarrett from Conover, North Carolina. And flanking Jarrett Gordon, the Jarrett Gordon entry in 21st position on the inside of the 11th row is former First National City Travelers Checks Rookie of the Year. From Chesapeake, Virginia, he'll be driving the Trucksmore Mercury. From Richmond, Virginia, the Junie Dunleavy Stable, the driver from Chesapeake, Ricky Rudd, he'll be starting 21st. Dick Brooks will fill post position 20 from Porterville, California. He'll be driving the Maylock Chevrolet, the Cunningham Kelly Chevrolet, qualified by Cuckoo Marlin of Columbia, Tennessee. There was a story there in itself, Barney Hall. The car will be started by Jimmy Means of Huntsville, Alabama. Cuckoo had some terrible luck in the first qualifier for the Goodies Headache Award today. In the last final practice session yesterday afternoon, he slammed into the wall coming out of turn number four, tore the car up good. They have not been able to affect total repairs on the machine, so it is a question mark just how long that car will run. Means will start it from 19th position. Starting in row nine, in 18th position, Richard Childress, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, starts the CRC Chemical Chevrolet. Flanking Childress will be D.K. Ulrich from Harrisburg, North Carolina, the U.S. Army Buick, and he may run strong here today. There's high hopes for a good finish on that team. Starting 16th, John Anderson from Massillon, Ohio, in the Drame Race Engine Chevrolet. He's a youngster we'll be talking about throughout the afternoon here also. And Jack Ingram, the Iron Man from Asheville, North Carolina, starts the Ken Cole Mining Chevrolet in 15th position. In row 7, 14th starter on the grid, Terry Labonte, the impressive young rookie from Corpus Christi, Texas, starts the Stratograph Chevrolet, and flanking him, another youngster who's beginning to show an awful lot of promise, Bill Elliott from Dawsonville, Georgia, in the Yandel Thermo King Mercury. The current leader of the First National 
Capital City Travelers Checks Rookie of the Year title for 1979, Joe Milliken of Randleman, North Carolina, has planked his appliance wheel Chevrolet into post position 12. Flanking Milliken on the inside of the sixth row in 11th spot is Chuck Pound of Portland, Oregon. He'll be driving the Boy Scouts of America Special Chevrolet. And Harry Gant, another Rookie of the Year contender from Taylorsville, North Carolina, will be driving the Madison, Connecticut-based Race Hill Farm Chevrolet starting in the 10th position. Going 9th on the grid in the STP Chevrolet, Richard Petty of Randleman, North Carolina. This will be his 801st start in Winston Cup Grand National Competition, and he has 189 career victories to his credit. What about it, Richard? Qualifying ninth fastest. Were you surprised or were you disappointed at how well you did on Wednesday? Well, both, I guess. I mean, I was really surprised that we ran that fast, and then I was surprised that the rest of them, disappointed maybe that the rest of them run faster. Uh, you know, I knew they was all running quick and everything, but uh, practice and stuff, we really wasn't that far off. I mean, uh, you know, we was uh, we was a lot closer in speed-wise, but uh, we, we qualified about the same as what we've been practicing, and, and most of them picked up a little bit. So uh, overall, I, I think we're pretty satisfied, not with the way we qualified, but with the way the car is working. This NASCAR season, Toyota Racing isn't looking for just anyone to join the team. No, we're looking for bankers the ones who are open on Sundays. So if you live for the gravity-defined 31-degree banks like this one on Turn 4 at Daytona, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Back in row four, starting in eighth position, and a gentleman who everybody will be watching today, Dale Earnhardt from Kannapolis, North Carolina, starts the Austerland Chevrolet Day. And there's a little concern there on his crew chief's part today, J.C. Elder. Not so much about the youngster's ability, but the fact that running in front of hometown folks, it just puts an awful lot of pressure on you. He wants to make such a good showing here today. It's going to be interesting to see how Earnhardt will pace himself in this race. Donnie Allison, Hueytown, Alabama, former winner of the Napa National 500, starts from seventh spot in the Hawaiian Tropic Chevrolet. And what about it, Donnie? What type of race strategy do you do, do you develop for a 500-mile contest here at Charlotte? Well, you know, you try to plan, uh, Jackie, what you're going to do. Uh, I know myself, uh, I have to feel that there's a couple guys that want to run and, and lead the race. And, uh, you know, myself, uh, I'd like to lead early, but, uh, you know, here in the 600, it it took me a while to get the lead, 40-something laps, and uh, if it takes me 40, 50, or 100, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to win the race. And uh, uh, once I get there, then then we'll race. Uh, it's uh, I don't know. I'll have to. I'm my plan is all right now to start the race like I always do and see what happens. Third row, we'll find Bobby Allison of Hueytown, Alabama, in the Warner W. Hodgden Bud Moore tuned Thunderbird, starting on the outside, while going in fifth position, the hard luck driver, one that really needs a win bad, Barney Hall, from Ellerby, North Carolina, former Winston Cup Grand National driving champion. He's behind the wheel, the MC Anderson Chevrolet, it's Benny Parsons starting in fifth. I think if I had to pick a dark horse to come out of the pack today and get it done, Parsons might just surface up front before it's all over. In row two, starting fourth, Cale Yarbrough, Timmonsville, South Carolina, starts the Bush Chevrolet. And starting alongside of Cale, Darrell Waltrip from Franklin, Tennessee, in the Gatorade Chevrolet. As the pressure continues to build on driver Waltrip and his Gatorade crewmates as he goes after his first national driving title on the Winston Cup Tour. 
Front row, Buddy Baker, Charlotte, North Carolina, and the Wynn Incorporated Chevrolet is outside. Starting inside, Neil Bonnet, who kept the Wood Brothers streak alive at 13 consecutive poles here at Charlotte Motor Speedway, starts the Pure Lady Mercury from the number one spot. And he eclipsed the record that was retained by the Wood Brothers set so many years ago when Cale Yarbrough was their driver. It's 13 straight pole positions, a new record, 164.304 miles per hour. And the question mark that we all have is, will Neil Bonnet be given the go-ahead to chase for the lap money, or will he have to pace himself this afternoon? Pretty well turn the reins loose with me. Uh, I've always liked to run up front. Uh, when I had my own cars and drove for Harry Hyde and everything, I used to just run the wheels off the car, and I felt like I was going to have to make an adjustment here. And I tried to make uh, an adjustment to figure how to run the car hard and save a little bit of it, which uh, I hadn't been doing a whole lot of. But with that $50,000 up there, that's more than the total purse that, uh, for winning the race. So I've got a feeling since we're sitting on the pole, if there's any possible way to lead this thing comfortably, I'm going to do it. And if I have to run the car so ragged that I feel like I'm wearing a motor out, and I'm on the verge of wrecking all the time. If somebody's really dialed in and it makes it hard for me to lead the race, well, I'm going to be satisfied to fall in a good spot there and uh, try to win this thing. Eight drivers eclipsed the old track record held by Cale Yarbrough. The separation in the field, a scant one and a half seconds, and the average speed for the entire starting field, a brand new record, 160.002 miles per hour. It's time now for Grandstand Commentary with the editor of National Speed Sport News, Chris Economaki. Grandstand Commentary is brought to you by Goodies Headache Powder. More people are switching to goodies because goodies cost less. And by 2020 Eye Drops, the only eye drops guaranteed to remove redness. For today's thoughts from the Grandstand, here's the Dean of American Motorsports Broadcasters, Chris Economaki. We all know auto racing in a general sense is an international sport. But what about stock car racing? Is it peculiar only to the United States, or is it enjoyed in other countries? For an interesting insight into a major league stock car race on the other side of the world, stay tuned. With the high-speed tension of NASCAR racing today, you know there's got to be a lot of headaches that come with every race. Of course, you can end up with a real on-the-job headache no matter how you make your living. So it's not surprising that more and more hard-working people are switching to the hard-working headache powder, goodies. Over the years, folks have come to know and trust goodies headache powders. They know that goodies' proven combination of ingredients stops a painful headache in its tracks. And here's something else to consider. When you look at the way other products have gone up in price these days, remember this. You can't buy a faster or more effective headache powder than goodies. So why should you pay more when goodies gives you the fastest effective relief you want for less money? Just read the label and use as directed. And the next time a headache hits you, get back on your feet in a hurry with the hard-working headache powder. Goodies. When the Napa National 500 hits the TV screen in this country, what the viewer sees is usually a condensed or highlight version, perhaps 25 to 35 minutes in length, starting with a green flag and ending with a shaker. Not so in Australia, where this reporter last week attended the Hardy Ferrota 1000, not only the country's largest order race, but the nation's most popular TV sporting event, soccer, horse racing, and rugby notwithstanding. The Hardy Ferrota was a 621-mile race on Mount Panorama, a 3.81-mile road circuit in Bathurst, the country's oldest inland city, some 135 miles west of Sydney. The race is for production cars with very limited modifications. 
seat cushions must stay in. And there's no racing gear allowed other than special wheels, tires, and the customized safety equipment such as roll bars, shoulder harnesses, fire extinguishers, etc. There are two drivers per car, and it takes over six hours to complete the race distance. The most remarkable aspect of the event is that it is covered from start to finish live by television, with the coverage beginning at 8 a.m., two hours before the start, and continues until the awards ceremonies are conducted at 5 p.m. The race itself and the 18-camera telecast have caught the fancy of the Aussies, with hearty watching parties, the end thing, where the family will invite many guests and arrange a barbecue or formal dinner, and then 30 or 40 people party all day long, keeping tabs on the progress of the race. It's not watched as closely as our Super Bowl football game will be watched, but it's watched at any rate from start to finish. At the track itself, the scene is vastly different than the stateside version of a major race. Despite a spectator turnout of close to 50,000, there is not one single grandstand or bleacher seat in all of Mount Panorama Circuit. At the top of the track, over 600 feet above the start-finish line area, there's a park. And halfway back to the start-finish line, there's a gold mine just 200 feet off of Conrad Strait. A mile-long straight as a narrow stretch that lets competing cars roller coaster up and down at 165 miles an hour. Whereas we have our hot dogs and soda pop, the Aussies go for pies. Not the fruit variety like ours, but rather four-inch meat pies baked in a crust, which they enjoy with a hot cup of tea, all sold by wandering vendors. Of the 60 cars and 120 men that take part in the race, many are amateurs and weekend warriors. But the Aussies also have their petties, pierces, yarboroughs, and elephants, too. One of the finest racing drives we've ever seen was turned in by Peter Brock and Jim Richards in a factory-prepared Holden Dealer Team Tirana. That's a small Australian General Motors car that started on the pole, led every lap, collected all the lap money, and broke the race record. And when the bright red and white car finished, it looked as though it had just come from a car wash. It was so perfectly prepared and well-driven. For all of its differences, the Hardy Ferrota 1000 was most interesting and exciting sporting event. And this is Chris Economaki reporting. Grandstand commentary has been brought to you by Goody's Headache Powder. More people are switching to goodies because goodies cost less. And by 2020 Eye Drops, the only eye drops guaranteed to remove redness. The opinions expressed on Grandstand Commentary are those of Chris Economaki, and not necessarily those of the Motor Racing Network, International Speedway Corporation, or this radio station. At the Charlotte Motor Speedway, just minutes away from the start of the 20th annual Napa 500, and what a race it should be today. It has all the ingredients... All the way back through the field, you can winter could come as far back as almost the tail end of the field for that matter. We see a car back there that we'll update you on in a moment. Harry Gant has moved to the rear end of the field, and Ned Jarrett will be standing by in the pits momentarily to update us on that. But for the moment, let's take a swing around the speedway to familiarize you with the voices of our turn reporters who will be covering the action here this afternoon. Down in the south end of the track in turn one is Mike Joy. Very difficult racetrack, Charlotte Motor Speedway. Coming off the start-finish line, there's a quick left-hand dogleg that leads you into about a 1,000-foot short straightaway. 
and into the 18-degree banking of turns one and two. It was the opposite end of the speedway that was recently repaid, but several drivers, including Darrell Waltrip, think that the first and second turns will be the trouble spot today. Waltrip says you're getting such a good bite off the fourth turn, it's sending you into the first turn a lot faster than you've ever gone before, and that has given a whole new racing groove to the first and second turn. It used to be that the low groove was the short way and the fastest way around. But now coming in so fast, you've got to take a higher line going in. And in yesterday's World Service Life 300, Waltrip ran most of the race in the second groove from the top of the speedway. The problem this presents is that if that groove gets slicked up, as it did yesterday, where do you go? You've only got one racing lane left before you get to the retaining wall. And as Harry Gant found out yesterday, that retaining wall is not far away. He clipped it pretty good up in turn number two while racing Waltrip for the lead. It was a lot of spin-outs, a lot of blown engines down at this end of the track yesterday. The track is quite greasy at this end of the speedway, and it'll be one of the action spots this afternoon. You come down off that 18-degree banking in turn number two, and the back stretch, as opposed to the front straightaway, is a long, straight shot into turn number three. And a lot of drivers will use the second turn banking to set up a slingshot. They'll run that high groove and then quickly slam down to the bottom to the inside lane to use the back stretch for passing. Back to the tower. Covering the action up in the north end of the speedway will be Eli Gold. Well, Barney, of course, this racetrack, the Charlotte Motor Speedway. But when you talk about turns three and four, the name this week has been changed to the newly repaved Charlotte Motor Speedway. What does the new racing surface mean in turns three and four? Well, it's simple in very different areas. As Mike just said, the cars are going to stick very well because of the new surface. But we've seen cars breaking the old qualifying record simply because of increased speeds they've picked up here in the third and fourth turn. And also with the extra bite coming off the fourth corner, an extra eight to ten miles an hour as you head back towards the start-finish line. In days past, you could go pretty deep into the th number three turn before you had to commit yourself towards number four and then the eventual exit back towards the start-finish line. Now, you've got to make that commitment quite early. And, of course, as you enter turn number three, planning ahead for a move in turn number four, if you guess wrong, you could very, very easily pay the price as you try and exit the turn. The old slingshot effect is still here. You've got the cars with the tendency to push towards the outside retaining wall as they exit turn number four, and that could very much be a factor here this afternoon again. But now, new racing surface in the third and fourth corner. You can go pretty well wide open right through the turn. See what happens. It's going to be quite an afternoon of racing. It's a built-in new personality to this end of the speedway. The cars are going to be coming off the turn. They head towards the trioval area and then back to the start-finish line. The command of fire engines has been given, and on pit road, 40 automobiles come to life. Here, as we get set for the $300,000 Napa National 500, and covering the action on pit road for the MRN Broadcasting Company is two-time Winston Cup Grand National Champion and MPA Hall of Famer Ned Jarrett. Well, thank you very much, Jackie Root, and good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. The command has been given, and you can hear in the background, the engines have been fired. You mentioned that Harry Gant had moved to the rear of the field, and the reason is he had changed tires. He qualified on McCrary tires, but he changed to Goodyear tires for this race, and as a result, had to move to the rear of the field. Everything is set down here. The crews are already anticipating a real fine, fast race here this afternoon. We've talked so much about turns three and four and just where it will begin to surface. We touched upon the comments from Daryl Waltrip, but to put it all in perspective, let's get Waltrip's thoughts on turns three and four. Well, what I'm finding is, uh, you know, we get through three and four so fast now that uh, one and two is creating uh, most of the problems. You've seen a lot of wrecks in one and two, and it's because the cars are probably going uh, 
10 miles an hour faster going into that turn than we were here, say, in May. And it's causing the cars not to handle as well in that turn, and it's creating a lot of problems. The three and four turn is rough, but the track is so tight and adhesive that the cars are hitting the bumps and moving, but they're not spinning or sliding that much. In the one and two, you're going so fast that the cars are sliding up to the fence a lot faster, a lot harder, and you're getting in the turn a lot harder. So it's creating some problems. For Neil Bonnet, who has put the Pure Later Mercury on the pole for the 13th consecutive time, well, he likes to start on the pole for more than the $10,000 that was up for grabs on Bush Pole Position Day. Well, when you're in front, there's nobody in front of you. You ain't got to dodge a slow. When you're in fifth, you got to dodge four of them. When you're in 15th, you got to dodge 14 people. So uh, I think the closer to the front at the first of the race until the race pattern settles down and the good cars get sorted out and your lead cars get away, and then it goes down to who's going to be running at the end and racing. I, I think it's really important to be out front. And, I'm going to put out an effort to try to be there. The engines continue to rumble on pit road. The field about to move out as the pace car from Charlotte Motor Speedway leads them down the long pit road down into turn number one. The crowd continues to pour in here this afternoon. The infield completely jammed. And as we told you, just as we came on the air this afternoon, it is just beautiful weather here in autumn day in North Carolina. Sun shining brightly. Temperatures forecast to stay in the low 70s. And a quick check. Let's go down to our turn reporters briefly. And it looks like, gentlemen, there's quite a breeze coming out of the western part of the speedway. It'll be blowing across turns one and two and three and four. It might make a difference, Mike Joy. That's one item we didn't touch on earlier, Barney. The wind was just reported by the Weather Service at 30 knots at 3,000 feet. And down here at ground level on the roof of the first turn grandstand, it's about a 20, 22 knot wind. That is quite stiff and it's a steady, constant wind. It's not gusting very much. It's coming from turn one and blowing almost diagonally across the track up towards turn number three. That'll affect the cars coming out of turn two all the way down the backstretch and into three. Benny Parsons told us yesterday that a wind of this velocity will have a significant effect on the handling of the race car. It's going to be something to watch out for. The sportsman cars yesterday had quite a bit of trouble with the wind gusts, and if it keeps up as stiff as it is right now, it could create some problems for these cars coming off the turn two banking and going up into turn number three. Well, you wouldn't think that just a 20 or 30 mile an hour wind would make a difference on a 3,700 pound race car, but you must remember they're moving speeds of approximately 170 miles an hour at many points on this track, and the car at that particular stage might weigh less than six or 700 pounds of actual surface gripping to the track and just a slight gust or breeze can move you over a foot or two and that can make the difference of getting into somebody or not. Barney, as the cars rolled off a of pit road here, they were given the signal for two laps. They'll give them two warm-up laps under the behind the pace car before they drop the green here. We've touched upon it briefly about the fact that in 1979, a rookie has already scored a victory in Winston Cup Grand National Competition. Many of the pit side observers feel that Charlotte Motor Speedway could become the second place here on the, on the $4.5 million circuit where a rookie could do it. And for a fellow like Dale Earnhardt, well, he feels as a rookie that he has a little bit of an edge coming into this Napa National 500. One and two is uh, the hardest corner, I think, because it gets greasy and slick down there. And I've been able to run faster through there than most people have during races, so, you know, I'm looking to beat them down there and, and be able to run with them down in three and four because it's, it's a new corner, it's tight. Darrell Waltrip, who qualified on the pole for the World Service Life 300, ran the race all afternoon yesterday. We'll give you a complete rundown on the Simonized World Racing scoreboard. This is the second 500 miles. He's already logged 300 yesterday. What about it, Darrell? Running on Saturday, do you think maybe that gives you a little bit of an edge going into today's race? Well, it should. Uh, you know, speed-wise, these cars aren't that much different than a Grand National, and maybe uh, maybe we'll learn something today that'll be uh, beneficial to us tomorrow. We always try to 
use our late model sportsman program as a learning grounds for what we do on our Grand National cars. So, uh, you know, it might be an advantage. We hope so. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy four tires to Noco Racing Fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Money's back here for Ryan Blaney, four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. Well, we'll just have to wait and see if he's filed away enough from the education yesterday. 300 miles, the drivers, the Grand National drivers that were in competition, it was Daryl Waltrip. It was Dave Marcus. Also involved in that race yesterday was Bobby Allison and Richard Childress. And you can be sure that they've got some on-the-job experience and how it applies here in race conditions where some of the other drivers just had to watch from the tower from pit road yesterday. Well, as Ned Jarrett said a moment ago, the indication was for two laps before they drop the green, and it looks like they will cut them loose this time by as they've just crossed the start-finish line, the field about halfway down the back straightaway. A lot of questions will be answered here today. The pressure beginning to build on Darrell Waltrip and his bid for his first National Winston Cup driving title. Richard Petty feels like that he's in good shape to do it. We talked to him, but he's not commenting a lot about it. But the Petty team has been all smiles for the last few weeks, and he should be tough here this afternoon. But so will 39 other drivers. The field is moving into turn three in front of Eli Gold. We set the rows for you. The front row, Neil Bonnet, going to be joined by Buddy Baker. That second row has Darrell Waltrip and Cale Yarborough, Benny Parsons and Bobby Allen in row three, Donnie Allison, Earnhardt in row four, Richard Petty now joined by Joe Milliken in row number five. The pace car coming off the banking of number four corner. It takes the hard left out of pit road. Slowly they work towards the start finish line. Bonnet and Baker up front and they head to the line for a start. Just about 300 yards away from the start finish line, Chip Warren waving his left hand and pointing his finger to hold it down for a good clean start. Green flag just 50 yards away as they dive down into the number one corner. Bonnet comes up through the gearbox quickest and takes the lead in turn one. The inside row on the move as Neil Bonnet has the line into the first turn. Darrell Waltrip underneath Buddy Baker by half a car length for second spot. They almost touch up there in the second turn. Yarborough is fourth, Bobby Allison fifth. Sixth is a dead heat between Parsons, Joe Milliken as they move in the backstretch. As your leader continues to be Neil Bonnet, Darrell Waltrip in a steady spot number two, Buddy Baker going three. The battle now for fourth place, Cale Yarborough to the high side of Bobby Allison, exiting the number four corner, Neil Bonnet leading lap number one. Neil Bonnet will lead the first lap of the National 500 this afternoon across the stripe and does it healthy by at least eight car lengths over Waltrip. They head back to one. Front eight cars run single file with Baker in third, Yarborough fourth, now Earnhardt. Moves up the outside in the fifth position. Yarbrough takes him up near the wall. Earnhardt holds fifth. Bobby Allison is sixth. Benny Parsons, seventh. Then Donnie Allison and Richard Petty coming up on the inside. Predictably, Jimmy Means takes the one lap. He heads the Cuckoo Marlin automobile onto Pitt Road. Your leadership now is that of Neil Bonnet. He's got four car lengths over a closing Darrell Waltrip. Single file to Buddy Baker. Everybody's staying down low. It's three and four. Single file. They're feeling this racetrack out. Not doing much passing in the early going here this afternoon. Bonnet in front. Waltrip riding second. Baker riding third. They're back in one. The battle is for eighth spot. Richard Petty on the move on the high side. Way up high. Goes around Donnie Allison and up into eighth position. 
Dale Earnhardt had a look at Cale Yarbrough for fourth, but he's back in single file, running in the backstretch. As they go, Neil Follett, number one, Darrell Waltrip, feeling a challenge by Buddy Baker for second place. Buddy looks to the inside, Waltrip goes down low and stays with him. Running fourth right now is going to be Cale Yarbrough, fifth, Earnhardt, sixth, Bobby Allison, Benny Parsons, seventh, Richard Petty going eighth, Johnny Allison, ninth. They continue to run single file as they fill the racetrack out. That first lap turned at an average speed of 160.095 miles an hour. Well, you heard Neil Bonnet tell us in the beginning of the show this afternoon here at Charlotte Motor Speedway that the Wood Brothers had turned the reins loose and would let him run for that lap money. Now, if he can lead Jack Aruth the most laps here this afternoon, and conceivably he could do it the most green flag laps through the halfway mark. When we were halfway through this race, he's already picked up $10,000 for the Bush Pole. He would be $25,000 ahead of the game with the race only half over. And that's just almost as good as winning a race here, but it does not go down in the record books as a victor in the Napa National 500. Several driver exchanges already on pit road. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. Glenn Jarrett has replaced Cecil Gordon in the car number 19. They lost about two laps in that exchange, Jackie. Richard Brickhouse just came into the pits. The hood goes up on that car, so a tough break early in the race here for the driver trying to make a comeback. Things begin to heat up in the battle for second position. It's hub to hub midway down the backstretch between Baker and Dale Earnhardt. Earnhardt has the inside groove on Baker, and he steps on the button nicely, goes way down low on the racetrack, glued there well. He floats back up in front of Buddy Baker. It's going to be Bonnet with Earnhardt, Baker, and Walsh at one to four. Dale Earnhardt has just scooted up into the number two spot as he trails now Neil Bonnet by just a half a car length. He puts a move on him in turn one. Earnhardt looked to the inside in the dog leg and into turn one, moves halfway up the racetrack to trail Bonnet in the turn. Now at turn two, Earnhardt dives to the bottom of the racetrack. He gets that slingshot off the second turn in the backstretch, but he's out of the draft. Dale Earnhardt trying to stay right with Neil Bonnet as they work their way down the back straightaway. Up the 18-degree banks of turns three. There goes Earnhardt stepping on it. Neil Bonnet having to back off just a bit as Buddy Baker goes underneath him. So Neil Bonnet drop kicks back to third running position. Earnhardt, the rookie from Kannapolis, North Carolina, slices his way to the front of the pack right now, and they're beginning to lap some of the tail end of the field already. As they move around cars in turn one, Earnhardt shows the way. Nine cars on the lead draft with Baker in second. We've Bonnet. got problems on the back stretch and entering turn number three as smoke begins to show for the Ronnie Thomas automobile. Ronnie leader. Thomas, a little smoke coming out of the car, drops it down to the apron of the track. Meanwhile, that nine-car draft Mike Joy was talking about heads up into turn number three to Eli Gold. It's going to be single file. Dale Earnhardt, Buddy Baker in second, Neil Bonnet third, Waltrip fourth, Richard Petty fifth, Hale is sixth, Bobby Allison going seventh. Earnhardt runs up. On slow traffic again as he hits the start finish line, takes the outside groove back into turn number one, and he sets a blistering pace here at the Charlotte Motor Speedway in the Napa 500. Mike Joy. Already, Barney, they're running halfway up the racetrack. They're not using the low lane, even though there is some lap traffic in open field running. They're staying high, and that won't give them much racetrack to work with when this race gets more than half over. The Richard Brickhouse car back on the racetrack and equally quickly returns to pit road. Your leaders working through turn number three and four. They're closing in on Kyle Petty. Dale Earnhardt showing the way two car lanes over Buddy Baker. This rookie does not think he's a rookie. He feels he's an established superstar. Dale Earnhardt leads the Napa National 500. Buddy Baker is second. Third belongs to Neil Bonnet. Darrell Waltrip is fourth. Richard Petty is fifth with Cale Yarbrough showing in the sixth position. And the first caution flag of the day has been displayed to the field on lap number 13 and it looks like Jackie Ruth at about half the field has decided to come into the pits. The entire front what? 25 cars are on pit road at this time. They have opened the floodgates and your new leader will be John Anderson in the Drame Racing Chevrolet Monte Carlo. And Anderson is a fellow that you have to watch. He wowed all of us at Michigan International Speedway and a lot of the questions, a lot of people are asking John Anderson if he intends to go full time on the circuit in 1980. Well, I think we'd, we'd love to uh, run for Rookie of the Year next year, but 
it requires, as you know, quite a quite an expensive operation. And right now, we don't have the finances to seriously consider it. But if uh, if something should happen, if if we can come up with a necessary sponsor money, we'd sure like to give it a try. Well, if someone would like to sponsor a promising young race driver to run for Rookie of the Year, John Anderson would be a good horse to jump on. As the cars pit on pit road again, we told you a moment ago the caution came out on lap number 13, and the report was there was a piece of windshield up in turn number three. Let's go to our pit reporter, Ned Jarrett, and see if he can update us as to who that might have, what car it came off from. Barney, we've been looking at all the cars that came down pit road here, and as you reported earlier, practically all of the front runners have come in, but we have not seen one that has a windshield missing. Uh, of course, we could have missed it as it came down through here. It's a little surprising that as many of them came in this early after only 15 laps and change right side tires but with the new pavement in three and four and most of these drivers not having had experience in racing here since that was done they want to take a look at those tires and see how they are holding up under the tremendous pace that they've been setting out there so as a result most of them have come in change those right side and of course fill it up with that union 76 gasoline well that would be a good break for many of the drivers who did not have a chance yesterday to run in that world service life 300 to take a look at the tires as ned jared has just pointed out and kind of see what the tire wear factor will be this afternoon while we've been talking about the front runners the fellows that were leading this thing, Dale Earnhardt, Darrell Waltrip, and the rest of the brigade, along Buddy Baker. We have been impressed topside thus far with the run by Richard Petty in the STP Chevrolet. He's begun to show his muscle just a little bit in typical Petty fashion, and I'm sure all the fans that are listening on WSRF in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 1580 on your dial, are just wondering when and where Petty will begin to make his move to the front. Petty has never been concerned, Barney Hall, with lap money. He's more concerned as where he is at the end of the race. That's the strategy they plan for everywhere they go. They've done that since day one in the Petty Stable. Of course, he never tries to run for the pole. If the car's capable, they set it up to run for the race, and if it just happens to work out to end up on the pole, they're well satisfied with that. Sixteen laps are down here this afternoon out of the 334 that will comprise the Napa 500. You're getting ready to go back to green, and the leader is Richard Childress from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Jim Vandiver rides in second spot. Harry Gant has moved up to third, and the green flag flies again. Here they come. Down to the start-finish line. Childress gets a good jump on the field pulls him by 20 car lengths coming up through the pack and coming hard is Earnhardt as they hit turn one Earnhardt works by Harry Gant Gant remember started tail end on the field he had moved up to 20th by the time the caution came out and did not pit so he is up with the front runners as moving around him is Benny Parsons now Cale Yarborough runs for the fourth spot in the back stretch Richard Petty joining in with that crew right there as Richard Childress still shows the way in front he takes turn number three with Dale Earnhardt chasing him down quickly Childress trying to float a bit higher Earnhardt staying lower and there's going to be a quick challenge for the lead back to the line Earnhardt really presses the button early in the race this afternoon he's just about a half a car length away from taking the lead he may get it down in turn one Earnhardt dives to the inside on Childress and the dogleg and takes the lead Benny Parsons and Cale Yarborough run side-by-side side for the third position, while Petty moves up on Yarborough's bumper in the high groove. They move by Parsons, Yarborough into third, Petty fourth, and now begin to assault Childress for second. And down the back straightaway, everybody moving by Benny Parsons as he is off the pace. Right now it's going to be Dale Earnhardt in front, Cale going second, single file, Richard Petty third, Buddy Baker fourth, Donnie Allison going fifth, now Benny Parsons is sixth. Well, the way they're shuffling that lead around, it's going to take a lot of calculating to 
who figure out who wins the most laps here this afternoon and picks up that $15,000 award. They're back in one, and Earnhardt begins to feel the pressure. Yarborough fainted to the outside, running second, Ryan Earnhardt's bumper, then he dove low in the first turn, but it didn't gain him any ground. Now out of two, Petty pulls up on Yarborough's bumper for the run down the back straight. Richard trying to flex the muscles. He's been running well high on the racetrack, but meanwhile, here goes Kale. He's underneath Dale Earnhardt, but Earnhardt steps on it and goes to the high side in turn number three. It's going to be Earnhardt single file with Yarborough and Petty in third. Remember the performance Earnhardt put on in the World 600 back in May? He's doing the same thing today. They chased him all day. They're doing it right now, but look out. Here comes Richard Petty and the STP machine going after him for the lead in one. Petty moved around Kale Yarborough. Baker followed a drop kick Yarborough back to fourth spot. Petty now, a car link back of leader Dale Earnhardt, slams down off the banking at turn number two and looks for the slingshot. Richard goes to the inside. He puts himself alongside. Now again backs off. It looks to stay single file this time through, and that they do. It's going to be Earnhardt in front, Richard Petty second, Buddy Baker third, Kale is fourth, Donnie Allison fifth, Benny Parsons sixth, Harry Gant is seventh. 22 laps completed, about to eclipse the 23rd circuit, and it's Richard Petty who has taken the lead from Dale Earnhardt. Earnhardt drops back to second. Buddy Baker remains in the third spot. Cale Yarbrough is fourth. Donnie Allison is in fifth position. Benny Parsons in sixth. Then four car lengths back is Harry Gant in the seventh spot. Daryl Waltrip is in eighth position. Ninth position belongs to Joe Milliken. Check that. Ninth position now belongs to Neil Bonnet. In tenth position is Joe Milliken. They're chasing Richard Petty right now as he eases out of turn number two and down the backstretch. Petty is out front. Riding in second is Earnhardt. Third right now is Buddy Baker. Fourth is Cale Yarbrough. Fifth is Donnie Allison. Sixth is Parsons. Seventh is Harry Gant. And Neil Bonnet is squeezed up into eighth position. What? What a battle going on back there for that eighth spot between Bonnet, Waltrip, and Bobby Allison. Trouble midway the down corner. the backstretch. Two cars spinning and hitting the inside retaining barrier. They have slid some 100 yards midway down the backstretch here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. John Rezac, the Texas driver, brings his automobile to a rest midway down the back straightaway. Everybody else looking to get their way inside and out. Your lead automobiles now working their way gingerly down the back straightaway. Richard Petty is there. Earnhardt along with Buddy Baker. Everybody getting through with no problem. John Rezac, one of the cars that has slammed into the inside wall down the middle of the backstretch, bringing out the second caution flag of the afternoon here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. David Sosby was the other car that was involved. Sosby has brought his car back to pit road, but the front end has been dented and dinged beyond, well, beyond drivability at the present time. The crew goes to work, and the smoke begins to move up from the hood area of the car. And, Jackie, let's mention a man who might just one more time be a possible for the Goodies Headache Award that we'll be awarding later on this afternoon. Dave Marcus has his 71 automobile limping away, so what was originally a two-car altercation, David catching just the tail end of that, and he limps that 71 back around turn three and heading towards the pits. Such a tough break for Dave Marcus. Reports, and we talked to Dave before the start of the race, Marcus trying to assemble a team for 1980 with the legendary crew chief, Harry Hyde. Their only problem is Hyde has the stable, Marcus has the cars, now they're trying to secure the sponsorship. And as the car comes in front of Ned Jarrett, Ned, it looks as if it may be tout fini for Dave Marcus this afternoon. Yes, it does, Jackie. He's uh, sort of wiggling the car as he comes down pit road but he is heading it into the garage area and it looks like it will be all for him and it is all for another driver who is making a comeback here today in the snap of 500 richard brickhouse from rocky point north carolina driving the car number 16 richard what went wrong uh, ned we finally decided it was a cylinder head because uh, after the second lap it started blowing water inside the car and then i started watching my gauges and it went up to 270 degrees and and so we took a couple of laps to make sure that that's what it was, but they think it's a cracked cylinder head because it went to missing.
after six or seven years laid off, not running at this type of competition, although you've run some short tracks down on the East Coast, uh, you looked very good out there. Did it feel good to you? Well, I, I, I was really upset because I just was just getting started and just getting settled down, and I started having trouble right to start with, and from then on, I couldn't do nothing but concentrate on that. Well, we're sorry to see you out of the race so early. Thank you a lot, Ned. That's Richard Brickhouse trying to make his comeback, but it just wasn't to be today to run all the way through the race. 28 laps are complete at Charlotte Motor Speedway this afternoon, and just about all the front runners have elected to make a pit stop. And again, Harry Gant stays on the track. He has dropped in behind the pace car, and he currently is the leader under caution here this afternoon. Second caution flag came out on lap number 26, and again, an update on that. Three cars involved in the back straightaway, John Rezac, David Sosby, and Dave Marcus got a little piece of the action, and it looks like Marcus may be out for the afternoon. Barney, an interesting note. I guess maybe Living Right is doing something for Kyle Petty. Earlier this afternoon, he was uh, under a very, very big threat of being put a lap down. Out came the Ronnie Thomas caution flag, and he was okay. And again, Kyle Petty, just a couple of seconds ago, had the leaders one more time barreling down on him. Again, the caution flag came out. Another one of the drivers here who runs so well at the Charlotte Motor Speedway and out at Talladega and down at Daytona, hometown boy Jim Vanderbilt had problems down in turn one. Look for an update on that. Let's go to Mike Joy. The wind may have had something to do with that, Barney. It's very gusty now down here in the first and second turn. And coming through turn number two in the low groove, Vandiver got really loose and almost lost the car. It almost came into a snap spin, so to speak. But he got it back underway after a tense moment for he and the four or five cars immediately following. There was no crash. No other cars were involved. And he got back underway and then later made a pit stop for tires under this caution. Well, Jack Aroot, for about the first 20 laps, they ran single file to kind of see what the cars were going to do as they dumped them off into one. And all the drivers say, as we reported earlier, that dropping out of that number four corner, the new pavement is getting quite a bite and shoveling, shoving them off into the number one turn at about eight to ten miles an hour quicker. But as we knew, the race as it progressed, the drivers would become a little braver and a little braver and kind of feel the, car, the track and the car out. And now they're beginning to put on quite a battle for those front eight or ten spots. Well, remember, they can't forget the fact that there's $50,000 in Charger awards as well. So how long can you afford to just spar and shadow box before you go for it for good? We've seen it thus far, but the interesting battles that have developed in the back of the pack due to these pit stop exchanges that move some of the front runners all the way to the back of the field in what we call down finger restarts, where it's single file before they allow the slower cars to go to the inside and the faster cars to the outside. There have been some tremendous battles, and two drivers that have been doing more than their share have been Bobby Allison and Neil Bonnet, because they were stranded during the last caution midway down the back stretch, just midway in the field and they had to work their way back to the front. So this caution has been a break for them as well in the Napa National 500. Things are beginning to wind down on the $4.5 million Winston Cup Grand National Circuit for 1979. Next race coming up will be a week from today. It was the rained-out Holly Farms 400 at North Wilkesboro, North Carolina Motor Speedway. They'll be hosting that race on Sunday, October 14th. Then on the 21st of October, it's off to the American 500 in Rockingham, North Carolina. November 4th is the Dixie 500 from Atlanta, Georgia, and November 18th. 18th is the Times 500 from Ontario, California. Next broadcast for the MRN Broadcasting Company will be a Clay Earl's immaculately prepared half-mile speedway that thinks it's a super speedway, the $100,000 Cardinal 500 Classic, a twin bill, twin 250-lap national championship events for the late-model sportsman cars of NASCAR and the men that live by the grace of God in 500 horsepower, the modified automobiles, the open-wheeled Pintos, Vegas, and Gremlins. That race on October 28th planned to be with us on the air. And then we'll 
will bring the curtain down with the Winston Cup Grand National Brigade on Sunday, November 18th from Ontario Motor Speedway in Ontario, California with the running of the LA Times 500. Chip Warren has given the signal. One lap to go and we can expect a green flag. A resumption of racing with 31 laps in the books. It is Harry Gant leading this event. Running in second is Terry Labounty and running in third is Buddy Arrington. A good call to that independent as the pace car brings them to turns three and four for a resumption of green flag racing. And of course right there along with the front automobiles you've got Benny Parsons, Cale Yarbrough, Bobby Allison as well. Everybody steps on it quickly. The pace car pulls down low in turn number four. Here they come back to the line early start. Harry Gant leads them down to the stripe and he's ahead by just a half a car length. Labonte trying to stay up there in that lead draft now. Holds on to second position. Diving down to the outside and going for the number two spot is Benny Parsons. Labonte inside with Parsons right on Harry Gant's bumper in the high groove. Gant steps away by a car link, but the challenge for Labonte is there. Labonte squeezes up into the draft. It's Gant, Labonte, and Parsons the back straight. Running number four right now is going to be Cale Yarbrough. Bobby Allison going fifth, going sixth is going to be the Joe Milliken automobile, while seventh they're going to be the neighboring battle right there for Donnie Allison and Neil Bonnet. Single file, your leaders back to the line, Harry Gant in front. Coming up through the field like they've been shot out of a cannon are Richard Petty and Darrell Waltrip. They knocked off some nine cars down the back stretch as they try to catch the lead draft in turn one from Charlotte Motor Speedway. This is the MRN Broadcasting Company. Benny Parsons has just picked the lead as he comes out of turn number four, but now it's a door-to-door heat as they cross the start finish line and Harry Gant hangs on to the lead as they shuffle back into the number one corner. Parsons could not hold on to the low side of the racetrack and Harry Gant retains the lead by a car link. Bobby Allison third, Labonte has slipped in the draft in fourth spot ahead of Cale Yarbrough, Donnie Allison, Buddy Baker and Richard Petty in the eighth spot. They Richard. stabilize a moment down the back chute right now. Let's go to Ned Jarrett quickly. We're standing by with Dave Marcus who was involved in that last altercation. Dave, what happened over there? Well, car number 31 uh, spun going down the back straightaway, and I seen it, you know, quite a ways ahead, and I slowed down for it, and a couple cars behind me just ran over me, turned me sideways. Well, here's a fellow that's had all the bad luck it seems that anybody could have, and here it has happened again early in this race, and it looked like you were running good, Dave. Well, Ned, the car really wasn't driving very well. I've had a problem with it all week. Uh, we haven't been able to find it, and really, it just wasn't driving good at all, so, you know, I, but I was, you know, hoping that we could get a good finish, but. Well, the Shoney Special right now is out of this race. Glenn Jarrett had been in the garage area for about 10 laps with a clutch problem. They have that resolved now, and he's back out and running in the Natural Light Chevrolet. Twelve cars are in the lead draft nose to tail, but just about five car lengths ahead of the pack, and in the lead is Benny Parsons. Bobby Allison has moved up to second. Gant is back to third as they head up to turn one. They're lapping by J.D. McDuffie's car, who is showing some of the scrapes from that last caution period accident. Buddy Baker just got shuffled back to sixth as he got boxed in trying to lap by McDuffie. They're single file out of turn two. Down the back straightaway, Richard Petty looks to the inside trying to make a move on fourth place. Terry Labonte can't do it, so it's going to be single file. Buddy Parsons in front, Bobby Allison going second, Harry Gant going third, Labonte fourth, Richard Petty fifth, Buddy Baker sixth. Cale Yarborough runs in the seventh position. Donnie Allison is eighth. Darrell Waltrip in the Digard Gatorade machine is ninth. Earnhardt is in tenth. The Purolator Mercury of Bonnet is in eleventh. Joe Milliken is in twelfth. Bill Elliott shows in the 13th position. Ricky Rudd rides 14th, 15th to Dick Brooks. 16th to Chuck Bound as the leaders move out of turn two, still running single file. But Bobby Allison begins to turn the heat up, and the Warner W. Hodgson Thunderbird fates a move to the inside, and he draws a bead on Benny Parsons in turn three. He's on the low side. Likewise, Richard Petty moves to the inside of Lobani in a battle for fourth. It's going to be double file for the leadership. Benny Parsons and Bobby Allison. Precision flying at the stripe. Who will it be to lead the 40th lap? It's Allison by just a nose. Parsons hangs tight on the outside to one. 
The Thunderbird low into the first turn. That's not the fast way. Parsons gets the job done on the high groove. He retakes the lead. But here comes Earnhardt pounding up in the bottom lane, running up against Donnie Allison now for the seventh position. You've got 12 cars running in that front group as the two front front runners try and pull away just a mite. Trying to look to the inside one more time was Allison. Couldn't make a move. It's Betty Parsons in front. Allison running second. Further back, they're going to jumble it just a bit as they go double file. Betty Parsons leads them back to the sharp finish line, and Bobby Allison goes after the lead at the stripe. He is there as they hit down to turn one. Allison gets the jump coming out of the dog leg. He has has the lead. Parsons up in the high groove. Allison slides up in front. Gant riding third. Richard Petty fourth. Labonte tried the inside. Baker will try to hold him off at the pass in the back stretch. As they work down the back straightaway, it's going to be Labonte looking to the inside. Can't make the move on Buddy Baker. Likewise, Donnie Allison going by him. Your two lead automobiles continue to battle one another as they everybody going by Baxter Price. It'll be single file off the number four corner. There are still 12 cars in that lead draft. It looks like Daytona and Talladega as they cross the start finish line. Allison leads him down. Parsons rides second. Good run for Harry Gant. He's not dropping back. He's stabilized in third position. Petty is up to fourth. Back to Mike Joy. Petty looking very strong. Fainted a move to the outside. Now peaks underneath Harry Gant. Running for the third spot. Now looks to run the slingshot in the backstretch. Richard Petty trying to hold an inside groove. He's got people breathing down on his neck. So Petty steps on the button, and there he goes right by Harry Gant. Almost effortlessly as though Gant wasn't there. Harry on the high side of the racetrack has three cars go by him as Bobby Allison leads. Moving into the fifth position is Donnie Allison. Fourth is Buddy Baker. Petty retains third. In second is Benny Parsons, and Bobby Allison leads. Now the lead between Parsons in second and Petty in third position is some eight car lengths in front of you, Mike. Dale Earnhardt continues to work the bottom. He is back about in ninth position, and the low group just isn't working. Cale Yarbrough cost him a position right there. Down the back straightaway, a challenge to the lead momentarily. As trying to look to the inside was Benny Parsons, but he couldn't make a move on Bobby Allison. Richard Petty ever so impressive on the last time by. He runs his third. Baker is fourth. Johnny Allison fifth. This is a stout performance for Bobby Allison. Maybe he wants to lead some of this lap money. Well, I sure hope that the car is up to running for it, and... Uh... I'm certainly going to do all I can to be in the front as much as I can. The easiest place to win any race from is in the front. Bobby Allison leads the Napa 500 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. 46 laps are now in the record book here this afternoon as he eases out of the number two corner down the back stretch and leads Benny Parsons by just three car lengths. Petty hanging in there in third. Fourth is Baker. Back in fifth position is Donnie Allison. And Jackie Root just made the comment that he looks awfully smooth and awfully strong. Donnie has won this race before, and that car always works well here. Here come the front five. They've opened up a little separation now on sixth place runner. Darrell Waltrip, seventh is Cale Yarborough, eighth is the rookie, Dale Earnhardt. Ninth right now is Neil Bonnet, and he's having his problems working up through traffic, Mike Joy. It's almost a two-second separation between the front five and that second group of cars led by Waltrip that includes Neil Bonnet. He has had a little trouble in the traffic, but he's running well in the middle of that second pack. Exiting the number four corner, something we see all the time. The drivers really straightening out the turn as best they can. They're already digging up a divot on the grassy area in the tri-oval as they really go low on the racetrack and straighten out the turn. Barney Hall, as they come off of the fourth turn and cross the start-finish line, I have a rare opportunity for a sportscaster, if you can call me that, and that is is to be able to interview my own son. I was hoping he wouldn't have to do that today. We mentioned that Glenn Jarrett had gone back out in the Natural Light Chevrolet, but he's here out of it now. Glenn, what happened? Well, uh, our trouble started, Dad. The uh, the shifter, gear shifter, fell off the car, and uh, that's the reason through the first caution it was laying over there on the back stretch as you go into turn three. And so I came in then under the caution, 
to try to see if we could, could do something about it. And when I went back out, well, we slipped the clutch and, uh, and burned it out. So uh, I came back in, and they sent me back out and I had a flat tire. So now I came back in, and they're going to put a new clutch in, and we're going to go back out. Well, now we know the, the mystery of why that first caution came out. We thought it was a piece of windshield, but it was the gear shifter off of that Naturalite Chevrolet. Working the 50th circuit, and Bobby Allison is in front. In second is Benny Parsons. Richard Petty is third. In fourth position is Buddy Baker. Donnie Allison posted in the fifth spot. Darrell Waltrip is sixth. Cale Yarbrough is seventh. Eighth position to Dale Earnhardt. The Purolator Mercury with Neil Bonnet at the controls is ninth. Harry Gant has dropped back to tenth. Terry Labonte is in eleventh spot. Twelfth goes to the rookie Joe Milliken. Bill Elliott is in 13th position. In 14th is Ricky Rudd. Dick Brooks is 15th. 16th to Chuck Bound. In 17th spot we are now posting John Anderson. 18th position is Jim Vandiver. In 19th is Richard Childress. 20th belongs to the Miami Beach, Florida based entry of Bobby Brack. In 21st position is D.K. Ulrich. Ty Scott is 22nd. 23rd is the H.B. Bailey machine. Buddy Arrington is 24th. 25th position is now being posted as Kyle Petty. 26th is the 81 machine of David Sosby. In 27th position, it is now the Jack Ingram machine. Baxter Price is 28th, and 29th is Roger Hamby of Ferguson, North Carolina. But the man everybody continues to chase, the defending champion for the Napa National 500. Bobby Allison won this race last October. He also won the Saturday race a year ago, making sweeping a doubleheader here. And he's going to try and do the same thing as many times as he can, of course. But this afternoon, we talked to him yesterday down in the garage, and he didn't seem all that concerned about running out front. He was going to pace himself because he said that is the way you win races. But yet, Bud Moore seems to feel the Ford products are good here. We also talked to Bobby about that, if the Ford products are ahead or behind here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Well, I think that my car and uh, Neil Bonnet's Wood Brothers Mercury, uh, you know, definitely are very competitive race cars. Uh, uh, Wood Brothers have been on the pole here many, many, many times. And, uh, of course, I have not, but uh, we've run good in qualifying, and we've been able to win some races here. But, uh, you know, I've won with Fords, and I've won with other cars here, too. I've won with the Chevrolets here. And what's tough about it is the fact that there are so few really top-notch Fords, like Bud Moore's Hodgson T-Bird that I drive and the Wood Brothers uh, Pure Later Mercury that Neil drives. Um, you know, not selling anybody else short, but just recognizing that it really is a fact that there are very few competitive Fords on the track makes it kind of favor the Chevys. Well, right now, you wouldn't believe that statement because Allison leads Richard Petty by about eight, nine car lengths as they head down the back chute and working lap race traffic here this afternoon. And Richard Petty doesn't seem to be able to gain any ground at all on him, Eli Gold. No, it's very definitely stabilized. Of course, in the turn number three and four area, Petty seems to close just a bit, but Bobby Allison pulls away one more time as they head to the tri-oval and back to the straightaways. A moment ago, there were 12 cars riding that lead draft just about a car length apart. That has changed as the field works turn one in front of my Joy. Only four cars are now tied together among the leaders. It's about a second back to Donnie Allison in fifth spot and about another second and a half back to the Daryl Waltrip-Dale Earnhardt duel for the sixth position. You know, you were talking earlier about the streak that Bobby Allison had last year. Of course, a personal streak on the line here today for Daryl Waltrip. He won the two races here earlier in the season, both the late model sportsman event and the World 600. He won here yesterday afternoon in the World Service Life 300. He's trying to make an unprecedented sweep of all four major races here in Charlotte in one season. 
But looking back in the field as they cross the start-finish line, Earnhardt trying to make up some ground on the leaders, and he's knocked off about six or seven of the lapped automobiles as he picks his way back through traffic. And Waltrip is in trouble down at turn number one. The car's rolling very slowly. Earnhardt, Yarborough, and Neil Bonnet have gone by him with, without seemingly any trouble. He's about 10 miles an hour off the pace bar. And the crew is ready for him to come into the pits. They are getting ready to change tires. He could have a tire going down, but they're ready for him. Waltrip did slow as he started into that first turn. It's been a litany of bad luck for Darrell Waltrip. You can't forget the last few races, and I wonder as the chase for the championship goes down to the last few races, if it's affected the way he drives in these Winston Cup Grand National events. Well, we, you know, we really, uh, we've created a problem for ourselves. We, uh, maybe we should have been conservative earlier on when we had 230 point lead. Maybe that's when we should have been conservative and, and had a little bit more of a laid back attitude. We can't be conservative now. We have no choice. If we don't go out and run hard and try to win the race, Richard's going to go out and run hard, and he's going to win the race, and we're going to get behind anyway. So it's just a situation right now where it looks like it's going to come down to the best man's going to win and uh, who has the best luck. So far, since things have tightened up, our luck's been bad, and it doesn't really have anything to do with our attitudes or feeling any pressure or anything else. We, uh, we first of all, when we start a race, we think about winning it, and when it's over, we wonder where we are in the points. So... Uh, I know a national championship is of utmost importance to me and the entire team and the sponsor, and we want to win it. But we're not going to go out and jeopardize winning a race or do something different than we've done all summer long to win the championship. I may never win one with that attitude, but that's the way we're going to go at it. Third caution of the afternoon has just been displayed for an altercation on the start-finish line. Coming across the stripe beneath starter Chip Warren's perch, Jack Ingram of Asheville, North Carolina, driving the Kenny Childers mining car. Number 12 had an engine expire. He spun some 200 yards down to the end of pit road, and he's come to rest in front of Mike Joy. That car is covered with oil, Jackie. You can hardly see through the windshield. Ingram is still in the car. Took a moment to get his composure back. The car slid, as you said, over 1,000 feet of tire marks and appeared to spin twice before coming to rest in the grass. Ingram did a good job of keeping the car and guiding it back towards the pit road and keep it away from the wall. He's now unstrapping himself and is about to climb out of the car. He looks to be okay. A good break a and yet a bad break for Darrell Waltrip. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. It was a tough break for him, uh, Jackie, because he had just come into the pits, had changed all four tires on that Gatorade Chevrolet, and he had a tire that was cut, and that was the reason, and they were not sure which tire it was, so they changed all four. It took him 27 and 2 tenths seconds. He lost one lap while doing that, and just as he was rolling down pit road, the caution came out. If he could have held on for one more lap, he could have done it under the caution. And he is now being listed officially as one lap down to the leaders, but all of the leaders have presented their cars on the pit road to take advantage of this caution period, Barney. Pit service is going to be the pit crews always get quite a workout here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. There's usually at least six, seven cautions in almost an average race here. Jack, and it uh, seems like they come out just at an opportune time for most of the drivers. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. Barney, they're this time changing four tires on most of the front running cars as opposed to two tires the last caution period. They had not changed the left side tires, but they are taking advantage of this caution period to do that. Cale Yarborough goes back out in the Bush Chevrolet. Dale Earnhardt goes out. Richard Petty in the STP Chevrolet. Buddy Arrington has been in. DK Ulrich and just about everybody. John Anderson is in in the Dream Enterprise at Chevrolet changing the right side uh, tires and tr Ricky Rudd going out now in the Truxmore Mercury. So everybody taking advantage of this caution period for those crucial pit stops.
And Bobby Brack has brought his car onto pit road, and that gives way to Bobby Allison as your leader, much the same way he was before the dispensation of the caution flag. Benny Parsons shows in second. Richard Petty is third. Cale Yarbrough is fourth. And now Dale Earnhardt has moved into the fifth position. In the next few weeks, this radio station will be list lining up its 1980 schedule of auto racing broadcasts, and we'd like to urge you to take a minute to write your local station and let them know that you've enjoyed their coverage of auto racing in 1979. Station managers tell us that listener response is really important in determining their programming. Your letter will help convince your local radio station to continue to carry these broadcasts and perhaps to expand their racing coverage next year. So take a minute and write to your local radio station and know, let them know just how important motorsports and Winston Cup Grand National Motorsports in particular is to you as an average listener. Field coming out of turn four, and Daryl Waltrip looks in his rearview mirror. Now he sees Bobby Allison chomping at his rear deck lid. This will gather Waltrip still one lap down. This will put Waltrip in a very precarious situation, will it not, Ned Jarrett? Yes, it will. He needs to stay out in front and hopefully uh, hope for another caution flag while he's out in front, and that way he could catch back up to the uh, rear of the field and stay in that same lap with the leaders. Taking a look at the way the race is run in the first 60 miles or so, the fellow that seems to be showing the most muscle thus far is Bobby Allison, Barney Hall. Well, I don't think that would be a big surprise. The big surprise is the fact that Bobby has jumped out front and took off after the lap money. And in a sense, he, Bobby is a, he's, he's a kind of a race driver, and I think Ned will go along with this. He does what the car is capable of doing. If it needs to run second to give it a breather, conserve the equipment, that's where he is. If it needs to run fifth, he'll wait to make his move. But if it's capable of getting to the front, Ned, he's usually there. Yes, he is, uh, Barney. He's a very smart race driver, and he feels out the situation. He's uh, particularly good on slick racetracks, and everybody was expecting the first and second turn to be uh, much slicker, of course, than the third and fourth turn as a result of the new pavement down there today. And it seems that he has adapted very quickly here to the new pavement there and, and the slick surface on the other end. Uh, of course, the laps that he ran yesterday in the World Service Live 300 would help him along that line, but uh, he is a very versatile type individual. Jack Ingram is walking into our booth here. Jack, you had a sort of a wild ride there. Yeah, the engine let go right in a trial when the car was sort of loose right there. Uh, it could have blowed any place else, and I could have probably held it, but uh, a little, just a little bit of water oil got on the wheels and it went around. Jacket, the day really hadn't started out good for you anyway. You'd made an unscheduled pit stop under the green earlier. I don't really know what happened. The car wasn't handling proper, and I went in the wall on one and two, and we come in and changed the outside tires, and it seemed to help it. But uh, it was a little bit down on uh, horsepower all along. It was the same engine they ran Darlington with, and Kenny's children's been having a lot of trouble with engines and everything in general, and... Uh, he decided not to change it. Apparently, that was a bad move. Well, Jack, you, of course, have said publicly that you don't really care that much about going Grand National, so you'll be going back to the sportsman ranks uh, shortly, I assume. Well, I'll be running at Hickory next week. they got a 400-lap race over there, and I look forward to that. Hey, that's three-time national champion Jack Ingram out of this race today. Before Jack Ingram leaves, Ned, we want to talk to him a little bit for a moment about the upcoming race. Of course, the Bobby Isaac Sundrop 500, 400 laps for late model sportsmen, 100 for limited sportsmen next weekend. But, Jack, you've got to be pointing as well to Martinsville Speedway for the Cardinal 500. That has not been your best racetrack. It's one of the few places that you've been unable to score a victory. No, I've come awful close. I come down the white flag lap leading it and got in a little bit of tangle with... Uh, Sonny Hutchins and myself, and uh, it's probably uh, just a uh, racing accident anyway several years ago, but that's the closest I come. What do you think makes it so tough to be a winner at a place like Martinsville? If I could figure it out, I'd win. 
Well, how do you think you'll do when you get down there on the 28th of October? We're going to win. Okay, enough okay, said very about confident. that. Pace car with the field in tow, and it looks like they had given the indication last time around they were going to turn them loose now. That is not the case. The caution is still being displayed to the field, and apparently there's some more cleanup work going to go on before they cut them loose. The activity is actually taking place at the exit of the trioval area as they had to con continue with some repairs to the racetrack there. Some grease had been laid down from the Jack Ingram accident, and they've dispatched the wrecker over there to administer to that area. Darrell Waltrip, as we said, in a very precarious situation. Let's set the restart field for you with Bobby Allison in front. Benny Parsons is second. Third spot is Richard Petty. Cale Yarbrough is fourth. Dale Earnhardt is in fifth position. Sixth goes to Buddy Baker. In seventh is Donnie Allison. Eighth goes to Neil Bonnet. Ninth to Joe Milliken. Bill Elliott is in 10th spot. Harry Gant is in the 11th position as they go into turn one. Running 12th would be Ricky Rudd. Jody Ridley has moved up to the 13th position. Looking at Dick Brooks, 14th in the restart order. Jim Vandiver, 15th. Richard Childress in the 16th position. 17th, Bobby Brack, the Miami, Florida driver. 18th, Chuck Bound. 19th, D.K. Ulrich. And problems have befallen the, one of the rookie contenders, an axle letting go on the Stratograph Chevrolet from the from the Terry Labonte Corpus Christi, Texas area. Terry is going behind the wall. At the Charlotte Motor Speedway, they're posting 67 laps complete on the scoreboard here this afternoon of the Napa 500, and that will put us just about at the 100-mile mark. So the first 100 miles have been ticked off here this afternoon. Three caution flags thus far. First one came out on lap number 13. Piece of gear shift dropped off over in turn number three. And the second caution dropped on lap number 26 when John Rezac, David Sosby, and Dave Marcus went skittering down the back straightaway. And the third caution coming out just a moment ago when Jack Ingram lost an engine coming here into the front stretch and skittered some 800 feet down into the first turn. And that's the situation right now as we get ready to go back to green in just a couple of laps. We've been talking about Darrell Waltrip and the fact that he went one lap down just prior to the start of this caution period. But for Darrell Waltrip, some of the pressure for the rest of the season has been taken off the team with the announcement just two nights ago that they have signed with Gatorade and with Die Garden with Darrell Waltrip for an additional three years with the team. We're just terribly, terribly pleased and excited and and I, I don't know all the words, all the cliches to put with it, but uh, Gatorade and Die Guard and Darrell Waltrip will all be together for three more years and that'll make seven years all totaled and that's a long time for a, a team as young as this one. It's only I've ever had one sponsor since I've been in racing. But psychologically, that's got to give you an edge, too, maybe where going into the stretch drive, you've got to really devote your entire efforts to winning the championship. Well, it's, it's nice not to have to worry about, uh, are we going to have a sponsor next year? Are we going to be able to race next year? Uh, we know right now that winning the championship doesn't necessarily mean that we're uh, going to sign a new contract. Uh, they're with us whether we win it or lose it. So uh, it takes a lot of pressure off of us. And I tell you, right at this point in time, with the economy the way it is, a three-year contract with anybody is absolutely fantastic. Well, as we watch Bobby Allison tucking himself to the rear decklet of Darrell Waltrip, the way he's been running, Barney Hall, you've got to figure he's singing the tune, I'm never letting go, because he's going for that lap money. There's no question about that. Well, he's looked awfully good here this afternoon. Are the cars working well? And as Ned Jarrett and I were conversing a moment ago here, as you heard us talking about, if Allison's car is capable of being in front, that's where you'll find him. There's a super article in the Charlotte Observer this morning written by sports writer Tom Higgins about Bobby Allison. And for the folks who are listening in this area who have a chance to pick up a copy of that, I think you'll find it probably one of the best articles I've ever read on Bobby Allison. Tom did a lot of homework on the car. Pace car hits the... Bottom of the racetrack up in turns number three as they go back to green. It's going to be Bobby Allison showing the way. Benny Parsons behind him. Richard Petty third. KL is fourth. 
Scooting down to the, to the line, and Waltrip is trying to pull away. Jack Arudi came up through the gearbox awfully quick, quickly, and he leads Bobby Allison, trying to keep from going another lap down in turn one. Waltrip got a good jump. He's five car lengths ahead of Bobby Allison, but Allison has opened up a five car length lead on Benny Parsons. Out of turn two, Petty looks to the low side on Parsons for second spot, then holds his line single file. Richard thinks better of it as they work down the back straightaway now. Richard looks to the inside one more time, and again tucks it in. It's going to be single file through the number three and four corner. Walt Shot followed by Bobby Adelson, Benny Parsons, Richard Petty, and Kale Yarborough. Again, there's a nine-car draft of the leaders as they come out of turn number three. And at the line, Bobby Allison gets the inside nudge on Waltrip, and he goes another lap down. Allison leads him into turn one. Allison used the low side to advantage coming out of the tri-oval. Up in turn two, Petty works high, almost touching the wall at turn number two. He holds third behind Parsons. Yarborough fourth. They've got three car lengths on Dale Earnhardt fifth. Right Whoa, one trouble smashing into the wall in turn two. Let's go to Mike Joy. That is Bobby Brack of Miami, Florida, who whacked the wall. A good shot up in turn number two. The car and here's the battle back here's to the line. Daryl Waltrip attempting to get back that lap from Bobby Allison. They're close friends, but at the line, it will be Allison keeping Waltrip a lap down. As we said, Allison and Waltrip are close friends, but I'm sure Allison said, I love you, but I'm going to keep you a lap down. Let's go back for an update on the Brack incident to Mike Joy. Bobby Brack on way up in the groove in turn number two. As we remarked before, the cars are running through turns one and two about halfway up the racetrack to start with. So if you have trouble, there's not too far to go. And Bobby Brack found his way into the second turn wall. The car slid along the wall and has come to rest, still up on the banking just about at the point where turn two starts to flatten out into the backstretch. Brack is still sitting in the car and awaiting the NASCAR officials and safety crews and the GMC safety trucks to arrive on the scene. And it was really interesting to watch, obviously, with the accident happening behind your lead automobiles. And in addition to those cars, of course, Darrell Waltrip. Waltrip was tucked in in a single file run behind Bobby Allison. And all of a sudden, it was the hard left-hand turn and try and make a move to the inside. Obviously, the word coming in on the radio to Darrell Waltrip, the caution is out and try and get the lap back. It was a maneuver very quick and very succinct, but it was Bobby Allison who had the final word at the end. Well, back at the Charlotte Motor Speedway with 72 laps complete now. And in Jackie Arute, it looks like yesterday we saw nine caution flags in that 300-mile event for the sportsman cars. We're just a little past the 100-mile mark in this one with almost 400 miles to go. And already we have seen four cautions this afternoon. And they're making Darrell Waltrip a profit because everybody was pointing to turns three and four as the problem area. But thus far, yesterday and again today, Mike Joy, it's been turns one and two where the action has been. Well, yesterday here, Jack, the track was awful greasy. Uh, dropped rear-end grease for Richard Childress and three or four blown engines. But that's not been the case here today. Turn two has been a trouble spot. The gusting wind, perhaps, for the cars just coming into turn one so hard, in Bobby Brack's case, that by the time he got to turn two, there was no place to go. Brack is sitting in the car. The wrecker is there hooking him up. He looks to be okay. He's talking with the wrecker operator, and they are going to tow him around to pit road. He will remain in the race car. Well, while we work this fourth caution of the afternoon, and they have dispensed the wrecker to the assistance of Bobby Brack's machine exiting turn two, but stepping into the booth momentarily is the incoming president of Napa, the host for today's Napa National 500, Jim Corm. Jim, is this your first visit to Charlotte Motor Speedway? No, Jackie, it's not. I was here last fall for uh, the fine race we had at that time, and uh, I've been with you at Riverside also. Well, you were the honorary starter for today's event. What kind of a thrill was that when you unfurled the green flag for some 40 automobiles? Jackie, it was tremendous. I uh, never had an experience like it, and frankly, I had not expected all that uh, cool breeze to come up at me. 
the feeling though when they rumble beneath your feet you're perched out there some five or ten feet have you ever felt anything like that in any other type of sport that you've attended no and uh, I talked to Chip Warren who told me that uh, he could actually touch the top of the cars with his flags and uh, that's about cured me of that uh, as a hobby I'll tell you Napa people have been involved now in motorsports for just about four or five years here at Charlotte and also at Riverside, California. Has it benefited you as a marketing tool for getting the word out about the Napa jobbers and distribution centers and the local dealers? I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, I personally am very much interested in NASCAR racing because, in my opinion, the people who come to these races are our customers. They are the people that we like to do business with and racing and auto parts just naturally go together. Well, having watched the first 73 laps of this event, we always ask you, we asked you at Riverside, come on now, pick a winner for today's Napa National 500. Jackie, I got to go with Benny Parsons. I know, I know exactly why. He also <laughs> happens to be a Napa dealer. That's absolutely right. Well, he's a winner of the former Napa National 500, and he's looking very stout this afternoon. Jim Corm, thank you so much for stopping by. Good luck to you and your presidency for Napa in 1980. And if, well, if things continue the way they are here, you should expect in years to come 130 to 140,000 fans coming to their feet to greet the Napa National 500s in the future. I don't think there's any question about it. Thank you so much. At the Charlotte Motor Speedway, 74 laps posted on the board as they're getting ready to cut them loose under green on lap number 75 as they whirl up into turn number three. Leader right now, Bobby Allison, Benny Parsons is second, Richard Petty is third, Cale Yarbrough is fourth, and Dale Earnhardt is in fifth spot. Pace car all the way to the bottom of the racetrack as they come up to full bore in front of Eli Gold. Buddy Baker is sixth and Donnie Allison running seventh. Now as their automobiles head to the line, it's going to be a one-car lane. It's up a race between Waltrip and Allison. Again, Waltrip is out in front of the pack trying to keep from going a lap down, but Bobby Allison is so strong on that restart. Mike Joy, he's eight car lengths ahead of Richard Petty. There was quite a battle for second on the break as Petty went to the outside of Benny Parsons and left him standing still in the first turn. Petty set sail on Bobby Allison in the backstretch. Right now, the battle shaping up is going to be for third place as Cale Yard works to the inside of Benny Parsons. They're side by side, down the back straightaway and up into the turn. It's Kale on the low side. He's got the spot ahead of Benny. Meanwhile, at the point, it's going to be Bobby Allison looking to put Waltrip in another lap down. Just a car length between first and second position, but the scramble is for third spot. Kale Yarbrough has a door-to-door -door confrontation right behind him down in front of Mike Joy. Dale Earnhardt works the low side of the racetrack. He's one of the few cars that's handled well on the bottom today. He moves around Benny Parsons, MC Anderson, Chevrolet. Here comes Waltrip out of turn number two, looking at Bobby Allison and trying to get back a lap. Down the back straightaway, it's going to be that three single file right now until Richard Petty peels off. He goes to the low side of Waltrip. Waltrip going up high. Petty running well wherever he wants. Stays low. He gets somewhat sideways, pulls it back in, and it's going to be single file. The rear end of the car on Richard Petty came out of shape about 15 degrees, and he almost lost it. Petty has to come out of the throttle. It's going to cost him two spots. They're back in one. Cale Yarbrough moves under Petty, as does Dale Earnhardt. Up into turn number one, Cale now has the second position. Earnhardt bottom of the racetrack. Petty up high as they battle for the third position out of turn two. It's going to be Richard Petty near the outside wall. He has the spot ahead of Dale Earnhardt who backs off. Now Richard sets its sight on Cale Yarbrough who's running second. But right now Petty is content to go single file as does everybody else through the number three and four corner. Allison showing the way in front. Bobby Allison trying to pick up that segment of laps that will earn him $15,000 here this afternoon for the driver who leads the most laps under green. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. We have two drivers here who are out of the race, Barney. First, Bobby Brack from Miami, Florida, who spun out and caused the loss, last caution flag over there. Bobby, what happened when you went into the turn? Well, Ned, I'm not certain, but I think that the rear end tore up. We had trouble in the first part of the week with the rear end. The uh, 
the locking mechanism in the rear end, and uh, I believe it tore up on the uh, on this last restart. A lot of people have been awfully impressed with your run here at Charlotte Motor Speedway, being a newcomer. Well, thank you, Ned. I, I just do my best. Well, we're sorry to see you out of it. Ronnie Thomas from Christianburg, Virginia, the hard luck driver, one of the hard luck drivers of 1979. He was the rookie of the year last year, but he's out of it today. He went out early. Ronnie, what was the problem? Ned, I had a head gasket or something uh, something in the engine uh, let go, uh, smoking real bad. And, uh, shucks, I don't know, Ned. This just ain't been my year. I don't know what I'm going to do about next year. You know, we get to run in half decent. You know, I got in and qualified in on the second day here, and we're quite like Wilkesboro will start 13th next week. And we get to running good, and we can't seem to finish. So, shucks, I don't know. Maybe I ain't living right. Something sure is wrong. Well, I'm sure that's not the problem. You'll keep trying. Better luck next time, right? Thank you, Ned. The competition up front has begun to heat up just a tad in front of Mike Joy. Ten cars in the lead draft as Cale Yarbrough looked underneath Darrell Waltrip to try to move up and put the move on Bobby Allison. Yarbrough went low in turn one with their back single file coming out of two. Let's set the stage for you. Waltrip, if you just tuned in, is one lap down. To Bobby Allison, your leader, Cale Yarbrough runs in second. Richard Petty is third, holding off Dale Earnhardt in the fourth position. Fifth spot goes to Benny Parsons. Buddy Baker is in sixth. Seventh position is, day, is the... Check that is the Purolator Mercury being driven by Neil Bonnet. And then Whoa, we've got up in turn three. We've got Harry Gant and Ricky Rudd coming together. Gant pulls away. Rudd catches the wall and heads quickly down pit road. Everybody else proceeding through okay. The Juni Dunleavy crew dive over the pit wall to assist. Ricky Rudd as he brings his car onto pit road. A very close call for the Trucksmore Industries efforts. It looked as though Harry Gant was the car to originally get somewhat out of shape. Ricky Rudd found himself sandwiched. He gathered it back in nicely, headed right down pit road, and Harry Gant continues away. Your lead car draft, 10 cars strong, coming by now out of number four corner, Bobby Allison in front. Nobody is able to touch Bobby Allison here at Charlotte Motor Speedway this afternoon. Once he jumped into the lead, he's never given it up. He's back in turn number one, now hanging on his bumper, and we'll check and see if he is indeed two laps down or just one lap down as Darrell Waltrip, Cale Yarborough, is in second position riding third right now is Richard Petty fourth is rookie Dale Earnhardt and Earnhardt having a lot of trouble picking his way to the front he did it earlier this afternoon but since a couple of pit stops they have not been able to work their way back to the front of the pack they're to Eli Gold at this point it seems to have stabilized just a bit everybody said it might be just one groove coming out of turn number three and four that's been the case pretty much most of the afternoon thus far again this time single file to the line back in the number one corner it's still Bobby Allison Earnhardt, you mentioned, Barty, has had trouble coming up through traffic, but he's the only one of the leaders that's been able to run the bottom of the racetrack here at the south end of the speedway with any kind of success. He holds fourth position behind Cale Yarbrough and Richard Petty. The right front of the Ricky Rudd automobile somewhat out of shape because of that altercation with the wall. Right now, your lead automobile is that of Bobby Allison. Cale Yarbrough tried to look to the inside and scoot by Darrell Waltrip. Couldn't make a move, so it'll again be single file back to the start-finish line. Waltrip has his work cut out for him here this afternoon as he hangs out of the draft of leader Bobby Allison back in turn number one. Cale Yarbrough can't make any ground. He's tried Waltrip, and Waltrip used up all the racetrack on him up in turns three and four. And Ned Jarrett, Waltrip may reach a stage at this late in the game of the season in the Winston Cup chase for the national driving title where he figures he has nothing to lose and he may completely change his driving style the other way instead of being conservative. I'm sure he has to weigh it both ways, Barney. As he said in the interview earlier, Richard Petty is going to be out there trying to win races and so he needs to be doing the same thing. Of course, when he finds himself in a position like he's in right now, trying to battle to get back in the lead lap so he's got a chance at running for the victory here this afternoon, he has no choice but just to run it flat out. He knows that he's punishing his car a little bit more than he needs to be at this stage of the game but he does have no choice 
working the 86th circuit. And Bobby Allison leads Cale Yarbrough, the Bush Beer Oldsmobile, who runs in second. In third is the STP Chevrolet of Richard Petty. Dale Earnhardt is in fourth spot. Benny Parsons in fifth. The win incorporated machine of Buddy Baker is in sixth spot. The Pure Later Mercury of Neil Bonnet is seventh. Eighth position to the Wyan Tropic Chevrolet of Donnie Allison. Ninth belongs to the Joe Milliken machine. Bill Elliott is tenth. In eleventh position, they are now showing Jody Ridley of Chatsworth, Georgia. In twelfth position is Harry Gant. In thirteenth position, they are now showing... Well, actually, in 13th position, it would be Dick Brooks in 14th spot. Would be the 08 machine, and that is being driven this afternoon by John Anderson. In 15th spot is the Jim Vandifer machine. In 16th position is Richard Childress. In 17th spot is the Jim Testa machine being driven this afternoon by Chuck Bound. Then one lap down is Daryl Waltrip in 18th spot. 19th is to D.K. Ulrich. In 20th position is Dick May. The Elmo Langley machine being driven by Tommy Gale is 22nd. 23rd on the grid is the 36, and that's being driven by H.B. Bailey. 24th is Kyle Petty in the Napa National 500. Well, as Chuck Bowd of Portland, Oregon, pits his car down on pit road, heading up into the number one corner. It's still Bobby Allison and Mike Joy. He's stretching his lead just a little bit every time around. About five or six car lengths it stands now on Waltrip, who is one lap behind. Then Cale Yarborough, the second place car, Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt. This event agreeing with Bobby Allison, a four-time Grand National winner here at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, and three of those four wins coming in this very October event. Right now, it's going to be single file off the four corner. Allison, a couple of car lengths over Waltrip. Bobby Allison back across the line. Cale Yarborough is now 12 car lengths back. He rides in second spot. Then comes Richard Petty in third. Fourth is Earnhardt. And back in fifth position, Joe Milliken is beginning to move up a little bit, but Buddy Baker is the fifth-place car, and Baker is taking an awful high groove down to the south end of the speedway. With 92 laps complete of the 334 this afternoon that will make up the Napa National 500, it's a field day for Bobby Allison, at least in this stage of the race. He continues to pull away from second-place car Cale Yarbrough. He's not been able to shake Darrell Waltrip, who is a lap down, trying to hang on to the draft and hopefully get his lap back and still have a good shot to win here this afternoon. Waltrip trails him out of the number four corner to cross the stripe, just glued on his bumper, but as of yet, he's put no move on him. Bobby Allison's looked awfully strong here in Jackaroot. We talked with him. Charlotte's been one of his better racetracks in his career, and it shows when he comes to the Speedway. Well, Barney, I've always really liked the track here at Charlotte. It's been one of my favorites ever since I came on the Grand National Circuit, and I have been successful here. You know, I've had some very good things happen for me and to me here, and uh, naturally, that uh, contributes to my enjoying coming back. Allison in race traffic up in turns three and four just picks his way around and Ned from your vantage point down on pit road and having been out this afternoon to talk with some of the crew chiefs the problems they all anticipated about being just a one groove racetrack maybe in three and four and one and two is not materialized they're able to run almost anywhere they want to as far as working race traffic. Yes they do seem to run anywhere Barney and of course that is very helpful as they lap uh, some of the slower cars. I've been watching that battle as Darrell Walter tries to get his lap back, but it looks to me like, Barney, that it's all that he can do to stay in the draft and just keep up with Bobby Allison. He's going to have to use some traffic somewhere or get a break to get back into the lap with a leader because Allison, showing no mercy to anyone here this afternoon, he never does. He leads them back into the number one corner, and now Cale Yarborough begins to close a little bit, Mike Joy. They had opened up about eight car lengths on Yarborough, but he is now champing right on the bumper of Darrell Waltrip's car. He has a three-car length separation on Richard Petty as they go single file down the back straightaway. A little further back in the pack, another impressive showing by John Anderson, the Massillon, Ohio driver. He had his own back. 
battles going with Ty Scott and Harry Gant. Right now, Gant and John Anderson have left Ty Scott for gone, and they're taking off in their own battle. Right now, the leaders come by as Richard Childress heads to the pitch. It's going to be Yarbrough, a car lane down to Bobby Allison. Well, Darrell Waltrip is back out front somewhere in the back straightaway heading up into three. He scooted underneath him, and Waltrip goes back in the lead lap. Jack that, Aroot. That'll make 17 cars in the lap with the leader, with Bobby Allison leading, Cale Yarbrough in second, Richard Petty is third, Dale Earnhardt is fourth, Buddy Baker is in fifth spot, Neil Bonnet is sixth. Going seventh is Donnie Allison, Joe Milliken in eighth spot, Benny Parsons ninth, Bill Elliott in tenth, Jody Ridley in eleventh, Harry Gant is in twelfth position, John Anderson thirteenth. Fourteenth spot belongs to Dick Brooks, Jim Vandiver is in fifteenth position, Richard Childress, who is now on pit road, was posted in sixteenth spot. Darrell Waltrip in 17th. 18th belongs to Chuck Bound. D.K. Ulrich is 19th. Dick May is 20th. H.B. Bailey, 21st. Tommy Gale, 22nd. Dick May, 23rd. And 24th is Kyle Petty. It's heating up up front as Richard Petty comes sailing up through traffic, Mike Joy. Petty moves around Cale Yarbrough as Dale Earnhardt tried to follow in his draft. Yarbrough almost got caught up with him in the wall. In our end of the speedway here in three and four, Richard Petty handling as superior as anybody else, possibly more so. Right now, it's going to be the middle groove for Bobby Allison. Nose to tail with Richard Petty and two car lanes down to Darrell Waltrip, who tries to pull away as he's on the same lot. Richard Petty, who seems to have completely rejuvenated himself as far as wanting to run up front in the last few races. He had more fun at Martinsville, he said, than he'd had in the last five years. He's after the lead in turn one. He's running about a one groove high higher than is Bobby Allison into turn number one. That gives him a little better line through the second turn when Allison comes up near the wall. They stay single file. This time, nobody making a move. Earnhardt looked to the inside of Cale Yarbrough. Nothing there. Bobby Allison trying to go to the low side and make a move on Darrell Waltrip, but can't do it as Waltrip finds the horses and he pulls away. Now again, tight single file. One, two, three at the top of the point. And Dale Earnhardt tries the outside of Cale Yarbrough. Richard Petty does likewise at the stripe, trying to strand Darrell Waltrip down low, but Waltrip closes the door, Mike. Waltrip comes up high, Petty follows him through and into the lead. Here comes Earnhardt up against the wall in turn two, side by side with Bobby Allison. Out of two, there's a dead heat for second spot. Allison inside, Earnhardt up top. And Dale Earnhardt on the outside trying to make a move, but Bobby Allison out of the trap, stays right with him. He stands on it and now tries to pull alongside Richard Petty in a challenge for the lead. It's going to be Petty on the high side, Bobby Allison on the low side. They're led by Waltrip to the line. It's a battle of inches back to the stripe with 3,700-pound machines, and it's Richard Petty leading. In second is Darryl, is Dale Earnhardt. Bobby Allison drops back to third. Now going in the fourth position is Neil Bonnet. And for Richard Petty, we've talked about it time and time again. It's a new Petty. It's like the old Petty, to be exact. And I asked him yesterday, I said, is the thrill of driving and winning just as great as when you started your Winston Cup Grand National career? Well, it's different. Uh, if, not, if nothing else, it's probably more so. Uh, you know, used to we run, and uh, when the race is over, I always asked them how much money we won and all this kind of stuff. Now, uh, you know, I run I run for the money, and I look, but I know the money's there to begin with. But uh, the deal now is uh, I really enjoy it. Oh, trouble in turn one. A car cracks into the wall up in the first turn. That looks like Jim Vandiver's machine. He slides it along the wall through turn two, and seven cars behind him slam on the brakes. Here come the leaders following as Vandiver runs his car slowly down the backstretch up near the wall. And once again, Darrell Waltrip had just fallen behind uh, Richard Petty and had Got but, a lap down, but, but he's going to race back to the line. Waltrip trying to go to the inside of Richard Petty. He's got tons of race traffic ahead of him, so Waltrip goes to the high side around Kyle Petty. He tries to go in front of Childress. Richard Petty cuts to the inside. They're track racing to the line. To the, the stripe they come, and who will it be? Waltrip will gather in his lap. 
At the Charlotte Motor Speedway, the fifth caution flag of the day has been displayed to the field on lap 101. That gets us just a little past the 150-mile mark here this afternoon, and the pits become a beehive of activity. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. And about everybody is changing four tires again. Uh, Barney, Bobby Allison, and Dale Earnhardt, the first two cars out. Neil Bonnet follows them. K.O. Yarbar follows them out. So they're taking advantage of the caution flag once again. Darrell Waltrip has made his trip around the racetrack now. He'll be coming in the next time. He had to catch up to the field now that he's gotten back in the same lap with the leader, so he'll be coming in the next time around. We talk about it so many times, Barney Hall, the excitement of Winston Cup Grand National Racing. We get literally excited here. The fans, they jump up and down in their seats. But I asked Kelly Yarbrough, I said, do the drivers get excited? Do they get just as excited as the race fans when the race is unfolding? Well, it gets me exciting just, uh, you know, racing that close and, and trying to uh, gain a position or, or whatever I'm doing. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't look in the grandstands. Uh, uh, you know, you have your hands full at what you're doing, but uh, I'm sure that, that uh, my adrenaline starts flowing and, and uh, when, when these situations happen, and uh, I'm probably getting just about as exciting as uh, the people in the grandstands do because, uh, you know, when you're, when you're racing a man like Richard Petty or David Pearson or Buddy Baker, these fellows, uh, and you're running door to door, uh, uh, it gets pretty exciting. And, uh, of course, I can feel it, but I don't let it get the best of me. And, uh, but I, I really don't have time to look up in the grandstand and see what the fans are doing. Well, we also have found out, Barney, that their David Pearson, as Cale Yarbrough was talking about, may get a little bit excited a little bit differently when they get to Rockingham, North Carolina, for the running of the American 500 on the 21st of October. Larry Pearson, David's son, oldest son, will be making his Winston Cup Grand National debut, much in the same manner that Kyle Petty has busted onto the Winston Cup trail in 1979. He'll be starting the same car that Jody Ridley is driving thus far in this Napa National 500, and can you believe it? Pearson's going to have to put on some weight because he's going to be the new Junior Johnson. He's the crew chief for that car when they go to Rockingham. He's a little apprehensive about that. He's been here at Charlotte Motor Speedway all week and been in the garage area talking with everybody and shaking hands with many of the Winston Cup Grand National Division. He spent a lot of time over in the Sportsman Garage area helping Butch Lindley a little bit, and I don't know if he's in attendance here today. Yesterday he went home back to Spartanburg, South Carolina, said he might come back today for this one, but I'm not sure if he's here or not. Well, they're getting ready to cut them loose under green again with 107 laps now posted on the board as they go back to green here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Field beginning to bunch over in turn three in front of Eli Gold. That rookie battle really shaping up as a dandy. You've got Harry Gant right now leading the pack. Then comes Dale Earnhardt, followed by Joe Milliken. Earnhardt cuts to the inside, trying to come up through the gearbox quickly, and they head back to the line with Chuck Bound now showing the leadership. Dale Earnhardt is the leader of the Napa National 500. Planked on his bumper and trailing him down into the number one corner, riding second is Joe Milliken as they work their way around lapped cars. Earnhardt jumps underneath Chuck Baum. Milliken does likewise, and they start to sprint away from the field. Bobby Allison now moves up through traffic. Richard Petty moves underneath Harry Gant. The fourth-place car, Cale Yarbrough boxed in, is running fifth. Richard Petty trying to stay right with Bobby Allison. Meanwhile, front of the pack, five car lanes, seventh separation between your leader, Dale Earnhardt, and Joe Milliken running second. Richard Petty challenging for third place, goes to the low side of Bobby Allison. They'll be two abreast back towards the line. It is Earnhardt by eight car lengths over Joe Milliken riding second, but coming up and coming quickly is Bobby Allison, Richard Petty, and Cale Yarbrough. They're having to work around Chuck Bounds' car in one. 
Earnhardt really jumped away. He's got about eight car lengths on Milliken, ten car lengths back to Allison, but that gap, as you mentioned, is closing. Petty moves up on Allison's bumpers. They come out of two. Richard Petty trying to look to the inside. Race traffic, not a factor as Chuck Bound drops off the pace. Your lead automobile sprinting away is Earnhardt. Then it's about seven car lengths back to Milliken. Another seven back to Bobby Allison. Richard Petty knows the tail with him and Cale Yarbrough. It's going to be Earnhardt to the line. Buddy Baker is back in the field, and he's drafting along right now with Earnhardt. Earnhardt scoots off down into the number one corner and continues to stretch his advantage, Mike Joy. It's now about 12 car lengths, his lead on Joe Milliken. Meanwhile, Bobby Allison, Richard Petty, Cale Yarbrough, and Donnie Allison have just about caught up with Milliken coming off the second turn. Donnie Allison looks to the low side. Allison trying to pull alongside Cale Yarbrough. That's Donnie. He can't quite make the move. Tries it again. Goes down low on the racetrack, entering turn number three. It'll be Donnie Allison to the low side of Cale Yarbrough. They sprint back for that fifth place. Allison goes to the base. Mikhail Yarbrough stays on the high side. Now Bobby Allison goes downstairs on Joe Milliken for second position. This has been Allison's passing point all day. In the trioval on the bottom of the racetrack. He used it just then to get around Joe Milliken. They swing way up high in turn number two. Donnie Allison ducks under Kale Yarbrough, and Petty runs the slingshot out of turn two. He goes by Milliken and runs Bobby Allison for second. Richard Petty, the man on the move. He puts the nose in front of the T-bird of Bobby Allison and has second place. Here comes Donnie Allison. He takes the free ride. Kale Yarbrough along with. That's one through four now with Bobby Allison five and Joe Milliken six. They shuffle positions like it's a new deck of cards, but the man that continues to be on the point is Dale Earnhardt, and with this shuffle, Mike Joy, he's lengthened his advantage over Richard Petty. There might be something wrong wrong with Bobby Allison as Bud Moore there's action in their pits they're maybe getting ready to bring him back in as he dropped back about four positions on the last lap well we'll send Ned Jarrett down to check with Bud Moore on the condition of Bobby Allison's machine in the interim Dale Earnhardt continues to lead and now by some one and eight tenth seconds over Richard Petty Donnie Allison in third now Allison goes downstairs on Petty Neil Bonnet also on the move, trying to challenge, and he takes over seventh place. Donnie Allison has to settle for third place behind Richard Petty. Leader continues to be Earnhardt, and like he's been shot out of a cannon, he just stretches that lead right now as Richard Petty, Donnie Allison, and Cale Yarbrough jockey back and forth for that number two spot. When you run door-to-door, -door, it will slow you down and allow the leader to get away. He has a healthy separation on Richard Petty right now, and I think Donnie Allison has suddenly sensed that because he rides nose-to-tail with Petty as they link up in that three-car draft and try to overhaul haul him over in turn three. Cale Yarbrough trying to join them. Neil Bonnet on the move. He goes underneath his Hueytown neighbor, Bobby Allison, and Neil Bonnet now takes over fifth place. Bobby Allison going sixth, Buddy Baker seventh. Bobby Allison stays in race traffic. He has shown no indication of bringing the car on pit road. Ned Jarrett is on his way. We've got to problems. Chuck, Moore. Chuck Bounds spins and gets it back under control, spins again in turn number four. The engine seeming to let go. Bound comes back up the banking, now cruises back down the banks. So Chuck Bounds spins the number 68 has it under control. Your leaders work down the back straightaway. Earnhardt sprinting away. Donnie Allison goes underneath Richard Petty in a challenge for second place. Donnie Allison is there. Richard Petty running third. Here comes Neil Bonnet fourth. Cale Yarbrough fifth back to the line. So they work single file out of that corner. Do not race that hard back to the start-finish line because it won't gain you that much. There's no way they could have overhauled Earnhardt. Give a call to Kyle Petty right in front of you, Eli Gold, because he was running right on the tail end of Chuck Bowne when he lost that car. And the, his car got out of shape a little bit, but he did a good job of keeping it in line. The, the indecision was on the part, of course, of Chuck Bowne because he seemed to have the car gathered right in. The engine seemed to come unloaded just as he picked up through the banking of turn number three, and he gathered it right in quickly, but then he found himself in that area where the banking stops on the apron of the racetrack begins. He was in a precarious spot, and the car spun around. Kyle 
looks either way, and he gets by unscathed. Chuck Bound brings that black and yellow number 68 to a rest at the entrance to Pit Road. He'll need a little help from his friends to get back down the road. Field under caution for the sixth time this afternoon, and here comes a rash of pit stops on the Pure Lady Mercury, the Bush Chevrolet of Cale Yarborough, Bobby Allison, and this will be a break for him, Ned Jarrett. Yes, it will be. They were standing by, Barney. He had slowed a little bit. They thought that one of the left side tires had blistered on that car, and they were very elated when that caution came out. I was, I'm standing in their pits right now as they change the right side tires, and we assume they're coming around to change the left side. Yes, they are. So they'll make a four-tire change on that car, and it was a break that they were looking for. There is a steady stream of oil from turn three through turn four and down to where Chuck Bound has come to a stop. Cleanup crew has got a good bit of real estate to take care of. 117 laps on the board, six caution flags this afternoon. We're under the sixth one right now. Just about all the front runners have elected to pit under this caution. Let's go to Ned Jarrett for an update. We're still in the pit area of Bud Moore and Bobby Allison. They have brought him back in one more time, Barney, and they looked at those left side tires. In fact, we looked at all four of the tires that came off of that car. We're going to try to get over here. Bud, was there something wrong uh, that he'd slowed down a little bit? We went and we changed the left side tires and got some old style that was a little harder, and that's why he slowed down. So we had to go back to the other softer tires, the newer tires. Did you bring him back in to be sure that you had those softer, softer tires on? Was that the reason for the second stop under this caution? No, he came in the uh, second time. He thought maybe he had a shock broke, but then I told him we had put a harder left rear on. That's what was the problem. Okay, so you got it all settled now. Right. Okay, that's Bud Moore, the owner and crew chief of that Hodgson Ford T-Bird that Bobby Allison is driving. So uh, he hopes he's going to get back up towards the front again. Well, most of the crews have been extremely lucky here this afternoon with six caution flags. They've been able to make their pit stops under the yellow, and that takes a little bit of a pressure off on many of the crews. 117 laps are complete here this afternoon of the Napa National 500. 334 laps will make up the 500-mile distance to set the stage for you right now. They're showing still Earnhardt as the leader. Donnie Allison had been second, but as we look on pit road, we see that Donnie, Richard Petty, Buddy Baker, and Bill Elliott are electing to pit their cars under caution, so that will change that. We've had a lot of talk about Dale Earnhardt, the rookie that's already won at Bristol, Tennessee. He is running second in the first National City Travelers Checks Points Chase after being injured and out of competition for some, some, some six weeks. Your current leader of the first National City Travelers Checks Rookie of the Year title for 1979 is Joe Milliken, but Dale Earnhardt has already stated what his goals for 1980 are. Be the Winston Cup Grand National Champion. Do you really think you can do it your sophomore year? We're going to run it. We're going to run at it as hard as we can go. we got the equipment and the, the manpower and I feel like I'm capable and uh, whether I'm ready or not, we're going to run at it. From Charlotte Motor Speedway, this is the MRN Broadcasting Company. At the Charlotte Motor Speedway, the green flag just displayed in the field and Earnhardt leads him across the stripe. Dick Brooks rides in second, moving up to third is the pure later Mercury of Neil Bonifer in turn one. Earnhardt runs away and hides by some 20 car lengths. Neil Bonifer, second place car, Joe Milliken third. Benny Parsons fourth, John Anderson is up there with Cale Yarborough and Walter back in the traffic. Neil Bonnet trying to make a move down the back straightaway. He pulls alongside the Dick Brooks automobile and disposes of that race traffic. Neil Bonnet now setting his sights on Dale Earnhardt. Behind him, you have the Dick Brooks car, followed by your third place automobile, Milliken. Earnhardt by 15, make that 20 car links over second place. Neil Bonnet right now is the jockey for position around the racetrack. Quickly, let's check in with Ned Jarrett. Marty, we have asked J.C. Elder why they had not uh, pitted. Everybody else pitted during that caution. He said, well, we got a good set of tires on that car and said Dale wanted to stay out there. They'd only run about 10 laps. Meanwhile, we have Chuck Bowen with us who just uh, caused that last, last caution. What happened, Chuck? Well, Ned, we were running along real good, and just all of a sudden the engine exploded without any warning. Uh, 
we come in and opened the hood and the belts were off, and I think I lost a belt and might have lost the oil pump belt, and so I wasn't pumping any oil to the engine for an instant, and it just exploded. You had such high hopes for that new automobile. Yeah, it's a real good car. It's a brand new one, but things didn't go our way to start out with. First, we got a flat tire. We were running along pretty good, but the flat cost us a lap, and I was trying to gain my lap back, and I pulled up to the front of the inside line on the restart. For some reason, NASCAR black flagged me, which I'm going to have to talk to him about and see what the problem was there. I don't really understand it, but, you know, we had high hopes. We tried to run hard, and I guess we'll wait till next year. Okay, that's Chuck Bauer. Now back to you. Very promising youngster on the Winston Cup Tour. Two fastest cars on the speedway right now could be Richard Petty and Donnie Allison as they've knocked off about 11 cars as they're way back in the field trying to catch the leaders. Out front, it's Earnhardt. Second, right now is Neil Bonnet. Third is Dick Brooks. Fourth is Benny Parsons as they head in turn one. Joe Billiken up there running just ahead of Benny Parsons. Then it is Daryl Waltrip in the sixth spot, John Anderson and Cale Yarbrough at about three seconds back to the Petty Donnie Allison draft, which is really working. Has just run away from lap traffic back there. Right now, Joe Milliken trying to make a move. He, too, whisks by the 05 of Dick Brooks. Brooks trying to stay with him, but Milliken on the low side takes him in turn three. It's going to be Earnhardt, 12 car lanes over Bonnet in second. Dale Earnhardt sees the Pure Later Mercury gaining ground on him. Bonnet has knocked off 15 car lengths the last two laps around as he goes after the lead in turn one, just 10 car lengths behind. And Bonnet has no pressure as Milliken and Parsons are still trying to work around Dick Brooks without success. They have stacked up Darrell Waltrip, John Anderson, and Cale Yarbrough right behind them. That's a fierce battle out of turn two. That's going to be the hot one right now as they try to shuffle their spot. Dick Brooks staying right there. Benny Parsons knows the tail with him. Milliken on the inside groove. He has Waltrip going to the high side of him along with John Anderson. Meanwhile, it's Bonnet eight car lanes down to the leader. Leader across the stripe as Neil Bonnet continues to close the interval. This time he's about seven, eight car lengths behind him, and a good battle going on for third spot in front of Mike Joy. Benny Parsons works underneath Dick Brooks. He got the move underneath in the trioval and moves up into the third spot. Ahead of Brooks, then Darrell Waltrip, John Anderson, Cale Yarbrough battling Joe Milliken as they come off turn two. Six cars all tied up in a knot there. In eighth position is Jody Ridley, and ninth spot is now being shown as Bobby Allison. In tenth position is Richard Petty. In eleventh spot is now being posted as Bill Elliott. Roger lead automobile comes off turn four. It's going to be down to six car lanes for Earnhardt. Earnhardt beginning to see that red, white, and blue pure later mercury. Let's just make that red and white as he comes down. He has now closed it, Mike Joy, to about six car lengths. He did, but Earnhardt got a little bit back in the, going into turn number one. Waltrip trying to move underneath Benny Parsons for third spot going into turn one. It didn't work. Meanwhile, as that Waltrip battle tries to heat up again, he looks to the inside, breathing the automobile. Not this time. He steps on it and tries to hang on to that third spot. Waltrip goes underneath Benny Parsons. Neil Bonnet still six car lengths down to your leader, Dale Earnhardt, in second. Darrell Waltrip, who got his lap back a moment ago, rides in third position. Parsons falls back to fourth. And then there is one mad scramble back there for fifth position between Dick Brooks, Joe Milliken. Right now, Cale Yarborough slices down on the inside in turn one. Yarborough has the low side. Milliken cuts him off going into the first turn, and they go back to single file running. Quite a battle there between Brooks, Milliken, Yarborough, and John Anderson. Out of turn two, Donnie Allison puts the move on Richard Petty for eighth spot. Donnie trying to go to the inside. Richard Petty on the outside trying to stay with him. They're nose to nose. It's a battle for eighth place. Richard Petty on the high side. Donnie Allison the low side. Neil Bonnet three car lanes down to your leader. That battle for eighth position continues rounding out of turn four. Petty 
retains eighth spot. Dropping back to ninth is Donnie Allison. Brother Bobby Allison just hammers on the rear deck lid of the Wyantropic Chevrolet from his 10th position running point in front of you, Mike. Turn one, Joe Milliken is now underneath Dick Brooks. They are running for the fifth position as the battles are really heating up up and down the racetrack. Four separate groups of cars among the top ten. As far as your lead automobiles, it's going to be a three-car lane. Deficit for Neil Bonnet. He's chasing your lead automobile, that being Dale Earnhardt. The third and fourth place battle is a two-car lane separation between Waltrip and Benny Parsons. But the competition kettle comes to full boil with 130 laps just being completed. Dale Earnhardt looks in his rearview mirror and Bonnet is there. Bonnet has erased Earnhardt's lead. He is right on his bumper into turn one. Earnhardt takes a little bit higher line going in and gains perhaps a car length going into the turn. Coming out, Bonnet is lined up in the draft some three car lengths back. Let's see as Neil Bonnet works down the back straightaway. We'll check their lines in turn number three. Everybody else has been cutting the turn right down the middle. This time, that's going to be pretty much the same style as two car lanes separate your two lead automobiles, Earnhardt in front of Neil Bonnet. Donnie Allison scrambles out of the pack and is trying to catch the leaders. He and Richard Petty have been running nose to tail for the last eight laps, and all of a sudden, they come working up through traffic, and they have knocked off about four seconds since the restart on the front-running car right now. Earnhardt, but the battle is going to be for the lead momentarily, as Neil Bonnet, who was some four or five seconds behind on that restart, now is just six, seven car lengths back, but he doesn't seem to be able to pick up any more than that as he heads to you, Eli Gold. That's the case. I was just going to comment right now. Dale Earnhardt seems to have found the key, and he's holding Neil Bonnet off in abeyance for the time being. The third and fourth place battle, nose to tail between Waltrip and Benny Parsons. Darrell Waltrip and Benny Parsons ride a two-car draft, and they know running nose to tail, you can pick up a little ground. If you run door to door, you lose time. Cale Yarbrough has lost the draft, but momentarily, Donnie Allison is going to catch up, and so is Richard Petty, and they'll have a three-car train working for them. There to Mike Joy. Donnie Allison closing fast, running for six, body goes underneath Dick Brooks at turn one, takes the position, and sets off and immediately begins to gain on Cale Yarbrough. Donnie now, Allison now trying to make a move. John Anderson taking the free ride along with him. Richard Petty now trying to challenge that Maslin, Ohio driver, as Richard Petty finds himself having to tuck himself back in. Up high goes Dick Brooks, as Richard Richard Petty trying to make a move and try and get by John Anderson. Barney Hall, Dale Earnhardt is beginning to pull away a little bit again now from Neil Bonnet, and probably what is happening, they did not pit Earnhardt's car. He had on hot tires. Bonnet came in and got fresh tires, and while they were cool, he was able to run Dale down. But now that his tires have heated up, Earnhardt might have the advantage. Jim Vandiver is with us here. He, uh, of course, calls the last caution. Jim, what happened over there? Uh, must have run over something on the track. Uh, Ned cut the right front tire, and the tire just exploded and went right in the wall. Well, the car's not okay, but you seem to be. Uh, I think I'm all right side, a little bruises. Okay, well, it's too bad he's out of it. Now back to the action. Richard Petty continues to try and work his way to the front. A moment ago, he and Donnie Allison are running nose to tail, and now Petty is beginning to fall back in the pack a little bit as John Anderson leads him off down into the number one corner, and Donnie Allison continues to gain ground on the front group of cars. The leader is Dale Earnhardt. Second is Neil Bonnet. Third is Darrell Waltrip. Fourth is Benny Parsons. Back in fifth position right now is Cale Yarborough, and sixth is Donnie Allison, and that car is strong, Jack Aroot. Remember Donnie Allison and that squeaker at Dover, Delaware, and the CRC Chemicals 500? Well, Donnie has not run the Hawaiian Tropic Chevrolet since then. A three-week hiatus. Has it been tough, Donnie, to sit it out and wait for Charlotte? Well, I've been anxious. You know, uh, it's not really been hard, but uh, it's been a pretty long three weeks. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm ready. Uh, you know, I was glad that, that it wasn't any longer. He looks awfully strong this afternoon as he tries to gain ground on the front 
pack of traffic right now, but as Ned Jarrett pointed out a moment ago, it is really stretching the lead for Earnhardt. He continues to pull away from Neil Bonnet. And here comes Darrell Waltrip and Benny Parsons now all of four car lanes behind Neil Bonnet off the number four turn. And Ned running that strong all by yourself without the aid of the draft gives you an indication that they are making some horsepower all of a sudden in the Earnhardt car. Yes, it does, and that car is handling beautifully, Barney. We mentioned a moment ago that they chose not to pit because he had what they felt was a good set of tires. Now, we certainly didn't mean to imply that, that some tires are not as good as others, but uh, they do occasionally get a set of tires that just seems to run faster and stick tighter than others, and when they get a set like that on there, they like to run them as long as they can. We've got Darrell Waltrip trying to make a move on Neil Bonnet. He's got second place in turn four. Waltrip comes up through the field. He is in the second spot. Bonnet drops back to third. Fourth is Benny Parsons. Kale Yarbrough is in fifth. Richard Brooks is in sixth position. Donnie Allison fades to seventh. In eighth spot is the John Anderson machine. Ninth to Richard Petty. Joe Milliken is in tenth. Bobby Allison is eleventh. Buddy Baker is twelfth. Jody Ridley posted in thirteenth position. Bill Elliott is in fourteenth spot. Harry Gant one lap down in fifteenth. D.K. Ulrich two laps off the pace in sixteenth position. Richard Childress is 17th, H.B. Bailey 18th, Buddy Arrington 19th, Tommy Gale 20th, Kyle Petty in 21st position, Ricky Rudd is 22nd, Ty Scott is 23rd, in 24th spot is David Sosby, and in 25th position is Terry Labonte, while going 26th is the number 70, J.D. McDuffie. Donnie Allison beginning to fall back through the field a little bit, and that car has slowed a little bit, Mike Joy. Quite a bit. He was running in sixth spot, chasing down Kale Yarbrough at an alarming rate. He is now all the way back to 13th position and is about 10 miles an hour off the pace. At this point, Darrell Waltrip's trying to scoot away from the second, or rather from the third and fourth place automobiles, Neil Bonnet and Benny Parsons. Waltrip seems to be taking it upon himself to chase down Earnhardt. He's beginning to pick up a little ground. A moment ago, it looked like Earnhardt was going to be long gone for a moment, but right now, the car that's chasing him down is Darrell Waltrip with 138 laps complete here at Charlotte Motor Speedway in the Napa. 500. Leader is Earnhardt. Waltrip is second. Neil Bonnet is third. Benny Parsons is fourth. And Cale Yarborough is fifth. And bringing the Hawaiian Tropic Chevrolet onto pit road is Donnie Allison. Well, Darrell Waltrip is overhauling the leader at Charlotte Motor Speedway with 141 laps complete of the 334 that will make up the Napa National 500 here this afternoon. Earnhardt is out front. He had a healthy margin a moment ago. He still does for that matter. But Waltrip is gaining on the leader as they come out of turn four and move down to the start finish line. Waltrip will work around H.B. Bailey's car. Donnie Allison made that unscheduled pit stop a moment ago and Ned Jarrett is making his way to find out what is wrong with, with that car and also falling off the pace a little bit of the last couple of laps around appeared to be the pure later car of Neil Bonnet. Let's check in with Ned Jarrett. We're approaching the pure later pits right now Barney Hall to see what the problem is that he's slowing down. Leonard Wood is conversing with the other members of the crew here. Leonard he seems to have fallen off the pace a little bit. Is anything wrong? Well, we put the right side tires on the left, and uh, they don't seem to be proven out uh, due to the new pavement, you know. It was uh, hurting the other tires too much. So we're going back to the other tires and try that. Okay, so they're trying something here, Barney, and that is putting left side tires on the right side. It's not working for them. We'll report back from Hoss Ellington's pits in just a moment. Well, Bonnet continues to run nose to tail with Cale Yarbrough on a tight two-car draft. They're not losing that much ground, but they're not gaining any at all either. But meanwhile, Waltrip continues to knock off just a couple of car lengths each time around as he closes on leader Earnhardt. But Earnhardt is really pushing it to the floor here this afternoon. Remember, he's performing in front of hometown folks. His home is over at Kannapolis, North Carolina, just a few miles away from the Charlotte Motor Speedway. And Mike Joy, he's, that car has worked the best in your end of the speedway I've seen any car all day. 
no question, Barney, early in the race he could run the bottom when nobody else could. Walter will have trouble coming up to challenge because Donnie Allison, who made that unscheduled pit stop, is now one lap off the pace, and he is running between Earnhardt and Waltrip. But still, Darrell Waltrip now in turn three and four, closing to within shouting distance of Dale Earnhardt. Further back, Benny Parsons cruising by his lonesome, followed by nose-to-tail Yarbrough, Neil Bonnet, and Richard Petty, along with Bobby Allison. Dale Earnhardt, who where it all started right here at Charlotte Motor Speedway one year ago, and then he came back here in the World 600 and just wowed the crowd as a rookie. And I wonder, Dale, if you think about that when you go into this Napa National 500. Well, naturally, you know, uh, you got started here, you, you want to do your best here, and Everything's rolling along so good right now. We've got our momentum up, and cars running good, and guys are working great together. So we're looking for a win here. Donnie Allison goes to the inside of Dale Earnhardt. He is two laps down, trying to get one of those laps back after that lengthy pit stop, an unscheduled one. It's Earnhardt out front. Waltrip runs second. Benny Parsons is third. Bonnet is fourth. Cale Yarbrough is in fifth spot. Richard Petty in the STP efforts is in sixth position. In seventh spot is Bobby Allison. Buddy Baker is eighth. In ninth position, they are now showing John Anderson. In tenth is Richard Brooks. In eleventh spot is Joe Milliken. Twelfth position to Jody Ridley. Thirteenth to Bill Elliott. Then one lap off the pace is Harry Gant. In fifth 15th spot is Donnie Allison, one lap back. In 16th position is Richard Childress. D.K. Ulrich is 17th. 18th to H.B. Bailey. Tommy Gale is 19th. Buddy Arrington is 20th. The Russ Coggs machine for Ty Scott is in 21st. Kyle Petty is 22nd. Ricky Rudd, four laps back, is in 23rd. Dick May, 24th. 25th spot is now being shown as David Sosby, 26th, is the 44 Terry Labonte efforts. James Hilton is in 27th and 28th position on the grid. Those are all the cars that are still running, is the car number 74. And we're going to check that car because we're not showing a 74 on the grid here. So there are 27 cars still in competition. Well, a, moment, a moment ago, it appeared that Donnie Allison made that unscheduled pit stop, and Ned Jarrett has made his way down to Haas Ellington's pits. Let's find out what the trouble is. Okay, I'm standing here with Haas. Haas, what happened that you had to make that unscheduled pit stop? Well, now we've been turning up inside tires, you know, most of the day. So now we're towards the tight rear that time. We had to make unscheduled pits. And then, you know, we changed four tires, and uh, the, the jack went down on the, uh, on the uh, you know, on the air hose, so that messes up a right good bit of time on that. But we had unscheduled pit stop, kind of right rear tire blister. But it looks like he's flying now. Oh, yeah. He, well, we got one on back now, so we can get a caution. We'll be in good shape. So the car's real well. And, you know, it just looks good. It look, you know, look like he's leaving the pack right now. So maybe we can get a few breaks. We'll be all right. Well, Barney, they had either mistakenly or intentionally put a right side tire or a left side tire on that left rear, and the tire did blister for them. And as you heard Leonard Wood say a moment ago, they have left side tires on the right side of that pure later Mercury, and he is off of the pace right now, so they're learning that that is not the tip here this afternoon. It's we a are, hard way to learn, Jack Arruda. It's cost a couple of drivers as much as a lap and two laps. Barney, we were incorrect in saying there were 27 cars remaining in competition. There are 28. The 28th position is being retained by John Delphus, J.D. McDuffie, and now Darrell Walter brings his Diegar Gatorade racing machine out of pit road for service from Buddy Parrott and the crew. This would be an unscheduled stop for Waltrip, and as, as he made his lap up a little bit earlier, got back in the same lap and had moved into the number two position, it's going to cost him again, and they're changing the inside left tires on the car, and tire wear is becoming a problem here this afternoon for the drivers. 149 laps are complete. Earnhardt is in front, riding in second is Benny Parsons, Cale Yarbrough is third, and Richard Petty is fourth. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. We're in the Dogard Gatorade pit. Buddy, we see that that left rear tire was blistered pretty badly. What's happening here? Well... Okay, he had to go away. Darrell was talking to him as he came down. 
pit road here. Ned, let's interrupt you just a moment. Here comes Dale Earnhardt, who had been leading, and he slows way off the pace and is going to make an unscheduled stop on the Austerlin machine as he pits his car. You can check that out, too. That's going to put Benny Parsons in front. Let's go back to Ned Jarrett. Okay. Okay, buddy. Now, can you tell us what's happening with those tires? Well, you know, uh, they're sticking real good down to number three and four turn, and everybody's running real, real fast, and uh, we're losing the left rear tire, but uh, we got it all solved now, and uh, I think we're going to be okay. Okay, that tire was suffered very bad, and as Earnhardt gets his car down, we'll check with Jake Elder in just a moment to see what that problem was. There is a serious problem on the Earnhardt car. He's made two unscheduled stops, and he is not yet back to racing speed. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. Okay, we're standing by here with Jake Elder. Jake, what's going wrong? I think they got a set of tires equalized. Well, they thought they had a good set of tires on it. They came in and changed the left side, then had to come back in and change the other side. So he has lost a lot of valuable time here under this uh, under the green flag. Well, as Earnhardt heads down into turn number one in front of Mike Joy, it looks like a lot of cars are being able to get around him, Mike. Daryl uh, Waltrip just went around him on the outside. The car is not working Bonnet. too Neil Bonnet, pardon me, Mike Joy, is just in and out very quickly for an unscheduled pit stop as well. Your lead automobile is working down the back straightaway. Trying to show the way is Bunny Parsons nose to tail with Richard Petty, followed by Cale Yarbrough in third, Bobby Allison in fourth, Buddy Baker in fifth. They come up on the Richard Childress automobile in turn number four, and it's going to be after a shuffle single file. Richard Petty's car has suddenly lost the handle up in turns three and four. He's a little squirrely a couple of laps ago, and this time as they come out of turn number four, Petty will lose two positions. They scoot back into turn number one in front of Mike Joy. Baker ducks underneath Petty, and his car is very loose in turn number one. Petty has to come completely out of the throttle to avoid an encounter with the second turn wall, and he loses about 15 car lengths to Baker. He's way off the pace in the back stretch. Down the back straightaway, those front four automobiles, plus that of Richard Childress trying to scoot away. Richard Petty following. He's down low on the racetrack right near the apron. It's your leader, Benny Parsons, back to the line. Richard Petty, he's going to be looking towards the pits and heads into. Richard Petty will pit the STP car here this afternoon, and they're ready for him. Let's check back in with Ned Jarrett. And Ned, a lot of these stops are a big surprise. Yes, they are, Barney. Uh, but the tire situation is what is causing them to have to make these unscheduled pit stops. We're on our way now to the Petty pit. As Dale Inman and the crew go to work on that car, we'll find out exactly what did go wrong. Well, a moment ago, there were five cars running nose to tail for the lead. Now it's three. Buddy Baker is the fourth place car. He's 15 car lengths back of Bobby Allison, the third place machine. Benny Parsons is in front, and Cale Yarborough locks onto his rear bumper like a bulldog with a mean disposition, just refuses to let him go this afternoon, hounds him down into turn number one. Traffic has been pretty heavy. Yarborough has not had a lot of chance to make a move. Parsons runs a little bit higher into turn one than does Yarborough and Bobby Allison as they're lined up three wide. They lap by Baxter Price in the back stretch and stay single file. As they continue down the back chute, moving by Baxter, it's clear sailing for the time being. Hale Yarborough doesn't think about making a move. It's going to maintain single file. Buddy Baker trying to close the gap and make it a four-car traffic and again. It'll be single file to the line. With 159 laps complete of the 334 this afternoon, here's Yarborough going after the lead on Betty Parsons down in turn number one. He may get it. Yarborough ducks low at the tri-oval, but Parsons has the high line into the turn, and that's where the group 
groove is. Yarbrough is forced to come back up in line in second spot. He does squeeze back up there just ahead of Bobby Allison, and they continue to run Parsons, Yarbrough, Allison. That seems to be the passing spot because the back straightaway in turns three and four with the new speedway surface. That's turned out to be a stabilizing area. Everybody taking the middle groove. It's not really varied all that much for any competitor. For an update on what's been going on on pit road, let's go to Ned Jarrett. Okay, I'm standing by with Maurice Petty. Maurice, what went wrong with the unscheduled pit stop? Uh, we had a right rear tire to go down, and everybody's been blistering, sort of like the left rear. So uh, we was planned to, when he said it felt funny, we planned to change the left side. And in the meantime, it was right rear had went flat, and uh, we're having pretty good uh, tire wear. It's just that they hit something on the track, and it went flat. Okay, that's the story from Maurice Petty. That was on Richard Petty's car, of course, number 43. It was a rather long pit stop, though, Barney Hall, as uh, they took a little longer than normal to change those tires. We had a momentary challenge to the lead, but Cale Yarbrough couldn't pull it off. He remains in second behind Parsons. Showing 162 laps, Benny Parsons continues to work his way around the track. Cale Yarborough looking awfully strong. Yarborough's pacing himself this afternoon, but the driver who is really pacing himself and his car here this afternoon is Buddy Baker. He's currently showing in fourth position and moving up onto the scoreboard here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. The young driver we were talking about earlier today, John Anderson from Massillon, Ohio, in the Drame Racing Engines car. We asked how he felt about running with the Petties and the Waltrips and Cale Yarborough. Well, I feel real fortunate that uh, the guys have accepted me like, like they have. I mean, I was kind of surprised at MIS. Uh, the car run real well, and I was able to run up front most of the day, and it just seemed like everybody gave me all the room I needed, and I tried to do the same for them. But, yeah, it was, it was a strange feeling. It was, uh, you know, finally had an opportunity to race against all the guys I've been watching for years and years. And always wanted to be like them, and it, it, was, it was great to be up there. Another stop for Dale Earnhardt, a costly one at this point in the race, 163 laps, almost 164 completed. It continues to be Benny Parsons leading Bobby Allison. Running in third is Buddy Baker with Cale Yarbrough in fourth. Well, the way they're running the Napa 500 here this afternoon with that $50,000 in Napa Supercharger Awards for the driver, $15,000 goes to the driver who leads the most laps under green. And Jack Root, that may not be decided into the last 20 or 30 laps of the race. Right now, Benny Parsons is beginning to pile up some of the total. Bobby Allison has picked his way back to second spot, and he's beginning to look awful strong again. And as they come to the start-finish line, Allison goes downstairs. This is the halfway mark. Next time by Chip Warren's flag. They are hub-to-hub, rounding out of turn four. Allison points the nose of the Hodgdon Thunderbird out front, battling back on the high side. Comes Benny Parsons at the stripe. It will be Parsons by just a nose as they go into turn one. Allison scrapes his way on the inside, a little loose in front of you, Mike. He is really fighting the wheel, Jackie. On the bottom of the racetrack, Bobby Allison at two moments. Terry lapses a control with the Thunderbird, but he continues to run the bottom lane and comes off the turn dead even with Parsons for the lead. Bobby continues to work on the inside. Buddy Baker thought about making it three along, couldn't do so. Buddy Parsons in front. Bobby Allison down low, running second. Buddy Baker challenging on the high side for second place. Baker goes to try and slingshot himself over the top of Bobby Allison and does so for second. Bobby Allison will fall back to third position, and he may drop all the way back to fourth as Cale Yarborough comes scooting up in there in a battle for the fourth spot now between Yarborough and Allison back in turn one. It shows just how the inside, the bottom groove, is not working at the south end of the speedway. Bobby is able to stay there but not gain any ground, even though it's the short way around. Cale tries to overhaul him for third. 
tail near the outside retaining wall. Steps on it, looks to have third place. Challenge for the lead, Buddy Baker down low. He sweeps down and up in front of Benny Parsons. The new leader, it's Buddy Baker from Charlotte. Parsons is second. Shades of Martinsville, Virginia, as Buddy Baker begins to flex his muscles halfway through this event. Baker leads Parsons, running in third is Yarbrough. Bobby Allison is in fourth position. In fifth is John Anderson, sixth to Richard Brooks. Joe Milliken is seventh. Jody Ridley is eighth. Ninth to Bill Elliott. Darrell Waltrip is in tenth spot. One lap down is Neil Bonnet in eleventh. Twelfth is Harry Gant. Richard Petty is thirteenth. Fourteenth to Donnie Allison. Fifteenth to Dale Earnhardt. In sixteenth is D.K. Ulrich. Buddy Arrington is seventeenth. H.B. Bailey is eighteenth. Richard Childress is 19th, Tommy Gale is 20th, Ricky Rudd is 21st, Kyle Petty 22nd, 23rd is Dick May, and 24th on the field with an average speed of 122.571 is the Russ Togs machine from the Harry Hyde stable with Penargel, Pennsylvania runner Ty Scott at the controls. Here comes Neil Bonnet on the pit road again, and that would be an unscheduled stop again on Neil Bonnet. Let's check in with Ned Jarrett. Yes, it is an unscheduled pit stop, Barney Hall, as the... Pure later Mercury rolls down to a stop. The Wood Brothers are ready to go to work, and they go to work on the right side, changing those right side tires. So tire problems are becoming a problem here this afternoon. What a change in the run by Buddy Baker in his career, Barney Hall. Can you remember the years when he used the chrome horn and loses cool and have problems when he was driving for the Dodge teams? But these days, Buddy Baker doesn't get mad. He doesn't let his temperament decide the race. He just allows his head to tell him what to do. Well, you know what happens is I think... You know, so much of your career is uh, based on how hard you run. And there's a certain amount of career how much you make. And then there's a certain amount of your career that you have you have not a lot of money, but enough that you're not pressured by that. You're not pressured by trying to impress anybody. And when you when you get in that frame of mind, then you're smart enough to win races. And all of a sudden, everybody says, God, he's changed his whole attitude about races. Well, I have. I, I, I now have been successful enough in racing that impressing people, you know, that's fine if it comes along. But if, if I run 100% all day long, keep out of trouble with the race car that I have this year and the personnel that I have working with me, I know that I've got a winning racing team. So it's up to me just to run an error-free race and it'll come to me. And that's, uh, you know, it's a big relief on my part not to have to sit there and wish I had 25 more horsepower or wish I had a good tire man or wish I had a good this or a good that. I have all that. And... I think in the future that it'll have a lot to do with the, uh, winning races. It, it's got to because I got, mentally I'm all all calmed down and I, I, I really feel good about everything the way it's going now. Well, Jackie, he waited for the race to come to him this afternoon. We just passed the 250-mile mark about six or seven laps back. Baker just played it cool. He was as far back as eighth. Then he ran in the top four or five, just waited until everybody else had trouble, paced the car and himself, and right now he's enjoying the lead here in the Napa 500 with 175 laps will be complete next time around for Buddy Baker. Baker coming up on some race traffic midway down the backstretch, however, and this will be the thing that will separate the men from the boys. Just how good these front-running cars can negotiate around this traffic in front of Eli Gold. Well, as Buddy comes up, the first car he looks at is going to be that of Dick May, followed by Tommy Gale's automobile. Your lead cars coming up on traffic. Leaders go to the high side of the racetrack. They have the open groove there, and they go back to the line in that same order. It's Baker out front. Benny Parsons running second. Cale Yarbrough is third. Bobby Allison is fourth. Then, trailing in the fifth position, he's just presented his 
car on pit road is John Anderson. Also in and out of the pits quickly was Dick Brooks in sixth position. Seventh is Joe Milliken. Eighth is Darrell Waltrip. Ninth spot to Bill Elliott. Jody Ridley in tenth position. Richard Petty in eleventh. Harry Gant in twelfth. Donnie Allison thirteenth. Neil Bonnet in fourteenth. Fifteenth spot to Dale Earnhardt. D.K. Ulrich is sixteenth. Buddy Arrington seventeenth. H.B. Bailey eighteenth. Tommy Gale nineteenth. And Ricky Rudd is in twentieth. Running in twenty-first on the field is Kyle Petty. Twenty-second to Dick May. Ty Scott is 23rd, Terry Labonte is 24th, J.D. McDuffie is 25th, and David Sosby shows in the 26th position in the Napa National 500. Talking about cars remaining in competition with 180 laps completed, there are 28 cars in and out of the pits very quickly is Glenn Jarrett in the natural light special from the Henley Gray Stable. Jarrett, remember, in and out of the pits for lengthy periods of time with an ailing clutch. He continues in competition, as does John Rezac, one of the Automobile Racing Club of America competitors. They are well off the pace, and they are being posted in 27th and 28th positions. And Jackie, Steve Pfeiffer has just returned to the race. They spent a lot of time behind the pit wall in the Kings Inn of Daytona Beach Chevrolet but he's back out on the racetrack now. So and it's regular pit stop time now for those that have not had trouble. Benny Parsons, who led the race for a while, is in now as David Ift and the MC Anderson crew go to work on that car. His scheduled pit stop, Bobby Allison, was just in for a change of four tires on his car. And Cale Yarborough and Buddy Baker should be coming in before too long for their regularly scheduled pit stops. And this will be very important, almost critical, will it not, Ned Jarrett, how much time and how quick, not only can you have the service done on pit road, but how quick can you get in and out of the pits as well under a green flag stop? Absolutely, every fraction of a second counts. And Benny Parson just made a good pit stop, about 15 and 17 seconds. Bobby Allison also made a very good pit stop, but remember, he changed four tires in 26 seconds. With 181 laps completed here this afternoon, regular pit stop should be coming up, as we pointed out just in a couple of minutes on the leader, Buddy Baker, but he looks so smooth around this racetrack. He's taken a good line all afternoon. He's worked traffic extremely well, and Eli Gold, that car, is beginning to stick right at the bottom of the groove up in your vicinity, and here he comes out of the turn and will pit the car right now. Leader, Buddy Baker, in the Wynn Incorporated machine this afternoon. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. And this is a scheduled pit stop for Buddy Baker, Waddell Wilson, and the rest of the WIN team, which owns that car, ready to go to work on him. They go to the left side of this car, Barney, and it'll be interesting to see. They're just changing left side tires. Of course, that's where most of the problems have been here this afternoon, those that have been blistering tires. So they're going to that side, apparently going to leave the right side tires on it, fill it up with Union 76 gasoline. He's down and away in 15 and 9 tenths seconds. Good stop for Buddy Baker's crew this afternoon. Waddell Wilson in there, who's been really... The key Here's the other key. leader coming in right now, Cale Yarbrough in the Bush Beer Chevrolet, making his schedule pit stop. He brings it to a stop. Junior Johnson, Tim Brewer, Travis Carter, and the rest of the crew go to work, and they, too, are going to the left side, as did Buddy Baker. So the left side tires giving problems here today, which is unusual. The right side tires are the ones that really take the biggest beating as they go into the turns here, and the weight shifts that way. They already have the tires changed. They're just trying to get the car filled up with gasoline. Right now, they're leaving it jacked up. He's down and away, and that was an 18-second pit stop for Cale Yarbrough as they had a little trouble getting the gas in. That exchange on pit road has given Darrell Waltrip and the Dieguard Gatorade Racing Team the lead with 184 laps completed. You talk about the quick stop by Buddy Baker, Ned Jarrett. Baker, all year has given an awful lot of credit, equal credit to his crew, as much as it is to his driving ability. Uh, yes, he has. That's the one thing about racing that I think a lot of people don't understand. It is a team effort. There is no such thing as a driver carrying a crew or a crew carrying a driver. It is a team effort, and you have to have every uh, phase of your 
operation going proper or you can't win. That's all there is to it. And when you come in and have a 12-second stop and everybody else comes in and have a 15-second stop, then you're supposed to win the race. It's up to you then, but uh, you have to have that teamwork to win. Neil Bonnet slowing down in front of Eli Gold. The Purolator Mercury began coasting midway down the back straightaway and now just does limp its way through turn number three and four. The John Anderson automobile also came by and headed to pit road. He was encountering some problems. So Neil Bonnet limps onto pit road and sh he has had such bad luck this season in the car when it has had the durability. Jackie Root, the car has been in front all day long. Let's Barney, see if one he of makes the problems a turn is he's making a turn into the garage, and it looks like the grill is about two-thirds covered with something. It could be that he had an overheating problem. We're going to head with our Marty uh, unit to see what his problem is. Your 12th place competitor, the Purolator Mercury, has been KO'd from competition with an ailing machine. Neil Bonnet is out of the race. Buddy Baker continues to lead. Check that. It's Daryl Waltrip that continues to lead now. After these pit stop exchanges, Buddy Baker would be in second. Dale Earnhardt, who is several laps back, at last point was being posted in the 14th position. So some of the front runners in the early going have encountered problems, and they have dropped back off the pace. And Jackie, of course, we've just passed the halfway part of this race. We've got to start thinking about the Goodies Headache Award that's always given out at each event voted on by the writing members of the news media to the driver who did the best job and just couldn't quite finish it off for the afternoon. And though it might be a bit early to start voting, you've got to take a look towards Neil Bonnet. He had the pole position. Not really a surprise for a Wood Brothers automobile, but he's out of the race after somewhat of a disappointing afternoon. Well, one of my votes, I think, Barney Hall would go. The goodies people, of course, giving $250 to the competitor that has the toughest luck in preparing or running in the, one of the events, in this one, the Napa National 500. I think my call would go to Frank Warren, one of the top independent campaigners who failed to qualify for this year's Napa National 500. First time in so very long that the native tan Dodge has not started this event, and it wasn't until about 15 minutes before the start of the race that he was able to secure a starting ride in one of the cars, sharing the chores here, and it was going to be a tough afternoon for Frank Warren if he was unable to qualify. He was unable to do that, but unable to start this event as well because Winston Cup points are so valuable. Well, Frank, along with a host of the other drivers, the independent drivers, so to speak, who do not have major sponsorships, continue to feel super good cars week after week and make the lineup on the Winston Cup Tour. He indeed would be a candidate here this afternoon. But there's going to be a lot of them who will have headaches before the day is over. 189 laps complete in the Napa National 500 this afternoon. Leader is Waltrip, and they're Barney, waiting I'm for him to make his pit stop. Let's go to Ned Jerry. I'm standing by with Neil Bonnie. Neil, what happened? Ned, something. The motor started vibrating about 60 or 70 laps ago and lost a lot of power. And we've been, you know, hanging on trying to figure out what it was. And it's just getting worse. It's about to shake, you know, it's shaking real bad. So uh, we must have broke something inside the engine. Neil, you look a little disappointed. Well, Ned, you know, the car really run good the first of the race. And after when the second race started, I decided to follow him for a while. And I could sit there and ride real comfortable behind the line. And then all of a sudden the motor started getting weak. I don't know what happened. Something inside of it broke. It's it's been like that about 60 or 70 laps. So that was one of the reasons that Neil Bonnie had fallen off of the pace. He did have some tire problems also, so he's out of it for the race today. 195 laps in the record book at Charlotte Motor Speedway in the Napa National 500. This one's had a little bit of everything this afternoon, but the big story has been tires here today. It's cost Dale Earnhardt a shot at victory, although he is far from being out of it. He's a couple of laps down to the leader right now, and Waltrip's beginning to flex a little muscle. It looked like early in the race that he might lose a lot of ground. He almost went two laps down, but now he's put himself back out in front, and he needs a good finish to put some points on Richard Petty. Just 48 points separate Richard Petty and Darrell Waltrip starting today's National
National 500 here at Charlotte for the chase for the national title. And Waltrip is leading Buddy Baker in second. Benny Parsons is third. Cale Yarbrough is fourth. Bobby Allison is in fifth spot. Richard Petty in the STP efforts. Plankton sixth position. Seventh goes to Joe Milliken. Then one lap back is Donnie Allison in the Hawaiian Tropic car. In ninth position is Richard Brooks. In tenth is Jody Ridley. In eleventh spot is Harry Gant. In twelfth position is Dale Earnhardt, the Australian Racing Enterprises special. John Anderson now two laps back in thirteenth spot. And Bill Elliott is now posted in the 14th position. And Barney, highway patrol and speedway officials have estimated this crowd at a brand new record for the Charlotte Motor Speedway, 107,000 strong to view this 1979 Napa National 500. Well, it is indeed a jammed-in field in Grandstand area. The traffic was backed up some 8 to 10 miles this morning, about 10 o'clock, as the influx of the crowd began to fill the Grandstand. The infield was practically full before daybreak here this morning. And there they is came a... to see the best racers in the business. They're doing it in front of Mike Joy. Buddy Baker works the high side around Benny Parsons for second position. Baker moving around Parsons, who tried the bottom and couldn't make it work this time. The interesting factor, of course, Darrell Waltrip for a short while was running alone. Then he was hooked up in a trap with Joe Milligan. And again, now Waltrip runs by his lonesome. He continues to show extra daylight between himself and the second-place car. As you watch Darrell Waltrip working in these turns, all of these drivers have to saw back and forth at the wheel. They actually have to literally ride herd on these mounts as they work these turns. Right, Darrell? Well, you really do. Uh, the rougher the racetrack, the more the wheel moves, you know, because... The car is constantly in an up and down motion and you have to work on the wheel to keep the thing going in the direction you want it to. If there's a nice smooth, ultra smooth surface, you just sort of keep it cocked to the left and that'd be about all you'd have to do. But uh, here it's rough, the back straightaway is rough, going over the hump in one is rough, and the three and four turn is rough. So you really get joshed around a lot in the car and it's going to take its toll on drivers. It's a good thing it's not going to be hot. 200 laps have just been flanked up on the scoreboard. We're 300 miles into the Napa National 500 this afternoon. Waltrip continues to show the way. And Waltrip has retained his sense of humor throughout this chase by Richard Petty, gnawing at him, trying to overtake him for the Winston Cup Grand National title. In fact, you heard him at Dover, Delaware, just kind of tongue-in-cheek talk about Frank Cannon and his dog, the basset hound that he brings to all the races. Well, we understand now that Frank Cannon is a personality. He's a celebrity, and he's entered into a new business venture, according to Waltrip. Yeah, he's been traveling around a lot this summer and uh, he's been in a lot of kennels here and there and he told me uh, last week that he decided he was going on a, a business venture was trying to get some more uh, guys to go in with him he's going to buy up all the kennels that he can find around the country and uh, change them over to hollow dog ends he thinks that's going to be a big business for him might be. 201 laps, as we said. We're 300 miles into the Napa National 500 here this afternoon. Leader continues to be the Gatorade car of Darrell Waltrip. The crew standing down on pit road, and everything seems to have worked their way. It looked like they was going to have a same run of bad luck they'd had for the last four races, but it's not worked out that way for them right now. For well, sure. Barney, they did have a, an unscheduled pit stop a little while ago because of a blistered tire, but everything has been going well for them since then. I've checked with Buddy uh, Parrott, the crew chief on that car, just recently, and he says that they'll be stopping in about 20 more laps. Donnie Allison was just in for a four-tire change. This would be a normal pit stop for him but, uh, since he had made an earlier unscheduled pit stop. With 202 laps complete of the 334 in the Napa National 500, Waltrip leads, Baker is second, third is Benny Parsons, Cale Yarbrough is fourth, and Bobby Allison is fifth. 
We've given you the top six positions. Richard Petty is in sixth. Bobby Allison is in fifth. Cale Yarbrough fourth. Benny Parsons in third. Second is Buddy Baker. Daryl Waltrip continues to lead. Let's go a little further back. One lap down in seventh spot is Joe Milliken. Jody Ridley is in eighth spot. Richard Brooks in ninth. Dale Earnhardt two laps off the pace in tenth position. The Hawaiian Tropic Chevrolet of Donnie Allison is in eleventh spot. In twelfth is John Anderson. Thirteenth is Bill Elliott. Harry Gant is in fourteenth. Fifteenth spot is posted as D.K. Ulrich. In sixteenth is Buddy Arrington. Seventh to Richard Childress. H.B. Bailey is 18th. 19th to Terry Labonte. Kyle Petty is 20th. 21st is Dick May. 22nd is Ricky Rudd. Ty Scott is 23rd. Tommy Gale is 24th. 25th is James Hilton. And in 26th position is the is the David Sosby car, and that's the way they're running at the present time, and Dale Earnhardt is on pit road once again, Ned Jarrett. Yes, he is. They've just changed the right side tires, Jackie, and they're coming around to change the left side for Earnhardt, so his problems continue. It hasn't been that long since he was in the pits for tire changes, so Earnhardt after running so well in the early part of this race, is now having his problems. He's down off of the jack, and they changed those four tires in 29 seconds. Well, he's going to be a certain candidate for the Goodies Headache Award before the day is over as Richard Petty just moves around his son Kyle down in turns one and two here this afternoon. Two hundred. We saw some smoke coming out from underneath Walter the Darryl is on pit road. Car. We saw smoke from Walsh's car, and he now heads on a pit road. Darrell well, Walker pits that machine. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. They were expecting him to come in according to what they told me about 15 laps from now, Barney Hall, but he's in now changing the right side tires, and that smoke that Eli Gold was reporting uh, a little bit had been coming from that car. It doesn't look like they're checking on anything along that line. They're just changing the tires right now, and they are going to just change the right side tires. He's off the jack and away. Quick stop for Waltrip. We had seen a little wisp of smoke as Mike Joy and Eli Gold had reported to us here in the tower as he came through the trial, but it didn't seem to be getting any worse or anything of any great significance. But you see it again, Mike Joy, as he goes back onto the track. It's quite pronounced now, Barney, but we only see it when Waltrip goes into the turn when he was running at speed. A little wisp of smoke from the right rear of the machine. There was a bit of it then. We'll keep an eye on it. Buddy Baker moves back into the lead. 210 laps are down in the Napa 500 here this afternoon. 334 laps will make up the 500 miles. Waltrip back up to racing speed, trying to get underneath Dale Earnhardt out of the corner. And right now, Buddy Baker again goes into the lead, and Baker has piled up an awful lot of laps here this afternoon. Earl Sappenfield, who's keeping statistics for us here in the tower this afternoon, informed me a moment ago, Jackie, that they had had 15 lead changes at one point among about eight or nine drivers, so it's going to be anybody's ball game. it looks like, as to that $15,000 for the Supercharger Awards from Napa. Well, that's the way it's been all year. The competition has been just absolutely phenomenal, and Benny Parsons probably put it best when we asked him what he thought the competition looked like each week. Well, you know, I think we've talked about the competition all all year uh, with you and uh, and with all the fans and in whatever meetings that I've done, uh, the talks that I've given, I've told them that competition is just phenomenal. We today, Grand National Racing has the ultimate sport in the world today because it is so competitive. Uh, and today you have to run every lap like it was the last one. And if you don't, you're going to finish out of the top five. If you run every lap as hard as you can, then you've got a chance to finish in the top five. If you get a, a break at the right place, you can win the race. But uh, the competition is phenomenal. The cars are just so close. And I don't know. Uh, I've never seen it like this before. I hope it continues on. It's hard on the drivers because of being so competitive. But uh, the fans, I'm sure, are enjoying it. 
Parsons right now hanging on to the number two spot. Buddy Baker winds his way around the speedway. And Mike Joy, we've been sitting here all afternoon. And Jack, you've been looking at the same thing down at the south end of the track. It, it almost looks like the cars are scrubbing that wall. That's how high the groove is here at the speedway. They come into turn one so hard, Barney, and Buddy Baker is running lower into turn one than anyone. And that probably accounts for the big lead he has right now. But you use up the car going up towards turn number two, up towards the wall in a couple of cars. I thought Joe Milliken must have popped that wall about four or five times. He gets up there and runs that close, as do many of the cars in this second turn. Continues to be Buddy Baker, Charlotte's own, and they're all pulling for him this afternoon. He drives this racetrack about as hard as anywhere. He's had four major wins on this speedway. He'd like to make it five. He'd be the only driver to have five major wins. I think there are three other drivers who have won four times here, but he told me yesterday he'd like to be the first to make it five. He picks his way around John Anderson over in turn number three, and Eli Gold, that car, is beginning to stick a little closer to the bottom of the racetrack in your end of the speedway. Well, Buddy Baker was down low earlier, of course, Right now, he's been feeling it around a bit. The groove is moving up just a bit in turn number four, so he's been riding a bit higher. But Buddy Baker, when he has to go down low, has been able to adhere nicely to the down part of the racetrack. Well, the average speed at 128.688 miles per hour, a tad off the record, but Baker continues to lead. Benny Parsons in third spot as Cale Yarbrough. Bobby Allison is fourth. Richard Petty in the STP efforts in fifth position. Sixth spot goes to Darrell Waltrip. Then one lap back is Joe Milliken in seventh. Eighth to Richard Brooks, and a call should go down to Richard Brooks. That's a fine run thus far for that effort. In ninth position, the Hawaiian Tropic Chevrolet, and he is being posted with Donnie Allison at the controls in ninth spot. Jody Ridley is tenth. Bill Elliott is in eleventh spot, and despite all the problems, Dale Earnhardt and the Osterlin Racing Team is being posted in 12th position. Here at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, 220 laps are in the record books, and there has been a change in the running order. No, not the lead. Benny Parsons has dropped back to third position as Cale Yarborough has negotiated his way around to put the Bush Beer Chevrolet into second spot. Parsons is in third. Bobby Allison is in fourth. Now that second, third, and fourth place rattle goes into turn one. That's a hot one, Mike Joy. It's a tight battle as Bobby Allison looks to the low side, trying to shove Benny Parsons all the way back to fourth spot. He does so midway between turns one and two. Allison brings the Thunderbird back up in the groove. He's about four car lengths behind Yarbrough, the second-place machine. Right now, Benny Parsons trying to look to make a move. He pulls up on the rear of the automobile of Bobby Allison. Thinks better about making a challenge here. It's going to be single file in that second-place situation. Yarbrough with Bobby Allison and Benny Parsons. And in the meantime, as Cale Yarbrough... We've got problems. We've got Joe Milliken, who's been problems up in turn number four. He hit the wall, discards some debris on the racetrack. He spins twice, brings the car to a stop. Ty Scott whips right by him. Likewise, Glenn Jarrett. Joe Milligan trying to get the automobile restarted. There is debris on the racetrack. Drivers being able to pick it up as they go. They dodge the debris either way. Milligan remains on the racing speedway as he heads towards the line in the tower. And this will be the seventh caution of the afternoon coming out on the 222nd circuit. And this will be a break for all the front runners because it looked, Ned Jarrett, as if Buddy Baker was going to pull away from Cale Yarborough. Well, they do have an opportunity now to pit again, Jackie, and change those uh, right-side tires. Baker and Cale Yarbrough did not change right-side tires on their last pit stop, so they welcome this opportunity to do that under the caution. And uh, certainly Cale Yarbrough will welcome this opportunity to move back up on the back bumper off of Buddy Baker. Junior Johnson and the Bush Beer crew standing by as all the front runners are scheduled to visit Pit Road, I'm sure, uh, during this caution period. An awful lot of caution flags, Barney Hall, for this type of race. 500 miles at Charlotte usually goes a tad faster than this. 
Well, they kind of expected it here this afternoon because everybody said there would be some drivers that would get into the wall down in turns one and two. The tire factor became a problem, and some of the drivers have had problems with the handling characteristics. They've brushed the wall to bring out a caution flag a couple of times, and it looked like Milliken might have cut something on his tire to send him into the wall up there because the car just took off right straight up into the wall so quickly. It didn't look like he lost the car. It looked like something either broke on it or he might have cut a tire. Pit Road is a beehive of activity right now as Buddy Baker scoots in real quickly. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. Okay, they are taking advantage of this caution period to change those tires. Kale Yarbrough on the Bush Beer Chevrolet is changing right side tires as we suspected and Bobby Allison also changing right side tires on his car. They're waiting on the Gatorade car for Darrell Waltrip to come in and this will give them an opportunity to check out and see what that smoke is and we're going to check that out too as they do and we'll report back on it later. Well, there's precious few races left on the Winston Cup Grand National Circuit for 1979. For those of you in the North Wilkesboro, North Carolina area, you can catch the race next weekend, the Holly Farms 400 at Enix Staley's great half-mile racing facility, five-eighths mile to be exact. The Holly Farms 400, scheduled for September 30th, rained out and has been rescheduled for one week from today, planned to be there. Then on October 21st, it's the American 500 from Rockingham, North Carolina. And that one-mile facility, 500 miles, Larry Pearson will be making his Winston Cup Grand National debut. November 4th, it's the Dixie 500 from Atlanta, Georgia at that one-and-a-half-mile facility. Then November 18th, it's the L.A. Times 500 from Ontario, California, and that will be the curtain closer on the $4.8 million Winston Cup Grand National Circuit. MRN Broadcasting Company's next scheduled broadcast, Clay Earls, Martinsville, Virginia Speedway, for the late model sportsmen and modified competitors of NASCAR, the Cardinal 500 on October 28th, will reunite for the final event of 1970 for MRN and the Winston Cup Brigade in Ontario, California for the Times 500. From Charlotte Motor Speedway, this is the MRN Broadcasting Company. Here at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, working the seventh caution of the afternoon. Here at Charlotte, let's go to Ned Jarrett. We're in the die guard pits. They're checking over all the tires that came off of uh, Darrell Waltrip's car. They did change all four tires, and the smoke that has been reported, they don't, uh, they have not done anything to the car along that line. Buddy Parrott is tied up. Buddy, some of the reporters have said it looked like a little smoke was coming out of uh, Darrell's car. Have you noted anything? Oh, we just put a set of tires on that last time and uh, tried uh, try to tighten the car up a little bit, and we tightened it up too much, and he's pushing the right front tire off of it. So that's where it was smoking as he went into the turn. Tire smoke off the right front. Okay, so that's the reason that it was smoking as it went into the turns, as Mike Joy had reported earlier. So they're not uh, concerned about that at all. Now they they have made the, that change, put on four new tires, so they hope that everything will be okay. Ned, we're extremely pleased to have stepping into the booth with us Jim and Tammy Baker. Now, those of you that watch the PTL Club know that they're the great hosts of the top national Christian talk variety show that's seen on over 220 stations across the nation. They're the special guests of the Charlotte Motor Speedway today. And Mr. Baker, your impressions of automobile racing as you see it today at Charlotte. Wow, this is probably one of the most exciting races that I've ever been at, and especially since the man leading right now is uh, driving a car that's owned by one of my best friends, and it's it kind of getting exciting down there in the booth where we are. Your worldwide ministry has indeed turned a lot of heads back towards Christianity, and for those of you that don't know, there's a ministry right here at the racetrack, Brother Bill Baird, conducting services week in and week out around the speedways. Just how important do you think the ministry is to, to our future as, as people in the United States of America? I think it's very important, and I feel like uh, the, the ministry here at the raceway it's just a, an indication of what's happening. Somebody said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I think if Christ was alive on this earth right now instead of in heaven, uh, he would be here. He'd be where people are. And uh, we had a great opportunity to open the race with prayer and uh, 
It's been a very, very exciting day for us, to say the least. Well, oftentimes we become malaligned here as racing competitors that run week in and week out on Sunday afternoons, and people say, well, that's the day that's given to Christ. But every week the services are held down on pit road, and we're back under green flag racing with Baker in front, Bobby Allison running second, and Cale Yarbrough running third. As we take a look at the race here today and we look at the people that come out here, it, it's a day of rest, but it's also supposed to be a day of enjoyment as well. And 107,000 people have come here to watch this fine spectacle today. That's true, and it's a beautiful day in Charlotte. God's given us one of the most beautiful days I think we've ever had for a race, and uh, it is an exciting race. Well, I'm not going to go into the spread eagle position, but we also have another friend of yours, Efren Zimbalist Jr. Yes. For those of you that don't know, he was the head of the great hit TV show, 77 Sunset Strip, and then more recently, the FBI. Mr. Zimbalist, what do you think of all this madness we call Winston Cup Grand National Racing? <laughs> this is my second visit here, so uh, uh, I'm, I'm getting used to this Charlotte Speedway. But it's uh, it's very exciting, and I uh, I agree with Jim. This is this is one of the most exciting races I've ever seen. If you had to pick one thing as a new fan to Winston Cup Grand National Racing that impresses you the most, what would it be? Well, I think the pit stops for one thing are, are, are just unbelievable. I'm 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 in awe as I see how fast they are and how thorough. They're just wonderful. Going to put you on the spot. Pick a winner of today's Napa National 500. We already know who Jim and Tammy are pulling for. Buddy Baker, how Me about too. you? Me too. Well, thanks so much, all three of you, for stopping by. Got Thank to get you. back to the race, and good luck to all of you. Thank you, and good luck to all the drivers. Efren Zimbalist Jr., Jim and Tammy Baker, stopping by our very special guest this afternoon. And the battle continues on the racetrack with Buddy Baker on the point, but Bobby Allison goes downstairs and challenges in three. Bobby, try to make a move on the low side, handling well down low in this end of the speedway. He can't quite make the move. It'll be Baker with Bobby Allison and Yarborough in third. Bobby Allison trying to get the lead back here this afternoon as he goes after Baker here at the start-finish line. Baker takes the wide groove, and that car's working so well. Mike Joy, it's going to be hard for anybody to take it away from him. Baker is so strong at the south end of the speedway. He gets into the turn about half a groove lower than anybody else, and he just opened up another car length on Allison that way. As the running order works the back straightaway, Buddy Baker followed by Bobby Allison and Cale Yarbrough. Then comes the Richard Petty automobile, then that of Benny Parsons and Darrell Waltrip. Those six cars are tight as trying the low side is Yarbrough with a challenge for second place. Cale Yarbrough trying to find out just how much power Bobby Allison and Buddy Baker have as he dives to the inside of Allison here at the start-finish line and they head into turn one still door-to-door. -door. Allison tried to squeeze him off at the trial, no way, and here comes Petty up the outside, but he got a little bit out of shape going into turn one too hard. They're single pile out of two. Baker, Bobby Allison, Yarborough, Petty, Parsons, and Waltrip. It stabilizes in that position right now as Waltrip try to make a look at the inside. We've got a smoking Tommy Gale pulling the car down off the racetrack and onto pit road. It's going to be Waltrip going downstairs. He's alongside Benny Parsons in a battle for fifth place. Six cars are in that lead draft. Here they come across the stripe. Baker is your leader. Bobby Allison is second. Cale Yarborough is third. Benny Parsons showing up in fourth position and Waltrip trying to move up a notch. Got down to the inside. Couldn't do it. They're in front of Mike Joy. Still running single file and way up near the wall up in turn number two. The groove has really moved up here as they're single file out of turn two. Baker a two car length lead. And of course in turns three and four the groove for most drivers has not really changed all that much. They're still able to dissect the turn right down the middle. As a matter of fact, Baker and Bobby Allison, when they need to, can run well down low on the racetrack. Baker picks his way through traffic, comes back across the stripe, and for the moment, Bobby Allison seems content to just ride in the wake of the draft as they head back into turn one. He is three car lengths back. 
They have to be a little careful here in lap traffic as Richard Petty just closes the door on Cale Yarbrough, boxing him in behind Baxter Price. Petty is now the third place car. Out of two, Baker, your leader, Allison, Petty, and Yarbrough. Following that is the Money Parsons battle with Darrell Waltrip. Your lead automobiles work to turn number three. This time the single file with nobody making a move. They go whipping by the James Hilton automobile, and it's still going to be a battle this time with Waltrip and Parsons. Darrell Waltrip takes the inside route this time, trying to get underneath Benny Parsons, and he's there at the start-finish line. It is Waltrip by just inches as they head into turn one, still door-to-door. They're running for fifth spot. Waltrip had the bottom. He comes up in the groove ahead of Parsons and takes away the fifth position. There are about ten car lengths back of the lead draft, which involves the front four cars. And, of course, Buddy Baker, who had... Baker, who had somewhat of a control before, all of a sudden sees whatever lead he has evaporate as Bobby Allison comes calling. He tries to stick the nose down low, can't do it. It'll be single file, but they're tight with Baker, Bobby, Richard Petty, and Yarborough. Barney Hall, a slightly uncharacteristic run for Cale Yarborough. He's the cat that chews nails and spits rust and likes to run up front, but he seems content at the present time to stay at the tail of that lead four-car draft. Field working down in front of Mike Joy. It continues to be Baker. Allison runs second. Petty is third. And Yarbrough, as we said, in fourth position. Not for long. Here comes Yarbrough on the inside out of turn two. He looked to try the slingshot, but didn't have enough to make the move on Petty. Kale's been peeking to the inside each time through. Couldn't make a move. Meanwhile, that fifth and sixth place situation continuing as Darrell Waltrip leads by a car length over Benny Parsons. Donnie Allison is watching. Now, Jackie Root, the car of Joe Milliken, is now headed back down pit road. They've done a... A lot of work on that automobile after that spin out on the fourth turn. They had some sheet metal work to do to it. He's just now getting back in the action. I'm standing by with Junior Johnson. Junior, we were just commenting that Kale is running a little bit uncharacteristically here today. He seems to be content running third and fourth. Is that a game plan for you? Well, I don't know. Uh, we're just letting Kale run it as long as he's with the leaders. You know, the, uh, that's all we're really interested in. Uh, right now, the Groove keeps going high and low, and we turn up, or some of the guys is, turn up left side tires. Uh, we haven't tore up any yet, but uh, we're really not in any hurry at this point. We just want to wait and make sure we're around at the end of it. Well, that is very definitely uncharacteristic for Junior Johnson and Kale Yarborough not to be in a hurry at this point. Of course, when you say not in a hurry, he's out there running about 156 mile an hour laps. Give Kale Yarborough the third position. Richard Petty is in fifth spot. He is one lap down. In your lead lap is Buddy Baker, your leader. Bobby Allison running in second. Kale Yarbrough is third. Darrell Waltrip posted in fourth position. Benny Parsons is fifth. Richard Petty is shown in sixth spot. Joe Milliken is being shown in seventh position. Richard Petty apparently in trouble up in turn number three as he comes dicing off the corner. Dived in front of some traffic. And let's go down to Ned Jarrett. And this is an unscheduled pit stop. He went high as he came off a of turn four, dipped right down in front of the traffic, and now he's on pit road with an unscheduled pit stop. We mentioned that Joe Milliken, while they're servicing Petty's car, had gone back in the running, but now Milliken brings the appliance wheel Chevrolet into the garage area, so what all the repairs that they made on that car, they were not able to get it ready to go again. They changed the right side tires on Petty's car. He's down off the jacks and back in the running. And that'll be costly if he retires that car to the efforts of Milliken to overtake Dale Earnhardt. He has the lead of the first National City Travelers Check Rookie of the Year program going into this race, but should Earnhardt, who is still out on the racetrack despite his problems, finish in that 10th position, he can gather in some points. Change in leadership in front of Mike Joy. Coming out of the second turn, Bobby Allison now leads Buddy Baker and Cale Yarbrough by some five car lengths. The T-Bird is back in front. 
As well, they work down the back straightaway, it's going to be those same automobiles, Bobby Allison, Buddy Baker, Kale Yarbrough, Richard Petty, and presented his car back on pit road. Buddy Baker, who just lightly tagged the wall over in turn two a moment ago, and that slowed him down a little bit, allowed Bobby Allison to scoot underneath him. We had a chance to talk to Benny Parsons the other day about that very situation. Allison had just been hounding Baker for the last 10 or 12 laps. And I asked Benny, if you just ride on the bumper of a driver, pressure him a little bit, can you make him make a mistake? Well, you know, Barney used to, when we run the quarter miles and a half miles of Saturday night specials, yeah, you know, if you want to get by some guy and you had to drove a pass, and all you had to do was just stay in his mirror for about two or three laps, and he'd go in a corner too deep and slide out, and you'd cut under him and go on. Uh, but these guys are professionals. This is what they do for a living, and believe me, they do it awfully well. And, you know, it's, it's like you can fill that mirror for lap after lap after lap and they run the same line, lap after lap. They don't make that mistake that, you know, we see every Saturday night. Buddy Baker just went through a hole down in turn number one that wasn't even there, Mike Joy, to get the lead back. He was running on the inside of Allison. They came up on Tommy Gale, who was a bit high on the racetrack, and Baker made his own room coming into turn number one and got the lead from Allison, who had to lift or hit the wall. And exiting turn four before Baker and Allison were side by side. You couldn't have put a piece of paper between the two. They were just about trading paint as they headed back to the line. Buddy Baker takes them across the start-finish line, heads off into turn number one. We're 247 laps into the race this afternoon. 334 will do it for the Napa National 500. Baker just refuses to give up the lead. He paced himself the first 250 miles. Now he's letting it all hang out here this afternoon. Bobby Allison doing the same thing. Thing. He pressured Baker, got the lead, and then Baker takes it away from him the last couple of times around. Now, Cale Yarborough gets into the act. He's just been riding along inches off Allison's bumper as they work turn four and head back to the start-finish line. Barney Hall, you mentioned a few moments ago that Richard Petty was coming back into the pits. He came in that time. A little bit of confusion in the Petty's pits as they started to go to the right side. They had just changed those tires a few laps before, and then they came back and changed the left side tire. So Richard has made two unscheduled pit stops here for a change of four tires, two at each of those pit stops, so that has put him back down in the running now. The challenge for the lead taking place going into turn three, it's Allison downstairs, and on the high side is Buddy Baker, and right in front of them is one of the STP machines. It's going to be Kyle Petty looking at this challenge for the lead in the rear view mirror as Bobby goes to the low side, but Buddy Baker takes advantage of Kyle Petty's automobile and tries to stand on it. Baker squeezes him over a little bit. Petty takes an inside route and gives him good room and a good drive here today for Kyle Petty. They head back in turn one. The battle is still on for the lead. Allison kept the inside, but it's not the fast way around. Baker has the lead back, and Yarbrough has come up the outside to challenge Allison for second. Now as they work the back straightaway, Buddy Baker sprinting away. It's going to be Cale Yarbrough in the Bush automobile in second. Bobby Allison going third. They work that middle groove through turn number three and four. They're going to exit single file. Baker in front. They are now showing five cars in the lead lap here at Charlotte Motor Speedway, Jackie Root, with Buddy Baker just doing a fantastic job here this afternoon. 36 starts at Charlotte Motor Speedway for Baker. It's been one of his best tracks. Four major wins here. He won the National 567 in the Ray Fox Dodge, and I think maybe that might have been his first super speedway victory. We'll have to check back in the record book and make sure. But today, in front of hometown fans, Baker's doing a whale of a job. And right behind him is Cale Yarbrough in second. Bobby Allison is in third. Fourth position belongs to Darrell Waltrip in fifth spot is Benny Parsons. Then one lap back is the number one machine. Check that. That is, And he's two laps back. That's Donnie Allison. Richard Brooks is posted in the seventh position. Eighth spot is now being shown as the Jody Ridley machine. Ninth spot to Dale Earnhardt. Three laps off the pace. Richard Petty is in the tenth spot and Bill Elliott is in eleventh. 
Bobby Allison has come out of the throttle a little bit and turned over the chores of keeping the heat on Buddy Baker for the lead of the Napa 500 over to Cale Yarbrough, and he's been taking a look inside the last couple of turns around here at the track up in front of Eli Gold, and that's where they are now. And, of course, turn number three and four also saying that battle for fourth and fifth place. Nose to tail, fourth place automobile, Darrell Waltrip in fifth place, Benny Parsons. Heading back out of the number four corner. Here comes Baker. Yarbrough is there. He's one car length back. He put a move on him a couple of times, but for the moment, he just rides the slipstream back into turn number one in front of Mike Joy. He is keeping the pressure on. Baker is able to get into turn one a little lower. Kale will come into the turn right on his bumper, but Baker will dive down low just a bit and open up a one-car length separation. That's the way they are now in the backstretch. People that are new to Winston Cup Grand National Racing are always impressed at how close these competitors run, just inches apart. But for Kale Yarbrough, I wonder if you're not just a little bit more comfortable running with certain fellows out there than you would some of the others. Well, this is true. You know, uh, experience means an awful lot in this business, and I don't care who you are, where you come from. Uh, the more experience you have, the, the, the better you are at this business. Uh, you can never have enough experience. And, you know, as you say, uh, Richard Petty and, uh, and these kind of fellows has been at it for a long time. Uh, David Pearson, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind running all day long door to door with David Pearson because he's, uh, I respect him and I would hope he'd respect me. And, uh, you know, if something did go wrong, it would be uh, absolutely an accident. It wouldn't be... Uh, you know, something that, that I wouldn't think David would, would uh, do anything intentional to uh, put us, uh, either one of us, in any jeopardy whatsoever. So uh, these fellows that are coming along, uh, as I say, they are rookies in the Grand National business. They are rookies that are running the speeds that we run now, and they're rookies that run into kind of racetracks that, that we run on. And uh, sometimes you do have to, uh, you know, drive for yourself and them a little bit too until they get some experience. But... I don't see any problem with this rookie crop coming coming along now. I think they're going to be the, the great race drivers of the future. Well, there's no two ways about that. They've looked awfully good all season long. 256 laps are complete. That gives us a little less than 120 miles remaining of the Napa National 500 here this afternoon. Buddy Baker is your leader. Cale Yarbrough is second. Bobby Allison is third. Waltrip is fourth. And fifth is Benny Parsons. And Richard Petty is beginning to pick up steam again, trying to get some of his laps back and run down the leaders if possible. But the car's working extremely well. Baker flawless afternoon for him. Paced himself the first half of the race, much the same as he did at Martinsville, Virginia, when he won up there his first short track victory in a long, long time. I think he's only won twice on short tracks. Almost he's a problem in turn number three. John Anderson getting somewhat sideways, and there was Buddy Baker right alongside him, and Anderson had to pull away. Baker stays on the track, and Bobby Allison goes to the fence. Cale just trails him off down into the number one corner as Allison pits his car. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. An unscheduled pit stop for him too, Barney. He dropped off the pace a little bit the last few laps, so he might be having more of those tire problems. They're changing the right side tires on it this time around. The uh, gas man, of course, is filling it up with gasoline too, and they're also coming to the left side. So they're making all four tire change again for Bobby Allison. So this is going to be a tough break for him. Buddy Baker and Cale Yarborough should be able to go the rest of the way with just making one more pit stop. Allison cannot go from this point on, even if he's able to stay out there and run hard. He's down off of the jacks, but a long pit stop. And, Barney, we mentioned a moment ago that Joe Milliken had pulled his appliance wheel Chevrolet into the garage area and out of the race. Joe, first of all, what went wrong up there on turn four that caused you to spin out? Well, Ned, I was passing a slow car up there, and he got a little high, and so then I got high up there in the loose stuff, and the car got loose and hit the wall. Just too much damage to get repaired? Yeah, it messed the steering box up on the car and all and knocked the ball joints and everything off front. We just couldn't get it back going. This is going to hurt in the rookie standings. 
Well, it really, you know, it sure won't help us for sure. You know, we was hoping for, you know, to finish up our real high to help us, and we just didn't get it. Well, a tough day here for Joe Milliken. Now back to you. 260 laps being posted on the scoreboard here at Charlotte Motor Speedway this afternoon of the Napa National 500. This one has had a little bit of everything, and unscheduled pit stops have really cost a lot of drivers and put them a lap down here this afternoon. It's changed the whole complexion of this race, but for Buddy Baker, it's been an unreal day as he continues to just ease around this track and the groove for Baker, it seems to be almost anywhere he wants to put the car, Jackie. Well, Baker always seems to drive much harder when he gets to the Charlotte Motor Speedway. It has a lot to do with it. I try 100% everywhere I go, but uh, there's a little extra when you're racing in front of the people you see every day. It just means a lot to you. And I have been lucky here. I've won, uh, I think, four major races now. And uh, if I could win this week, it would make me the only five-time winner here at Charlotte. So I'm really, I would like to have that. Another pit stop on the Gatorade car. Fourth and place machine is in the pits, and they're, they're going to the inside of that car. Yes, they are. So they're still having left side tire problems with that car. It's a very quick pit stop, Barney, just 14 and 3 tenths seconds, but that's going to cost Darrell Waltrip, and that is his third unscheduled pit stop. However, two of them worked out okay. He was able to get back in the same lap with the leaders, but boy, he's been fighting in here this afternoon with those left side tire problems. Cale Yarborough, riding in second spot, just takes a look at Baker, lets him go, rides the slipstream of the draft down the back chute, and he's about two, three car lengths back, and that's been the variation between first and second place since the restart from the last caution flag, which had brought out seven here this afternoon. That caution coming out on lap 222. Baker coming out of turn number four. Kale just rides the draft. You heard Ned Jarrett talking to crew chief Junior Johnson a moment ago. He says there's nothing wrong with the car. Normally you'll see Kale in front if it's capable of getting there, but he may have changed his style a little bit too. Well, he could have here today, Barney, and, and the reason being they uh, have been very observant of these cars that come in. Benny Parsons coming in right now, and this would be an unscheduled pit stop, I think, for Benny too, as uh, David F. and the crew go to work on the left side of that car. So it could be that he's having a left side tire problem. One of the crew members goes over to check the right side while they change the left side, but Junior Johnson and his crew have been very observant of those tires that come off of the other cars. Uh, the chassis, he said, is working good on the Bush Beer Chevrolet here this afternoon, but they don't want to overextend it and get in the same position as some of these others and maybe just cooling it a little bit as uh, he's doing out there riding along on the draft of Buddy Baker might be the tip. But, Ned, I think the key element as well is the fact that Junior Johnson said during that interview when you talked to him trackside, we have not encountered the same tire problems that the other competitors have. Could he be just saving those tires just a little bit till we get a little closer down to the end of this race? I would say so, Jackie. I think that that's part of their strategy here right now, although they wouldn't let the cat completely out of the bag because they know that uh, when they talk to us on the radio a lot of times and say things that there are others listening up and down pit road and they might, uh, you know, just uh, try to get in on their strategy too. Well, Baker and Yarborough are beginning to pull away from your third place machine and they are the only two cars in the same lap. 267 laps in the record book. The race has stabilized somewhat as we work down to the final 100 miles or so of competition and stepping into the booth. You remember Smokey and the Bandit? You remember Hooper? Those great movies that have come out of Hollywood recently? Hal Needham was one of the men behind them. In fact, Hooper was about his life. America's number one stuntman who's become a permanent fixture here at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. But Hal, I've never seen the national anthem played and the flag flown the way it was done today. Hal Needham hanging outside of a Bell helicopter waving the American flag. You are totally out to lunch when it comes to doing stunts. I've never seen anything like that. What's the story? 
And if I'm going to be the Grand Marshal, I can't just come down here and walk out on the field. I got Bill and you people saying the greatest stuntman in the world. I got to do something a little different, don't I? I think you've hit the ramp one too many times. You have done everything. You've jumped out of airplanes. You've jumped out of burning buildings, set yourself on fire. Just what is it that made you want to become a stuntman to begin with? Well, you got to be hungry and poor. I mean, to a... No, listen, I want, when I moved to California... I went to the hospital and I applied for a job and I said, listen, I'd like to be a brain surgeon. And they said, how? How much education you had? I said, about six, seven, eight years, something like that. And they said, well, we don't think you're qualified. And I said, hell, I'll do a couple for nothing if they work out. We can work on it, you know? And so necessity drove me to do what I have to do, you know? Well, you have become, would, ha would have to be considered, a new fan to Winston Cup Grand National Racing in the last couple of years. Your impressions, what do you think of it now that you've seen a number of races? Well, let me tell you, I'm a new fan as far as the public's concerned. I've always been a fan of racing because uh, deep down inside, I am an old Southern boy. I was born in Tennessee and raised in Missouri and Arkansas, Mississippi, and so on. Uh, but in the last couple of years, I started, you know, going to them, and people know a little bit about who I am. I love them. I mean, if, I, if I'm in California and I find out they're going to have a Grand National race, you can bet if I'm not working, I'm going to be there. Well, now, we can arrange a deal for you to run a Winston-Wester race out there out of the L.A. area. I'm sure Roger Bear from the Winston people could do it. Would you ever entertain the thoughts of trying this, maybe not in Winston Cup, but on the short tracks? Oh, yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, I used to drive for uh, five years. I drove the sportsman's car on the West Coast, so I'm not exactly a stranger to it. Oh, what a, I tell you, my dream would be... If I had the time to come out and run the uh, the Grand National Circuit for a year, I think just to satisfy my own uh, doubts and things as to whether I could be competitive with those people out there or not. Okay, pick a winner. Who's going to take this thing home this uh, afternoon? Listen, I was in the Calcutta, and <laughs> I bought a couple of drivers, and both of them are way down right now. Well, I mean, you got to say that Baker looks good at this point, but uh, don't forget we got a long ways to go. Uh, you can blister some tires. Uh, there could be a caution. There could be a wreck. There could be anything happen out there. That's how quick things can change. The complexion is never determined until the last couple of laps. Hal, thanks so much for stopping by. Here at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, we're approaching 274 laps complete in the 334-lap Napa National 500. It continues to be Buddy Baker just picking his way around this track. The groove is there for Baker anywhere he wants to go, and the only car that's been able to keep in the same lap with him due to a rash of unscheduled pit stops is Cale Yarbrough's Bush. Chevrolet. They're working heavy traffic up in turn number three, and Ned Jarrett, I think Cale's just pacing himself, riding the draft, waiting to make his move. I really think that's the case, uh, Barney, and, and Baker, I don't think, is really overextending himself right now, and since Yarborough seems to be content running in second place, well, Baker doesn't have to punish his car that much, and as they see these other cars coming in at the pits, and here's Darrell Waltrip coming in again in the Gatorade car. They're going to the right side this time. He was in about 15 laps ago when they changed the left side tires, and as they see this happening, they know that if they do overextend themselves that they're going to be doing the same thing, running up and down pit road here with those unscheduled pit stops, and it's going to cost them a real shot at victory. They've wore the other ones down with their pace that they've set here this afternoon and with the style that they've been uh, uh, driving and uh, it's worked out and been a good one for them so it's a whole lot easier to outrun one car at the end of the race than it is uh, four five six or maybe eight or ten so they've whittled them down now that they're in the lap by themselves they should be able to make one more pit stop and then go the rest of the distance 
Well, Waltrip is down and away, but it will cost him one position, dropping him back to fifth spot. Buddy Baker continues to lead Cale Yarbrough. Those two cars in a lap by themselves. Benny Parsons is in third position. Moving into fourth spot is Bobby Allison. In fifth is Darrell Waltrip after that pit stop. Jody Ridley, a call goes down to this Chatsworth, Georgia short track stormer. He's in sixth position. Richard Brooks in seventh spot. Richard Petty three laps off the pace in eighth position. In ninth spot is the Hawaiian Tropic efforts of Donnie Allison. Bill Elliott is in tenth spot. Eleventh goes to Dale Earn. D.K. Ulrich is in 12th position. Harry Gant, after running up front in the early going, has dropped back to 13th. Terry Labonte, after losing an axle, they've replaced it. He's running in 14th spot. Ricky Rudd, a crash there early, but he's back out on the racetrack. He's shown in 15th position. 16th to Richard Childress. Ty Scott to 17th. 18th to Buddy Arrington in the Reed Trailer Sales Dodge. Dick May in the McClure Motors Ford is shown in 19th position. In 20th is H.B. Bailey. The STP Dodge of Kyle Petty is 21st. 22nd on the field is the 08 machine of John Anderson. 23rd is Tommy Gale. David Sosby shows in 24th position. James Harvey Hilton, 25th. 26th is Baxter Price. 27th is the 31 machine. That's being driven this afternoon by John Rezac. And in 28th spot is... We've got a challenge for the lead in turn number three. Buddy Baker works up under the wall. Hale Yarborough comes down. Baker spins. He bones with H.B. Bailey. I should say with Jody Ridley, rather. Ridley is okay. Baker takes it into the inside retaining wall. The car has come to a stop at the head of pit road. Yarborough is the new leader after Baker finds the wall and turns three back to the tower. The eighth caution flag of the afternoon has seen Buddy Baker go into the wall up in turns three and four. The car has come to rest on the apron of the track at the entrance of pit road coming out of turn number four. And what a goodies headache for Buddy Baker here this afternoon after just having a flawless day in the win incorporated machine. The eighth caution flag the afternoon is on the field. Just a heartbreaking type afternoon for Buddy Baker. He's already gathered in unofficially, the leader of the most laps as we work it down. And now he refires the car and he'll make his way to the Win Incorporated pit crew that are standing by to assist Buddy Baker, who was your leader until this caution. Cale Yarbrough also darts on a pit road. And this is a costly, costly error. The damage to the front end of the machine. Well, let's go to Ned Jarrett for a report. Well, the left front is bashed in against the tire. The fender of the, the uh, left front fender is bashed in against that tire. They'll be able to pull that out. And it looked like also, Jackie, that the right front and was uh, bashed in against the fender there as he got into the wall. He clipped Jody Ridley as he came down across the track. Ridley came into the pits but went on back out. He has sheet metal damage on that car also. So he'll be coming back in to get Junior Donlevy and the crew to work on it. And Waddell Wilson and the crew go to work on that uh, sheet metal damage as well as changing those tires. Cale Yarborough is taking this opportunity to change all four tires on the Bush Chevrolet, and that should give him about a one-lap lead now after Baker encountered his problems. Just how quick the complexion in a Winston Cup Grand National race can change. One error, one miscalculation, one problem, and it all goes by the boards. Working the eighth caution of the afternoon as a rash of yellow fever has fallen on the Napa National 500. Buddy Baker making one trip around the racetrack after going on to pit road, and now he comes back to the Win Incorporated crew. Jackie, there's trouble here on the Dick Brooks car. The last two pit stops he's made while running up in the sixth position. They don't appear to have any low gears on the car. He's come out of the pits very slowly as if he's slipping the clutch in high gear. 
Brooks has had a fine run here this afternoon in that car. He's placed in the top 10 all day and has done a magnificent job of keeping it up there. We're 281 laps into the Napa National 500. 334 will make up the distance this afternoon. And the complexion, as we brought out so many times, changes so quickly in this business of Winston Cup Grand National Racing. Buddy Baker, who looked like all he had to do was just keep turning the same kind of laps he had all day. You could almost see that one coming with a heavy pack of traffic as they headed up into turn number three. A lot of traffic there. Cale Yarborough dived down to the inside. Baker took the outside groove. And Jack Arruda, I think there was a report there could have been some water up in that turn. Well, they were reporting that Steve Pfeiffer's machine was laying down just a scant trail of water there, and it could have slicked things up considerably as they went into that area. But for Cale Yarbrough, reacting to a crash, taking avertive action as you have to, defensive driving, is it instinct or is it skill? Most of it is instinct. I, I can remember when I first started driving a race car. Now, you got to remember... I wasn't around racing as a kid. Uh, I had to start from scratch. I was a farm boy and uh, grew up in the country on the farm, had no racing experience whatsoever, so I had to do it from scratch. But I can remember uh, very well uh, on racetracks that uh, something would happen in front of me and uh, I'd have to think, now what have I got to do to, to avoid this? And by the time I got everything uh, thought out and figured out what I had to do, I was usually right in the middle of it. So, uh, you know, now... Uh, things happen and even happen quicker now because the speeds yeah. are fast and all but uh now things happen and i get out of it and then after it's all over i think what i did to to get out of it i don't have to think anymore and uh, i think this is what richard pitt is talking about you gotta you gotta have that experience uh five or six years to uh to really uh let your instincts take over really well, on this restart, and the pace car pulls it into its perch on pit road, they drop the green flag. It is Cale Yarbrough with a one-lap advantage at the drop of the green over Bobby Allison, Benny Parsons, and Darrell Waltrip as they do the shoot and scoot to you, Mike Joy. Waltrip is staying right with Yarbrough into turn number one, as is Richard Petty and Bobby Allison, all in the high groove working race traffic. Donnie Allison is there with him, trying to make up lost ground. Out of two. Petty jumps to the inside on Darrell Waltrip. Richard trying to make a move on Waltrip. They're going side by side down the back straightaway, watching the action. Bill Elliott and Bobby Allison. Richard Petty goes to the low side and takes over that spot in front of Darrell Waltrip. It's going to be Yarbrough leading it by his lonesome heading to the line. Cale Yarbrough really got the jump on that restart. He was not asleep when they dropped the green flag, and he's planked himself at least 12 car lengths ahead. And Buddy Baker on pit road is backing the car up, and it looks like he's going to call it a day, Ned Jarrett. They came in several times during that Oh, caution. Richard Petty just popped the wall between turns one and two he came into the turn too hard got way up in the racetrack up in the marbles caught the wall but has continued on without slowing down and in turn three jody ridley coming back around he'll head to pit road one more time your leader working turn number three kale yarbrough he's on a lap by himself trailing him richard petty in his own battle with darrell walter well buddy baker back the car up as though he's going to the garage area but he goes back onto the speedway right now so back with 289 him. laps complete in the napa national 500 kale yarbrough in a lap all by himself and Mike Joy Richard Petty just picked up one of his laps on him last time around Petty hounded Yarbrough for the last two or three laps and then got by him underneath in turn number two Cale Yarbrough, of course, he's not had all that much success victory lane-wise here at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Only one time has he won that came in this race back in 1973. But interestingly, Barney, the one victory for Cale Yarbrough here in a 500-mile race was the fastest 500-mile race ever in the Charlotte Motor Speedway history, over 145 miles an hour on the average. Cale Yarbrough, who might have changed his driving tactics here this afternoon. Normally, he's a charger, goes right to the front, paced himself, and right now, he's kind of pulled what Buddy 
Baker said, if you wait, the race will come to you. And with 290 laps complete, he is in the lead in the lap all by himself. We talked with him yesterday. Cale likes the National 500 much more so than the World 600. Well, it really does, Barney. You know, 600 miles is an awful long way because everybody's used to running uh, 500 miles at most of the super speedways. And, you know, in the 600, when you get 500 miles over with, then you got another 100 miles to go. So it makes it... Uh, Makes it pretty tough. I think it's uh, the National 500 uh, being 500 miles will make for a much better race. It's making it a super race for Cale Yarborough on the lap all by himself. Let's check in with Ned Jarrett. Barney, we're standing beside the car number 28 that Buddy Baker was driving. Buddy wouldn't talk to anybody when he got out of that automobile. The TV people were here. Everybody was trying to get a word with him, and he just shook his head. You could almost see the tears rolling down his face as he got out of that car and walked away. The right front is banged up on it. So is the right rear as he scraped that uh, guardrail between the third and fourth turn. The left front is bashed in on it. Just too much damage for them to get it repaired and get him back out there and certainly his victory chances had gone down the drain and so they just decided to bring it into the garage area and park it. Buddy Baker, who is such a great competitor, he never gives an inch on a racetrack. He's changed his driving style. He won at Martinsville a couple of weeks ago, and it looked like everything was going his way. But that's the way Winston Cup racing works, no matter whether it's a short track or a super speedway. But I just feel sorry for Buddy Baker this afternoon after putting on a splendid performance, taking the lead at about the halfway mark and never giving it up, and then to crash up in turn number four and have it all go out the window. Benny Parsons is also having some trouble. Benny had run up there with the leaders. His car is now overheating. He made several pit stops during that last caution period, has already made one other under the green since it came back out. So Benny is dropping back in the field. So after having run so well in this race, a former winner of this Napa 500, Benny, a, a Napa a jobber himself, and now his problems are starting. We might mention also the fact that D.K. Ulrich and Ty Scott having their own private battle. They've been swapping positions back and forth, nose to tail the last couple of laps through, and has been going on a better part of the afternoon. Ty Scott and D.K. Ulrich, they're right not up there with the leaders right now, but they're having their own private battle. 294 laps have been completed with Cale Yarbrough on a lap by himself. Bobby Allison runs in second. Darrell Waltrip is two laps back in third position. Dick Brooks is in the fourth spot. Richard Petty, three laps off the pace, is fifth. In sixth position is the Hawaiian Tropic Chevrolet of Donnie Allison. In seventh spot is an ailing Benny Parsons. Bill Elliott, a call goes down to that kid from Dahlonega. He is in eighth spot, and in ninth spot is Dale Earnhardt. Now remember, Joe Milliken has already dropped out of the hunt, so this is valuable points in the Rookie of the Year title chase for Dale Earnhardt as he tries to regain the lead that he held through most of the season before he was KO'd from competition for some six weeks after the accident in Pocono. Another big factor here this afternoon is Darrell Waltrip has to be all smiles right now, although this race is far from being over. He's a couple of positions ahead of Richard Petty, and if he can continue that, he can protect his lead for the national driving title here this afternoon. As you said, it's Kale in a lap all by himself. Bobby Allison rides in second. He's a lap off the pace. Then two laps down in third spot is Waltrip. Dick Brooks, a call goes out for the Malik Racing Team this afternoon. He is currently fourth, and Richard Petty is your fifth-place car. And when they come back across the start-finish line, this time there will be 50 miles to go of the Napa National 500 here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. 300 laps have just been tacked on the board. It will give us 50 miles remaining in the race. Cale Yarborough on a lap all by himself in a race that's had a little bit of everything here this afternoon. Riding second, Bobby Allison. He is a lap off the pace. Waltrip continues to hang on to third position. He is two laps down. Dick Brooks showing in fourth, also two laps off the pace. Richard Petty, who is in fifth position right now, is also two laps down. 300 laps 
Can Cale Yarbrough keep his car from having any problems? Almost everybody that's went into the lead and looked like they were going to run away with the race this afternoon has had troubles. But right now, Mike Joy, Cale Yarbrough is just taking the same line he has all afternoon. He is, Barty, but the groove has consistently moved up the racetrack. A few laps ago, Richard Petty, who on the track is just ahead of Yarbrough, was way up in the marbles going into turn one. And that doesn't give you anywhere to go once you get to turn two. They've moved the groove almost up into the top lane of the racetrack here at the south end of the speedway. Well, this has to have been the most frustrating year that Cale Yarbrough's ever had, Jackie Root. Even when he went with Junior Johnson, they were trying to develop the Chevrolet to being a competitive car. They popped engines almost every time they went on the speedway. We talked with him the other day, and he said even that he could live with more than this. There was no doubt about it, Barney. You know, if you have a bad year and you just give up, uh, then I guess your racing career is over. Uh, uh, we haven't had as good a year as we've had in the past, but it still hadn't been all that bad, but uh, we aren't going to give up. I feel like my racing career is, uh, still has a few years left, and I'm going to give it all I've got as long as I can. Well, only three wins this year for the Junior Johnson Bush Racing Team. He's yet to win a pole position in 1979. That's simply unheard of for the Junior Johnson Bush crew. 373 starts in a career with 59 victories, just shy of winning $2.5 million. If he wins here today, he can approach that figure. And he's carved his career on sheer guts and determination. He's that kind of a race driver. And right now, everything is going his way, but we thought it was going to go that way for Buddy Baker, but it went out the window. You can never count out the winner of a Winston Cup Grand National race until Chip Warren drops the checkered flag. We've seen the complexion change with even one lap to go, Barney. Cale Yarbrough's got a lap lead on Bobby Allison, but you can be sure that Allison is not saying laying over and playing dead. He's running just as fast as he possibly can with the Bud Moore, Warner W. Hodgden Thunderbird. And Allison has had a fine run all afternoon. Just some problems that have been encountered by the Budmore team, namely blistering some tires that have dropped him one lap off the pace. Jackie, Richard Petty and Cale Yarbrough running so close together it's impossible to tell which car, but one of those cars is backfiring quite a bit going into the turn. It was only occasional a few laps ago, but now it's backfiring a couple of times going into the, each time it comes into the first turn. As I say, they're running so close together it's impossible to tell which of the two cars it is. Well, as they come out of that fourth corner, Petty now gets ahead of him by about eight or ten car lakes. Of course, Richard is the fifth place car. He is two laps off from the lead. Last rundown. Cale Yarbrough, your leader. One lap back is Bobby Allison. Two laps off the pace. In third spot is Darrell Waltrip. Richard Brooks is in fourth position. In fifth position, now three laps back is Richard Petty. Donnie Allison is in sixth position. Four laps off the pace. Benny Parsons fades to seventh. Eighth to Bill Elliott. Ninth goes to Dale Earnhardt. D.K. Ulrich is in tenth position. Ricky Rudd shown in eleventh. Ty Scott, twelfth. In thirteenth spot is Terry Labonte. Richard Childress is fourteenth. Buddy Arrington is fifteenth. Harry Gant is faded back to 16th position. Kyle Petty begins to move up. He's in 17th spot. Dick May is 18th. 19th to H.B. Bailey. In 20th spot we are now posting John Anderson. 21st on the grid goes to Tommy Gale. 22nd to James Harvey Hilton and J.D. McDuffie shows as 23rd and the average speed 132.277 miles per hour. Well there may be some consolation for Buddy Baker after all here this afternoon. Jack Root we were just checking with Earl Sappenfield and he has informed me that scoring tells him Buddy Baker led 77 laps overall here today, and the only driver that's close to him in bleeding that many laps was Bobby Allison. Now, if Bobby should be able to get back in the same lap, take the lead, he still has a shot at winning the $15,000 for the Napa Supercharger Awards, but 
If it doesn't work out that way, then there will be some consolation for Buddy Baker. 307 laps are complete here this afternoon. 334 will make up the Napa National 500. It's Cale Yarborough in a lap all by himself. And Ned Jarrett, I don't think he'll slow down a bit. Cale has learned a long time ago that if you have a certain rhythm or a certain flow going for the car and yourself in a race, you maintain that all the way. Yes, you do. And the car apparently has been uh, comfortable for him here all afternoon, the way he's been running it. Barney, and he seems to be pulling away from Bobby Allison a little bit now when he could be cooling it even a little bit more because that's uh, his greatest concern right now would be Allison, but he is pulling away from him. But as you say, when a car feels comfortable to you, run it at that speed because uh, it seems to sort of get uh, set in uh, as you approach the turns and come off of the turns. And if you change your speed, then it could change the handling characteristics of the car. So run it the way that it feels good. Well, there shouldn't be any more pit stops. I would think he would be able to go the distance after that last caution. Yes, he should be able to go the rest of the way, certainly as far as gasoline is concerned, and the way that his tires have held up here this afternoon compared to the others, he shouldn't have any problems there either. Cale Yarbrough has dodged everything all day, paced himself here. He's watched a number of drivers get it into the wall this afternoon. He's in a lap all by himself here at the track right now. And as we said, there have been numerous crashes and spins, bringing out seven or eight caution flags here all afternoon. We talked to Cale the other day about that because he was right in the thick of that bad wreck at Talladega, Alabama, Jackie Root, when Buddy Baker cut a tire out there and hit the wall and the entire field smashed into the wall. And I asked him, what goes through a driver's mind when you see cars that are completely shredded and the drivers get out and walk away? Does it bother you? We realize that uh, things are going to happen in this business at the speeds we run and all. Sometimes these things will happen. But uh, we also realize that NASCAR has done a fantastic job in making this uh, uh, a safe sport. It's much safer than, uh, than you would think. We have good cars, and they, uh, NASCAR really uh, makes you bend over backwards to make these cars safe. And all the safety features have really paid off in the past. And, uh, you know, of course, anything can happen, but just because it's a, a bad wreck, uh, and you get out of it all right doesn't mean, uh, you know, you can't just say, well, I quit. I made it through that one, and I'm going to quit. But you just have to, you know, thank goodness the cars were safe enough that you could get out and get back in and and, uh, and do it again. So uh, I think it's all uh, balls down to the point that NASCAR has done a good job in, in making uh, stock car racing as safe as it is. 313 laps complete at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Yarborough in a lap all by himself in the lead. Bobby Allison is second, a lap off the pace. It's Waltrip in third, Dick Brooks fourth, and Richard Petty fifth. 315 laps are now packed on the scoreboard. Make that 316 here at Charlotte Motor Speedway this afternoon. It's Cale Yarborough continues to wind his way around the track as we continue to keep check on those Napa Supercharger Awards. And it looks like right now that Buddy Baker, having led some 77 laps, will collect $15,000 for doing that. The second-place car at this stage of the game is Bobby Allison, who led just a little over 50 laps. And that will give him a check for some $9,000 this afternoon, and, and that should stay that way. So Baker, even though he tagged the wall up in turn number four after it looked like he might just win his fifth major race here at Charlotte Motor Speedway, will have a little bit of a consolation in that. So Cale Yarbrough continues to lead by a one-lap margin over Bobby Allison. Darrell Waltrip is in third position. He is two laps off the pace. Richard Brooks is on the same lap with Darrell Waltrip, so that battle could possibly heat up. Brooks is in the fourth position. Richard Petty is in the fifth spot. In sixth position is Donnie Allison. Seventh goes to Benny Parsons. Eighth spot to Bill Elliott. In ninth spot is D.K. Ulrich. Dale Earnhardt is in tenth position. Ricky Rudd is eleventh. Ty Scott is in twelfth. In thirteenth is Richard Childress in the CRC County. 
Chemicals Machine. Buddy Arrington is in 14th position. In 15th is Harry Gant, and J.D. McDuffie is shown in the 16th spot with an average speed. Well, 318 laps have been completed, and the average speed is 132.942. So after eight caution flags, Barney, the speed is beginning to escalate once again in the average speed department. There are just 16 laps remaining here this afternoon as Cale Yarborough picks his way around the speedway. He'll be coming up on a five-car pack of traffic over in turn number three. Let's go to Eli Gold. As he works his way through turn number three, Cale, of course, not so much backing it off, but he goes to the high side very easily and takes his time. He's got no immediate challenge to be concerned about. Quickly, we'd like to mention the fact that Dick Brooks has been running so well here this afternoon. We talked about his efforts earlier. If things hang on for Dick Brooks as they are right now, a fourth-place showing for Richard, it could be his very best finish ever here at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Twice he has come in sixth place in a couple of races here at CMS. This will be his highest finish ever in Charlotte if he holds on to fourth. Dick Brooks is a good all-around race driver, and had he been in some really first-class equipment over the years, I think Brooks would have been one of the top competitors everywhere we go. But he's he's kind of like Neil Bonnet. He's paid his dues in this business, and he's waiting to get in a super competitive ride, and I'd like to see it happen sometime for him. 320 laps are about to be posted on the board. That will give us 14 remaining in the Napa National 500 here this afternoon. Bobby Allison still maintaining the number two spot. It's Darrell Waltrip in third. Richard Petty is now showing as the fourth-place car. You know, Barney Kale Yarbrough was a semi-professional football player, in fact, had a tryout with the Washington Redskins, and then elected to go Winston Cup Grand National Racing, starting with the short tracks and then moving up. Yesterday, I had a chance to ask him how he rated motorsports and Winston Cup Grand National Racing with some of the other professional sports here in the U.S. of A. I feel like racing, uh, all sports are built uh, like a pyramid. You know, it's big at the bottom, and it, and it goes up, and the... And the true champions in any sport are right on the top of that pyramid, right at the point. And I feel like that, uh, you know, there are fewer at the top of a racing pyramid than uh, than any other sport. Uh, it's just a handful, as you say, that, that win races and, and do well all over the, the world. So, uh, you know, uh, it makes me feel good that, that I have been a part of, of uh, this great sport and, and been uh, on the top of that pyramid because... Uh, you know, I don't think anybody can ever take that away from you as long as you live. There are just 15 miles to go in this Napa National 500. Cale Yarbrough takes the signal of 10 laps to go from starter Chip Warren. Bobby Allison still in second. Darrell Waltrip is third. Richard Brooks, who was running in the fourth position, will lose valuable time to Richard Petty because he has brought his car on pit road for a quick pit stop, and this will cost him a position, dropping Brooks back to fifth spot. In sixth position is Donnie Allison. In seventh is Benny Parsons. In eighth position is Bill Elliott. D.K. Ulrich is ninth and rounding out the front ten is Dale Earnhardt of Kannapolis, North Carolina. Well, Brooks might lose even more positions than that, Jackie. That is his second unscheduled pit stop in about the last five laps, and what a tough break for him after a good run here today. Several of the drivers are going to pick up a healthy payday on this Napa Supercharger Award. First place, of course, pays $15,000. Buddy Baker has locked that out. Bobby Allison's going to win $9,000 in lap money here this afternoon. $7,500 will go to the third-place car, and right now that appears to be... Uh, would be we'll check on that in a minute Earl Sappenfield is still working on it that can change from third on back but at least Baker has locked out $15,000 in lap money this afternoon and Bobby Allison will collect some 9000 and in addition Allison right now is the second place car so that's going to give him a good payday in the Napa National 500 
The racetrack itself, as we said at the top of the broadcast, has been very kind to Ford products in the past, but one thing that we may have neglected for a little while is the fact that Cale Yarbrough has brought the Chevrolet Monte Carlo here. Remember Junior Johnson last year and then again this year saying, I'm going to stick with the Oldsmobile on paper. It should be the car that will work on the short tracks and on the super speedways. Ned Jarrett has made his way to victory lane, and as he gets set up there, the interesting factor to note is the superiority today of the Chevrolet Monte Carlo that Cale Yarbrough carries the Bush colors on the Saturday afternoon. It has worked flawlessly, much the way it did at Dover, Delaware in the spring and again in the fall. Well, he made no secret when we were here for the World 600 back in May and they brought the Oldsmobile that he would have much preferred the Monte Carlo and vocally said so to the press and a lot of other members and they, everybody thought there was a big rift between he and Junior, but a lot of times you, you go with what the crew chief and Junior's been here so many times that Oldsmobile won races here in the last couple of three years. It's won almost everywhere they took it. So Junior felt like it would do it even though Cale preferred the Monte Carlo and he's been all smiling all week to have it here at the track. Getting down to the concluding laps this afternoon, the Napa National 500, 328 are being posted on the scoreboard, and Mike Joy, it looks like Cale Yarborough is going to make it. It does that, Barney. He is running way up high on the racetrack. As we mentioned earlier, many of the cars are just about scraping the wall between turns one and two. For the last 50 or so laps, he has not changed his groove. He's not had to hunt around for a place to race. And it looks like he's just kind of taking it easy and let the car run where it will. He's moving up in front of Eli Gold, and the groove up there seems to have moved up considerably, Eli. It has, and it happened rather remarkably quickly because for a long time the groove stayed right down the middle of the turns three and four area, and all of a sudden, within the last uh, 50 to 75 miles, the groove has moved way up towards the outside retaining wall. Again, just somewhat of a feeling out process, just the second major race that's been run on the newly repaved turns after yesterday's World Service Life 300. But Cale Yarbrough's going outside where the car goes. He rides high near the wall, but to no problem. It's counting down to the final few laps. Just four and a half laps to go. Cale Yarbrough takes the middle groove to, through turns three and four. He has clear sailing ahead of him, a one-lap cushion over his nearest competition in second, Bobby Allison. Yarbrough out of the throttle just a tad as he comes across the stripe. There are four laps to go as he comes to you, Mike. That is the car that was backfiring earlier, Jackie, as it comes into the turn. It's popping and sputtering about three or four times going into turn one. Ned Jarrett mentioned earlier while we were off in commercial that may be because he's letting off a bit sooner, but the popping noise continues to increase. Perhaps with four laps, it won't cause him any problem. Well, Cale Yarborough is third in overall winnings here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. He's campaigned in 31 races and $238,500 he's collected. He's won twice here at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, and if he can hang it all together, this will be his third major win at the track. 331 laps are showing on the board. The ratio Farm Chevrolet, Harry Gant on the keyboard. He takes it down pit road. It's been somewhat of a disheartening weekend for Harry after his ending up in the World Service Life 300 yesterday. A tough break for one of the Rookie of the Year candidates. He's already planked that car on the pole at the Coca-Cola 500. And again, he broke the track record at the CRC Chemicals 500, despite the fact that it was in the second day of qualifying. Give that team a couple of years under their belt, Barney Hall, and they will be a strong contender for Winston Cup Victory Lane. Harry Gant is no slouch when it comes to being a race car driver. And when Bob Johnson and Jack Beebe begin to get the field for Winston Cup Grand National Racing, the Nutmeg State could have their first Grand National Champion. White flag is about to be displayed to Cale Yarbrough. Next time by, it'll be one and a half miles to go to victory lane for Cale Yarbrough. Well, it's been a long time since we have seen a race here at the Charlotte Motor Speedway without at least four or five cars in the lead lap. But that has not been the case this afternoon. The big story, of course, has been unscheduled pit stops for many of the top runners. It's cost them a chance at a victory. They've lost a lap or two in the pits and been unable to gain it back. After the 28th. 
Cale Yarborough works his way around the speedway. Here he comes down to the start finish line. White flag for Cale Yarborough. Let's follow him around on his victory lap. He's in front of Mike Joy. Yarborough swings to the inside of the dogleg and the engine sputters and pops about four or five times going into turn one. He brings it up high, up near the wall in turn number two, chases down Buddy Arrington off the turn. He'll overlap Buddy before they get to turn three. It's going to be Cale Yarborough moving to the outside retaining wall as he works his way by Buddy Arrington of Martinsville, Virginia. Cale right now again pointing the car to the high side. It floats to the outside groove. He brings it back down and looks ahead to the checker flag. The Bush Beer livery is on their feet as Cale Yarborough sticks his hand out the window and acknowledges the checkered flag in this Napa National 500. Yarborough wins the event. Bobby Allison finishes in second. Daryl Waltrip is third. Richard Petty and the STP efforts come home in fourth position. And Donnie Allison makes it into the top five, finishing in fifth. Well, Cale Yarborough has done it here at the Napa National 500 in the Charlotte Motor Speedway. A one-lap cushion over his nearest competition, Bobby Allison. Yarborough, Junior Johnson, and the rest of the crew have climbed all over. The gold numeral, white-topped, blue side-paneled, bush beer number 11, and they are making their way to victory lane where Ned Jarrett is standing by. We'll be going down to chat with Cale Yarbrough and the rest of the Bush Beer crew after this. From Charlotte Motor Speedway, this is the MRN Broadcasting Company. Here at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, there's pandemonium in victory lane as Cale Yarbrough was ecstatic with his victory as he came across the start-finish line, waving to the crowd, and they were equally happy for him to win this afternoon. 334 laps, and the last few laps, Cale Yarbrough, a lap by himself, had everything his way. He just waited, as Buddy Baker said earlier today, for the race to come to him, and it did. The average speed, 117.818 miles an hour. There were a rash of caution flags early in the race that slowed the field most of the day. Eight, eight caution flags in all, the last one coming out, and it was a heartbreaker when Buddy Baker hit the wall up in turn number four, he and Jody Ridley getting together up there. And as over in victory lane. Quickly, let's go down and see if Ned Jarrett is there. We're here. The Cale Yarber is getting ready to come out of that Bush Beer Chevrolet, but standing by beside me is Monty Roberts, the marketing manager for Bush Beer. And, Monty, I believe that this is the first race that you have been at that Cale has won. Yeah, I was at Richmond, but I had to leave before the race was over. So uh, this has been a great no. It's been a great day for me. Well, you got a big smile on your face, so needless to say, you're a happy man. It's been a long time coming, and uh, I think Kale deserves it, and all the fans that drink Bush beer deserve it. Of course, you've already announced that you'll be sponsoring that team again in 1979. Congratulations, Kale, on a super run. Well, thank you, Ned, and you know, first of all, I got to thank the Lord for good, safe racing. That's that's really was deter the determining factor today, I think, because the car works so good, and uh, Junior and all the boys at Bush Chevrolet just ran perfect, and we had no tire problems, and the Goodyear tires and Valvoline products and Gable, everything we had just worked perfect, Ned. We had no problem whatsoever. Kale, it seemed like that you might have paced yourself to some degree. In the past, you've always charged to the front. Ned, we, uh, we had a little too low gear in the car today, and, and I knew if I ran it like I wanted to run that the, that the car wouldn't make it. So uh, I told Junior after a while that, that, you know, if they wanted to race, that I was just going to have to let them, let them race because I just couldn't do it yet. So uh, I did try to pace myself, and it paid off today. When Buddy Baker went into the wall up there, you've been riding on his bumper for 50 or 75 laps. You made a move down to the inside. Did you anticipate something, or what did happen as you went in there? No, I, you know, we ran up on a bunch of traffic there, and I saw the traffic was going to be high, going to be thick up high, so I went down low, and... Uh, and I saw the cars pull right up in front of Buddy, and, uh, you know, I'm sorry it happened to Buddy. He was running such a good race, but it would have been good there at the end because my car was running super. Well, it certainly 
did the job for you here today. So the three-time NASCAR Winston Cup Grand National Champion back in Victor Circle here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Well, as the days of September turn so precious few, and as we move into October and then November, the racing around the country continues to wind down as well. Limited racing action up and down the East Coast this past weekend, but in North Carolina, Jack Terry was there to cover all the Winston racing action. Last weekend at the Caraway Speedway at Ashboro, Sam Ard picked up his 24th win of the season by taking the 60-lap late-mile sportsman event. Caraway track champion Jay Hedgecock finished second, Morgan Shepard third, J.E. Beard fourth, and Jack Ingram fifth. Hank Thomas won the 60-lap modified event over Paul Radford, Billy Hensley, Billy Middleton, and Philip Smith. This was Caraway's last event of the season. At Nashville, Tennessee, Jody Ridley won the E.B. Smith Chevrolet Southern 200 National Championship Late Mall Sportsman event over hometown favorite Darrell Waltrip, who drove a Bill Gurley Chevrolet Nova. Dean Bentley finished third, pole set up Gene Glover fourth, and Boscolo fifth. Coming events in the North Carolina, Tennessee, and Alabama area are the $37,000 Bobby Isaac Memorial 500 this Sunday, October 14th at the Hickory Speedway where all the top late mile sportsman drivers on the East Coast will be on hand to honor the late, great Bobby Isaac. The late mile sportsman will run 400 laps and the limited sportsman 100 laps. Then, October 21st, the King Sport International Speedway will host a 250-lap late mile sportsman and 250-lap modified double header. Birmingham International Speedway at Birmingham, Alabama will end its season on October the 28th with the Magic City 200 modified sportsman event. This is Jack Terry reporting for Simon Eyes from the Charlotte Motor Speedway. North of the Mason-Dixon line, the autumn leaves begin to come into full bloom, but racing begins to wind down as John McMullen gives us this Yankee racing report. The 1979 season is just about history here in the Northeast as just two more events are left on the NASCAR Winston Racing Series schedule. Going back to last weekend, George Kent of Horseheads, New York, picked up his 11th victory at the Shangri-La Speedway in Oswego, New York, and that clinched the Winston Racing Series Championship there for the New York driver. In Connecticut at the Stafford Motor Speedway, twin 100s were scheduled for the modifieds and late models, but only 57 laps were able to be completed in the late model sportsman feature when the rains came. Hector LeClaire of Burlington, Vermont, was declared the winner over Dick McCabe, Bob Dragon, Beaver Dragon, and Langless Cologne. The modified half was rescheduled on this past Friday, but more bad weather put the 100-lap NASCAR National Championship event off for another week. For MRM Broadcasting, I'm John McMullen reporting. One race that was just completed this afternoon in Virginia, the report from Skip Potter is that Buzzy Walters has won the 17th annual Winchester 200. Here at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, the World Service Life 300 was held yesterday for the late model sportsman competitors, and Mike Joy filed this report. The words hat trick and clean sweep are more closely associated with hockey and World Series playoffs than with auto racing, but Darrell Waltrip yesterday at Charlotte Motor Speedway set the stage for another one. He won his third of three races here at this one-and-a-half-mile facility, earning $22,000 in winning the World Service Life 300 for late model sportsman stock cars of NASCAR. The rules for this year's seventh annual World Service Life race, slightly different than preceding years. It required all drivers to run the short track Saturday night type sportsman cars. And Waltrip in the Gatorade Ventura took first place money in the 200 lap go and the $22,000 prize. The story of the race, though, was a driver named Morgan Shepard, who's won at Martinsville and on the late model sportsman circuit with increasing frequency. And perhaps recalling the drive of Dale Earnhardt here last year that catapulted him into a Grand National ride, Shepard set out to impress the 60,000 assembled here, and he certainly did so, leading a good part of the race and slicing his way through traffic, but his race ran short. 
just 30 laps from the end with a broken oil line. Harry Gant, also impressive in showing what a year on the Grand National Circuit can do, finished second to Waltrip in the same lap. Tommy Houston with a fine drive and assist from the Austerlin crew in the pits, finished third, ahead of Jack Ingram, Gene Glover, Rusty Wallace, Bosco Lowe, Tony Cunningham, Benny Curley, and Sam Summers. There were 25 lead changes among six different drivers in the World Service Life 300, and the average speed for the 300-mile jaunt was 118.033 miles per hour. Just moments ago, the World Service Life 300 companion event, the Napa National 500 for the Winston Cup Grand National Brigade, has been completed, and Cale Yarborough came home victorious with a one-lap margin of victory over Bobby Allison. Darrell Waltrip, two laps back, finished in third spot. Richard Petty in the STP efforts came home in fourth, while going fifth was the Hawaiian Tropic Chevrolet of Donnie Allison. In sixth position was Benny Parsons in the MC Anderson Chevrolet. Bill Elliott in the Yandel Thermo King Ford finished in seventh. Eighth spot went to Richard Brooks. Dale Earnhardt and the Austerlin Racing efforts came home in ninth spot. Tenth position to the Trucksmore Thunderbird of Ricky Rudd of Chesapeake, Virginia, while finishing 11th in the U.S. Army Chevrolet was D.K. Ulrich. The CRC chemical efforts of Richard Childress came home for 12th position. In 13th spot was Buddy Arrington, while Harry Gant finished 14th. 15th went to Terry Labonte. Kyle Petty finished in 16th in the STP Dodge. John Anderson in the Dream Racing Chevrolet Monte Carlo finished in 17th. 18th went to H.B. Bailey of Houston, Texas. J.D. Mc Duffy finished 19th, while James Hilton was 20th. Baxter Price was 21st. John Rezac was 22nd. 23rd went to Steve Pfeiffer in the Kings Inn, Daytona Beach, Florida. Chevrolet from the from the stable of Roger Hamby, while Buddy Baker, after leading and winning the Napa Supercharger Awards, crashed in turn four and had to limp home after retiring for the event to capture 24th finishing position. Jody Ridley in the Sunny King Ford, Thunderbird, finished in the 25th position, while David Sosby finished 26th. Joe Milliken in the Appliance Wheels efforts came home 27th after crashing. Neil Bonnet having an engine expire, he came home for the Pure Later Mercury people in 28th position. 29th spot went to Glenn Jarrett in the Bush Natural Light Car. Jim Vandiver finished 30th. 31st was Bobby Brack. Jack Ingram was 32nd. Dave Marcus in the Shoney's Restaurant Car. The Hudson Chevrolet finished in 33rd position. 34th went to Ronnie Thomas. Richard Brickhouse finished 35th. And 36th went to Jimmy Means in, th in, in the Cuckoo Marlin Machine. The average speed, 134.266 miles per hour. And by the way, Buddy, Buddy Baker was the winner of the Goodies Headache Award for today's Napa National 500. That's it for the Simonized World Racing Scoreboard for this October afternoon from Charlotte. Well, Barney Hall, we said it as we got down to the waning moments, an uncharacteristic type run for Cale Yarbrough, but almost a trouble-free run as well for the Bush Beer efforts, but kind of an uncharacteristic type finish to the Napa National 500. Everybody was pointing to seven, eight, maybe nine cars in the last five miles of competition or so, but such was not the case. A lot of problems were encountered by some of the front runners, namely tires in this afternoon's Napa National 500. Well, that had to be the big story here today, Jackie Root, and as we said, it cost at least what, four or five drivers, a lap or two laps making unscheduled pit stops, and they were just never able to make it up. Cale waited for the brakes. He explained in Victory Lane to Ned Jarrett that they had placed a lower gear in the car, which allowed them not to run up front. That might have made the difference in winning here this afternoon. That's kind of what he credited it to. There are so many things, so many variables when it comes to fielding a winning effort, and Junior Johnson has got to be the master of it. We talked about it midway through the season, that Johnson hadn't washed away the remainder of the season, but back there in June, he was pointing towards the stretch drive in November, and also here in October. He was doing testing and doing a lot of field work back at his shops in Ronda, North Carolina, and it's beginning to come through, and I begin to point 
point towards 1980 and say that the Bush beer efforts with Cale Yarbrough and Junior Johnson may begin to flex their muscle again for another Winston Cup Grand National Championship. As long as Junior Johnson is the mechanic and owns a racing team, it'll be one of the most competitive in the business, and there's nobody in the garage area that would disagree with that. Again, our congratulations to Cale Yarbrough and Buddy Baker. What can you say about Baker here at Charlotte Motor Speedway with the effort he put in this afternoon to have it all go to to nod up in turn number four when he hit the wall up there, but it's, as we pointed out, he collected $15,000 in lap money. That doesn't soothe your pride very much when you're performing in front of hometown fans when he and Jody Ridley came together, but Baker will win many more races here at Charlotte Motor Speedway, that's for sure. Another late-breaking story that has just come in from Anthony Marsh, our Simonized World Racing Scoreboard correspondent, just two minutes ago, Gilles Valeneau became the winner of the Toyota Grand Prix of the United States in Watkins Glen, New York. So that little French-Canadian driver that drives for the Ferrari team has scored his first victory in the U.S. Grand Prix East at Watkins Glen, New York. Well, we'd like to urge the fans around the nation, there are still some Winston Cup races left that will be coming to your vicinity. The last one, of course, of the season will be in Ontario, California. We'll wind up MRN's broadcasting season this year out there. Next week, they go back to North Wilkesboro Speedway. They had to reschedule that one from last weekend after it was rained out up there, so you'll have a chance to see the Holly Farms 400 at North Wilkesboro next weekend. And then on October 21st, the American 500 from the one-mile Rockingham, North Carolina Motor Speedway, and the Dixie 500 in Atlanta, Georgia. And for the East Coast folks, that will be the final two races on the East Coast, the last chance that the Easterners will get a chance to see the Winston Cuppers in their 1979 season. We will be back on the air next, Barney Hall, with what is a very special race to me, and I'm sure lately it's become very special to you as well. The $100,000 Cardinal 500 is the next broadcast on the boards for the MRN Broadcasting Company on Sunday, October 28th. will be a Clay Earls half-mile facility for that $100,000 250-lap twin bill for the Modifieds and Late Model Sportsmen and we've seen guys like Earnhardt come out of there, like Harry Gant, that have become superstars here in Winston Cup Grand National Racing. We always call that the future star race. We get a chance to take a look at some of the grassroots competitors that may fill these top rides in 1983, 84, and 85. It's one of the best shows on the circuit, and it'll be a pleasure to go back up to Clay Earl's beautiful half-mile facility for that one. A very special thanks this afternoon as well to our scoring department who did such a commendable job. Marcia Sappenfield down in the scoring tower and Earl Sappenfield topside here kept it keeping us fully abreast of what was going on in the scoring department. Trying to keep all of our listeners abreast as well of their favorite driver whether he's running 15th, 20th or up front in the first position. A thanks to them, to Mike Joy who did so admirably down in turn one, to Eli Gold down in turns three and four and to Ned Jarrett. Always a great job from the two-time Winston Cup Grand National champion down on pit road for harry howard who's our engineer larry thomas who is our director just a fine afternoon here from charlotte motor speedway on behalf of barney hall this is jack root saying join us won't you again on october 28th when we bring you racing's wildest doubleheader the cardinal 500 from martinsville but for now it's so long till we see you again in martinsville from charlotte from charlotte motor speedway this has been the mrn broadcasting company's coverage of the napa national 500 the executive producer of MRN Broadcasting is Jack Arute. Associate producer, Mike Joy. Chief engineer, Harry Howard. Executive assistant, Mindy McCall. Director, Larry Thomas. All personnel are employees overpaid by the MRN Broadcasting Company. Stay tuned to most of these stations for the broadcast of the Cardinal 500, NASCAR Modified and Late Model Sportsman National Championship race from Martinsville Speedway in Martinsville, Virginia, Sunday, October 28th. This broadcast was a presentation of the MRN Broadcasting Company, a division of International Speedway Corporation.
Outdoor care to home and auto repair. Do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com.